Sorry, but there has been a technical fault resulting in a gap in this recording. Okay. Um, I'm just going to start giving you a, a very brief overview of where we've gone in terms of the strategy uh, for Saffron Walden. Um, it is very much an overview, um, but obviously the documents that uh, are contained for this are, are already well known. Um, the plan obviously contains, uh, or the assessment contained, looking at a, a large number of uh, issues, both dwellings, both committed, 430, and dwellings, the total number in the plan, of just over 1,000, and also looked at employment, including all, all the sort of measures, all the sort of locations you see there, and we looked at a range of mitigation measures to address that growth. This plan, and I, I shall get up and try and point because it will probably be easier. If you can't hear me, do let me know. Okay, I'm just going to run through um, the various measures that are proposed as part of the overall strategy for dealing with the total growth. So this does obviously impact on each individual one, but it's the intention is for, the, for all of the growth. So if we start at point one, this is location here. This is the junction of Peasland Road with Thaxted Road. The first measure is to introduce a, a no entry here except for buses and cycling, uh, a new traffic signal junction here um, as part of, of that to encourage traffic to make use of this road across Peasland Road and Borough Lane instead of going through the town centre. In addition as part of that, the traffic signal junction already agreed to go in at this location at Debden Road and also at the other end then improvements in some traffic signals and changes to the junction layout at London Road as well. Other changes include the removal of the mini roundabout at Debden Road, primarily because at this point here there would be a prohibition of entry, once again except for buses and cyclists, so the volume of traffic coming down here would be much reduced and largely just be the residential traffic associated with that. The other main improvement is at the Thaxted Road Radwinter Junction there, which because we'd be removing traffic that comes down uh, from the Thaxted direction, um, we'd be able to re remove the, the traffic signals there and re, uh, redesign the junction primarily to keep it as a, a priority junction but with crossing facilities. Well, maybe I'll, I will just keep standing up for the, for the last bit. Um, as part of this, this development to the east, um, there are various proposals for a link road through that site, effectively to replace uh, the removal of uh, Thaxted Road as a through route towards the town centre. From a county council perspective, we would want this to be as far east as possible and as direct um, as it possibly can be. We would expect it to be what we call a PR2 route, but for all intents and purposes, a B road. So effectively, once again, replacing the function um, of Thaxted Road. So we'd want that to be um, of a good standard. OK, I think you're probably all aware of the MPPF 
um, national policy, so I won't read out a, a load of text there, but it's there for you if, if you wish um, to have a quick look at, at that. But uh, basically, it's to have opportunities for sustainable transport modes that will be taken up, depending on the location, <coughs> location of the site, and to reduce the need for major transport infrastructure. So this is looking at all the alternatives that uh, we could provide in terms of travel planning, public transport, walking and cycling aspects. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I need to make sure that safe and suitable access to the site. Uh, improvements can be undertaken within the transport network and are cost effective. And development should be prevented or refused on transport grounds or residual cumulative impacts of the development are severe. Uh, and, and that's a key, key issue. So, in terms of conclusions, um, the full Eastern Link Road um, would uh, provide uh, extensive relief um, to the town, so that would be a key requirement of any development in the east, and obviously the middle section is, is not uh, an application that's before you today. Um, a flexible approach to the delivery of the mitigation strategy is required because obviously developments will come up not in necessarily in the order that we would always like because it's, uh, that's just the nature of, of developments but we need to make sure the mitigation strategy um, can deal with that um, and that would need to be reflected in, in any planning conditions put on section 106. So I think that's all I want to say. That is a brief canter through. Obviously the document is, is, is quite a massive document. Um, so that's just to, to give you a brief review for today. Um, what I'm going to suggest is that we hear from education and then members, you can ask your questions to both highways and educations after, after that because that gives the, 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 the members uh, time to, to collect their thoughts. So thank you very much, David. Um, education, thank you. Right, with um, David's assistance, I will take you through the slides. So as has been indicated, I've been asked to provide an update on education issues relating to the new housing development proposed for the town. Um, and a good starting point is the current situation and the current provision. So you can see from the table displayed that we have a number of primary schools that actually serve uh, the town's population. And if I take you through the table from left to right, you'll see the names of the schools in the town, which you'll be familiar with. PAN stands for the published admission number, so those are the numbers of children each of those schools admits uh, on an annual basis. And you can see at the bottom there is a total. So in reception year uh, at those schools there are 195 places currently available. Um, and obviously with Catherine Seema and R.A. Butler, children transfer from the infant to the junior school at the appropriate age. The next column shows the net capacity, and that's the capacity of the schools to accommodate pupils. So you'll see, for example, Catherine Seymour has a capacity of 173 pupils. The next column shows the number of pupils who were on roll at schools in January 2014. The next column shows the future net capacity, and you will see that the only school where currently there is uh, a planned expansion is St Mary's Church of England Primary School, where their capacity will be increased by...
um, where there is a planned expansion of 30 places for next September. Um, you will see at the moment uh, in terms of the difference between the net capacity figure of 1,325 and the number on roll, 1,321, there is a very close correlation between those two figures and that is an indication that schools in the town are virtually full uh, to capacity. Um, the forecast number on roll uh, is given with housing and without housing. And interestingly, if you look at the forecast number on roll um, for 2017 without any housing, it actually indicates there are likely to be fewer pupils uh, in the primary schools in the town than currently. However, if you add the housing on, um, the figure, as you might anticipate, does increase. However, if you take the next slide. Um, the caveat is that there are a number of housing sites that are not currently included within the forecasts and the ones that are not currently included include the Ridgin site, the Kia site, the Manor Oaks home site and there is a balancing figure obviously. Members of the audience, mm. there, was a me there was a message on the board when you came in. Would you please give the courtesy of listening to the speakers? You might not agree with them, but it is only common courtesy to keep quiet while they are making their statements. We are always very quiet while you make your statements, so please will you not jeer and laugh during the proceedings. Thank you. So, where we are currently, the letters have recently gone out for the reception intake for school year 2014-15, and again, we are close to using the available places at schools in the town. I think it's worth making the point here, particularly with relation to the primary schools, that over 90% of the children that attend primary schools in the town area actually live within the priority admissions area for those schools. The only exception, as you might anticipate, being St Thomas More Catholic Primary School, where a third of the pupils there reside outside for the town and they obviously attend the school for faith reasons. You will appreciate from what I've just said uh, the reason why the County Council has requested the provision of a site and funding to establish a new two-form entry primary school in the town in order to accommodate the additional pupils that will be generated by the new housing uh, that, as I say, is under consideration at the moment. The position in relation to secondary schools um, is fairly similar. Saffron Warden County High School, you'll see, has, admits up to 290 pupils per year into Year 7. Newport Free Grammar, 168, giving a combined capacity uh, at intake of 458. The net capacity figures for the two schools are shown again, as are the numbers on roll. You will note from those that Saffron Warden County High School is operating above its uh, net capacity figure. So 2,062 pupils on roll in January with a net capacity of 1,972. Newport Free Grammar slightly under capacity. Um, and the future net capacities at the moment, I'll explain a little more about that, there are no uh, plans, firm plans to expand either of the two schools. Uh, the forecast number of roles indicate that numbers will... Um, at Saffron Warden declined slightly, although what I have to say, when the revised forecasts come online, uh, the, uh, the school admitted a much higher number of pupils into its sixth form last September than anticipated, so that figure will increase. 
Um, and again, we've got the figures with housing. However, just to say, once again, those sites which were previously mentioned are not currently included within the forecast for those schools. The Year 7 intakes for next September are again close to capacity. There are still a few places at um, Newport Free Grammar, but Saffron Warden County High School has filled to its number. Um, we have... We have held discussions with the head teachers of all four secondary schools in Uttlesford considering um, the impact of new housing on the need for additional school places. We have yet to agree expansions with those schools, although the discussions have taken place. A fairly key figure for Saffron Warden County High School is nearly one in five of the pupils attending the school in years 7 to 11, that's the first five years, um, live outside the priority admissions area for the school. So quite a large number of children do come in and attend at the school from outside the area. The figure for Newport Free Grammar is even uh, higher than that. Almost two-thirds of the pupils attending Newport Free Grammar live outside the priority admissions area for the school. And in terms of where those pupils come from, and quite a large proportion of children move from the south of the district, from the Forest Hall and uh, Great Dunmo areas, from Helena Romana's schools, priority admissions areas, to attend both of those schools. And the view is that gradually over a period of time, children who move into the new housing in Saffron Warden will displace those children and push them back to those uh, other areas. Um, however, we are looking at expansions um, for Saffron Warden County High School and possibly at Newport Free Grammar. In terms of the factors used to calculate pupil product from new housing, you'll see there, and I will just focus on the primary age uh, and secondary age children, we calculate that each new house will produce 0.3 of a primary age uh, child. If they're flats, the, the factor is lower at 0.15, and at secondary age, 0.2 of a child, um, 0.1 if it's a flat. And there is a, a calculation, again, for children who are post-16 who go into further education. So, put simply, 100 houses, would we would reckon, produce about 30 primary-age children and 20 secondary-age children, 24 if you include um, the sixth form and I think what you do need to be aware of obviously is that primary has a fairly narrow age range of seven years so some people moving into the housing will have no children some will have preschool children and obviously children move through uh, the, the phases of education and emerge at the other end so in terms of what we've done, we've met with um, both primary and secondary heads, as I've indicated, to discuss increasing pupil numbers in the area, look at the pupil forecasts, provide information on new housing, and also to look at how additional capacity could be added to schools in the area. And they are also aware of the county council's desire to establish a new primary school in the town to serve the school's population. Section 106 funding uh, is being used, as I've indicated, to add 30 additional places at St Mary's for next September. We are also currently in the process of undertaking feasibility works to see if we can add additional capacity at um, two existing primary schools in the town. Um, Saffron Warden County High School has confirmed 
that whilst it will not increase its intake from 290, it is willing to consider an expansion up to 2,100 places. Um, so that's really where we are in terms of education uh, position and requirements for the future. Thank you. All right, members, it's your opportunity to ask questions. Councillor Menel. Thank you very much. That was very interesting. Could I just ask if Forest Hall and Helena Romanis are over capacity now and is there some obvious reason for the children coming from that area up to Saffron Walden? Um, Forest Hall is, I think, the smallest secondary school that we've got in terms of number of pupils in the whole of the county. Um, it's, it's operating around half its capacity at the moment. Helena Romanis is operating below its capacity currently. However, um, there is significant housing planned for that area, so we anticipate numbers will increase there. Um, you will be aware that parents are free to apply for a place at any school. Uh, and if a school is oversubscribed as Saffron Warden County High School, they simply have to apply their oversubscription criteria. So once the demand from the local area has been met, if there are places available, those places have to be allocated in accordance with the published admissions criteria to children from outside the area. So uh, Saffron Warden County High School has got a very high reputation amongst parents. It's an outstanding school. Uh, it has, as you are aware, got excellent facilities um, and is um, very attractive to a large number of parents across the district. Councillor Godwin. John, or it is now. Um, my question is about the traffic. Uh, I note that Peaslands Road is going to be a main route, but at the moment, going through, well, the traffic will be diverted. It isn't going through the town centre. At the moment, it's a very difficult road to negotiate because there's a lot of parked cars. I didn't hear in the presentation that anything was mentioned about parking in Peaslands Road because for it to be a main thoroughfare, I'm not sure, but uh, in its current state, it could do it. Yes, look, <coughs> excuse me. There are, there are already proposals in, in hand to look at a, an 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, parking restriction along the length of, of, of that corridor, specifically for the purpose that, that, that you mentioned. Right, Councillor Perry. Thank you, Chairman. Sorry. Um, I have three questions for each, well, a number of questions for each. First of all, for the traffic. We're talking about a prohibition at a junction with Peasons Road. We also have a link proposed from Shire Hill. Can I ask how we're going to get to Shire Hill with our heavy vehicles? Secondly, for traffic, we've suffered this week with again traffic lights at the main junction of Thaxted Road and Radwinter Road, which has brought this town to a standstill. As there's no KSI sites within Saffron Warden, why is the answer traffic lights? And what justification have we got? And traffic flows rely on enforcement. We don't have much enforcement now, so how do they propose enforcement to take place to ensure that the traffic flows can be as they say? For education, developers only make contributions and of land and monies they don't build. That is the responsibility of Essex County Council. How can we be assured 
that a school will be built by Essex County Council and a lot of the schools in Saffron Warden have academy status. What is the Essex County's view on that because they have little power to force them to do anything. Would you like to go first, Highway? In terms of um, HGVs getting to um, Shire Hill, you are right in that uh, coming from the west, they would have to um, divert through the town centre those ones which um, currently make use, use of that route uh, in a west to east direction. However, traffic surveys we've done show those numbers to be extremely low. In the morning peak, around about four, that's over a three-hour period, and none observed similarly in the evening peak period. So the numbers are, are relatively low, particularly compared to the numbers that currently go, go down through that route. So we're, we're, we're talking relatively light numbers of vehicles. Um, the, the second part of the question, I wasn't quite sure what you were asking. You were asking about the traffic signals and why how they would we, be enforced. Why are we assisting on traffic lights everywhere when all they do is cause further disruption and uh, a threat to our air quality? Um, tra tra traffic lights uh, are able to take um, and, and control traffic much better than, than, than often priority junctions. As you know, uh, the junction where we're, we're, we're currently looking at installing the, the, the traffic signals at Debden Road, um, there, there has been a recent problem there with, with a couple of collisions occurring, which was a problem that we had a number of years ago due to poor visibility. Um, signals do enable you to address those sorts of problems. They don't particularly increase um, delays. Obviously, in, in, in real off-peak periods, clearly people will be delayed slightly more than they are now, but in the, in the peak period, they are able to control the traffic uh, very, very similarly to, to how it is now, but in a much safer way. They also can incorporate pedestrian facilities, which would be part of the uh, Debden Road um, signal installation, for instance, where actually it would be of an assistance to, to people moving around. In terms of air quality, if we look across all of the uh, improvements that we're looking at, of the 11 main junctions we, we considered as part of the, the transport assessment, seven of them would be um, either the same or slightly better than they are now with, with the development across the town. Three would be um, slightly worse. Uh, and uh, in terms of that, it's not considered to be severe in terms of how much worse it would get. And if you remember going back to the MPPF, there is a, 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 a case to, to say, is it severe or not? And uh, it's not considered to be so. And it's very much a matter of working with uh, developers and across the town in general, looking at some of the sustainable approaches you can do in terms of getting people walking, cycling on public transport and using alternative modes um, to the car uh, to move around the town. Had them all answered. I just wanted to come back on the second one before he goes to the third, if that's possible. Well, I prefer the officer to finish and then you may come back. Sorry, could, could you just, I was just going to ask a clarification on the third one because you were talking about enforcement of... of, of enforcement to in, encourage traffic flows. Sorry, enforcement of traffic flows. You have to have traffic flows to enable the traffic to move. At the moment, we've got a big problem with regard to parked vehicles 
your answer is double the lines. So how are you going to enforce it or arrange for it to be enforced? Well, in enforcement will be through through the parking partnership as it is at the moment. So that that's that arrangement is in place and uh, as you know if you go back historically it was much more difficult to get uh, parking restrictions enforced when it when the responsibility did lay directly with with the police as it wasn't necessarily a top priority for them always but now it lies with the parking partnership enforcement levels are are much higher and obviously uh, within a town such as Saffron Walden people soon get to know when when and where uh, restrictions are enforced so you know it doesn't take as much action as it might do in some much larger towns where where people take much more of a risk because the the, the chances they consider are are much greater of, of getting off with an offence so um, the feeling is is that, that they will be enforced sufficiently to to make the system work I mean you can't work on the basis that something won't be enforced and therefore it won't work experience shows that uh, restrictions are largely adhered to by the wider population. We wanted to come quickly back on Very one quickly back then on traffic lights. There are no KSI sites anywhere within Saffron Warden. The only accidents I'm aware of are damage only and only that slight damage has not been a serious accident anywhere where you propose traffic lights. The other thing I want to say it's just a shame you weren't around Saffron Warden this week where it's come to a standstill so many times because of one set of traffic lights. You're trying to put a lot in it. And the other thing was, with traffic flows, I've never seen an enforcement officer go out the town centre and never after five o'clock at night, uh, unless it's a very rare occasion. So I can see there being terrible problems unless you can come up with another solution. I think, Councillor Perry, your points have been made, but you have to listen to the officer who is the highest uh, authority. Could I please... Yes, education. Could I ask you to come in now with regard to... Do you want refreshing on the questions? Or no, I think I, I think I... I think the first question related to uh, what assurance could be given in terms of a, a school being built um, if land and, and funding is forthcoming from the developers. So I think I need to be clear that there are two main ways of providing additional school places. We can expand existing schools or we can actually establish new schools. And I think, again, at this stage it's worth noting that any new school that was established or is established in the town would either be an academy or a free school, which relates to the second point that you made. Uh, and there is a process, so there has to be a full public consultation on establishing that school um, and a sponsor established. And obviously we have to go through the normal procedures for getting planning permission for that school. So in the first instance, we would need to have a suitable site to establish that school on, uh, which was in um, EC's ownership and obviously sufficient funding to, to, to build a new school. Um, and obviously, as part of the local plan process, we wanted to establish a new school on the major um, development to the east of the town, basically to minimise um, journeys between home and school, not just to the primary school, but also to a combined early years facility, which would be established on that school site, uh, in order that children didn't have a long journey to school and wouldn't have to cross busy roads, as has as been mentioned this morning. So it's still Essex County Council to establish uh, a new school site, but it has to have, obviously, those basics in order to be able to do that. The second question related to um, the County Council's view on academy. 
academies. So the county council's view on academies is that it has no difficulty in any school that wishes to change its status to become an academy. Um, and clearly what the county council wants to do and has been doing in this uh, respect is actually talking to the schools about the nature of um, the mitigation that might be required if new housing is allowed in Saffron Warden. So we have talked to those schools. Two of the schools have agreed to feasibility studies to be undertaken to see if it is feasible uh, to expand on the existing sites of those two schools. So we, we always look to work in cooperation with schools, whatever their status, to uh, enable the County Council to um, fulfil its duty to provide sufficient school places. Yes, very quick, because I've got other people who I know who you wish have, Chairman, speak. I'm sorry. No, uh, just please be quick. I'll be very quick. Essex County Council gave back many hundreds of thousands of pounds for money's been given to them for contributions by developers last year, and no schools have been built. From what you're saying, there might be a school, or there might not, but it won't be imminent. The other thing, as far as academy status is concerned, your only power is to talk. You can't enforce them to take pupils. Can I ask clarification on that with regard to monies given back? Because yeah, I can provide clarification of that. There has been absolutely no money whatsoever given back to any developer in Essex for any education purpose. Thank you. Right, Councillor Count. Thank you. Um, a brief question for um, primary schools, which follows on from really what Councillor Perry said. Um, I think it's accepted practice that secondary school children are bussed because there are so few um, secondary schools and obviously a very dispersed population. But I think it's vitally important that primary school children... Um, can go to school locally. I think the sort of friendships they form uh, are important and they need, if we're going to get children away from their televisions and outside playing, they need to be at school with children locally so that they form those sort of friendships early. Um, in terms, uh, and so really the question I'm asking is that I, I do think it's vitally important that children, primary school children, are not bussed, that their parents do not have to, as was in the local press, buy cars to be able to take them to a school. And so really what I'm saying is what, what plans do you have to ensure that people can go to school locally from these developments? In terms of highways... Uh, it does seem to me that a vital part of this, uh, as we keep repeating, is the link road, which will enable uh, an awful lot of traffic to short-circuit the Thaxted Road junction. Um, I do see the Shire Hill thing as being a temporary thing, um, that as soon as the link road is built, people would find it much easier to use the link road than they would the Shire Hill one. And so I can see that although it will remain, it will be infinitely less used than the link road. At the moment, we have two bits of the link road with a gap in the middle. Uh, and what happens if these planning permissions were granted today and it proved impossible to persuade the developer in the middle section to build. 
What plans do you have for actually legally ensuring that that road could go through? Because I, I think that is a vital, um, it's a vital thing to happen if either of these developments are to be given planning permission. Can we start with education, please? Um, in terms... In terms, I, I, I totally agree with the, with the comments that you've made. What the County Council does seek to do is provide uh, places local to where children actually live, as I've indicated, so that they can either walk or cycle to and from school safely. Um, there is a, an additional piece to say on that. If we cannot provide um, school places within reasonable travelling distance for children, the County Council has to provide transport to get those children to and from school. And clearly you can imagine the commitment over a seven-year period where a child may be at primary school is going to be very expensive. And unless it's County Council at the moment spends significant amounts of money on home school transport. So our aim would always be to provide local school places for children in the local area. Um, in terms of plans, as I've indicated, there are two ways of providing additional school places. One is the expansion of existing provision, and as I say, we are currently in the process of uh, conducting two feasibility studies on two of the schools in the town, and the second method, obviously, is establishing a new school, provided that there is a suitable site to enable the County Council to do that. Quickly on that, um, I, I worked at um, the Dunmo Primary School back in the 70s when we at one stage had 43 children in the three-form primary entry, which was absolutely impossible. Um, and can we have some assurance that this will not be solved by increasing class sizes? There are infant class size limits, as you would be aware, that limit uh, infant classes to 30, no more than 30 children. There are some exceptions to that, but obviously we wouldn't be looking to, and schools wouldn't be looking to breach those infant class size limits, and we would be looking to main class, maintain class sizes at 30 pupils or below where that's possible. So there may, be, there may be a particular exception that occurs, uh, but that would be certainly the County Council's aim. Highways. Thank you. Just, just for those who, who don't know the, the proposal that, that was being referred to, um, it's basically the use of Shire Hill uh, uh, industrial area as an access into the, the Manor Oak area and at the same time banning uh, the left turn into Saxted Road and the right turn out to ensure that people make use of that route uh, as a temporary um, uh, route into that site. Um, it is capable of, of taking the volumes of traffic um, that we're talking about, but as you say, it's not a desirable uh, route for traffic to take. It's quite tortuous, uh, and it does go through, through the industrial area, so we see it very much as an interim solution um, to the problem. In terms of ensuring that um, the middle part of the link road is delivered should that housing not come forward. Uh, I mean, there are many processes we can, we, we can bring to bear from compulsory purchase orders uh, and finding funding to provide that link in the future from whatever source is available. So there are powers that, that we have that, that could enable us to do that work. 
Um, we may even wish to, to, to bring it forward early anyway if we could find a funding pot to do that um, and then the developer paying the money back at a later date. So but there, are, there are a number of options that, that uh, could come forward to enable that to be delivered should that, that housing um, not, not go forward and the developer not obviously complete um, that link road. I don't know if Matt wants to add anything to, to that or not. Or, no? Right, and Councillor Mellon is the last... Oh, sorry, do you want to come back? Um, just, you've told us what is available. Can we have some assurances that if this was giving... If both of these applications were giving planning permission, Essex County Council would be prepared to take the steps necessary to ensure. Slightly different from saying there are various things we can do to saying we would be committed to doing some of them. Um, I, I, can't, I can't clearly give you that, that assurance here today that we would do it because it involves, it involves funding of, of such a link. Um, it's something clearly that is, is a priority for us because, as I said right back at the very beginning, it's, it's something we would like to see as part of, of, of these developments within the town. But because it in, involves a funding uh, stream associated with it, I clearly can't guarantee that that, that, that would actually happen. It, it would have to find its, its place within programmes and so on. Uh, we have got um, uh, some money that we put forward as a bid as part of the South East LEP uh, for Saffron Walden. Um, once again, we haven't had that confirmed. It will be some time before we know whether or not any of that funding is available. Um, if it were to come forward, it could be used for a number of purposes. Um, it could bring forward some of the other measures um, that I mentioned to you earlier. It could even be diverted to, to, to use um, to, to construct such a, a link, missing link as this. Um, but that would all depend on timing and so on. So I clearly can't give you a guarantee that, that, that we could do that, uh, that we would do that, but clearly it's an option that we have um, and, and it would take its place amongst other priorities that we have across the county. Please, could you turn your mobile phones off, please? Um, can I just ask a question on that? Um, I, Essex County Council have done compulsory purchase before with regard to. It is not an unusual thing. It is a, a, um, it, it is a system that happens all around the country. Uh, and last speaker at the moment is Council Menon. Thank you, Jim. Um, when you gave us this talk the other day, I brought up the problem of Ashton Road and suggested that you look at a consideration for a one-way system, which you seem to be, at that time, quite interested in, but no mention has been made of that today. That was one question, because Ashton Road is a total nightmare. And the other question I have is, is uh, with regards to cyclists, um, in our papers today, we're putting forward 337,000 towards the Wendon-Zambo route. But I'm just wondering if any uh, monies are going towards cycling provision for the rest of the town. Uh, first of all, with regard to the Ashton Road, that is something we're, we're actively looking at, uh, the potential for a one-way. We're also looking at some other options as well um, to address some of the issues there. So that, that will come out in due, due course, uh, whether that's a practicable thing to do, uh, and we'll report that back, back to you. 
Um, with regard to the cyclists, yes, Wendon Zambo is, is a key um, link um, in the town to, to the railway station. Um, we are uh, looking to review a document that we had called the, the Uttlesford Cycle um, uh, Strategy. Um, it did include a number of other measures uh, within Saffron Walden, which would certainly help cyclists move around the town more. Um, we would be looking to get contributions to sustainable transport uh, modes from, from developers as part of the normal process we go through uh, to secure those. So um, th those could be funded from there or from other sources, such as the local highways panel or other, other locations. Some of them aren't particularly expensive. Lots of cycle measures are relatively cheap. Obviously, the, the route to Wendham Zambo is a little bit different because it's in the countryside, so it does mean that uh, it, it's slightly more expensive than you would normally expect a route of that length to be. But there are, there are some measures already in that document that could be done within, within Saffron Walden as well. Councillor Mackman. Thank you, Chair. Uh, one of my colleagues asked for what assurances we had that a school would be forthcoming. Uh, I've heard nothing to... Uh, convinced me that there are such assurances. Uh, as to expanding current capacity, since several of the schools in question are academies, it occurs to me that uh, Essex County Council can't actually enforce this, which is troubling. On the matter of the road, it, uh, it's interesting that apparently the County Council has powers for compulsory purchase and push these roads through, and yet we're prepared to sit by and watch Dunmow for 20-odd years. But uh, I'll leave it at that. I think those are comments and not questions. Right, I don't see any more. Uh, right, one, the last one, Councillor Govan, then we must. The, the last one is really on education, and I'll declare an interest in a governor of a school, of a school which took an extra classroom at the expense of play space. And I understand that a nearby school, which is brand new, has not been built large enough and is having to have an extra classroom again at the expense of play space. In neither of these schools, particularly the new one, is play space or uh, recreational space uh, extensive. I can soon see that uh, football pitches and sports facilities are going to be seriously curtailed. In looking at the schools for possible additional accommodation, can I please beg that you do consider the space available, bearing in mind that a classroom will take up X amount of space, there will be more children and therefore the pressure on the play space is greater. And we are urged to get our children up and active and it is a very real consideration which just seems to be shoved to one side. Yes, in terms of um, school buildings, we do follow the National Building Bulletin guidelines that are provided for us, so there are specified um, spaces. I uh, you will be aware um, that we are under pressure for places in Essex but, and across the country at the moment because of uh, a fairly rapid uh, change in, in birth rates that have occurred over the last um, 10 years or so, um, and on occasion... Um, it is necessary and we do have to sometimes put a bulge class into a school in order to uh, accommodate all the children within an area for a particular year group and 
interestingly, year groups do vary year on year, so we don't get the same number of children coming through to start schooling uh, each year. Sometimes we do get a large year group, sometimes we get a small year group. So it is fair to say on occasion we have to um, put in an additional class space in order to accommodate a particularly large year group. Um, that is normally done when um, all other eventualities have been exhausted. So I can't promise that won't happen in the future. Um, and I think it is worth mentioning that with large new housing developments, uh, we do sometimes experience a bulge that occurs just after the development uh, has finished and then the numbers do drop back and, and that's a function of, of new housing quite often attracting large numbers of families who have got young children or are about to start families. So there's sometimes a need to put in some uh, temporary accommodation to manage the bulge as it goes through the school system and that temporary accommodation can be removed at a later date. So it isn't, it isn't an easy um, situation. I don't pretend it is easy to manage pupil numbers um, over a particular area. Right. Can I thank both of you very much for your very good explanations and that was helpful for the committee. We have to do a little rearranging of offices and everything, so we will take a three-minute comfort break. But members, please, it's just for the tour. The meeting will reconvene. Um, first application is UTT 132060 Outline Planning, Saffron Walden. And Mrs. Shrewsmith, you're going to take us through this. Thank you, Chairman. Members' attention is drawn to the supplementary representations which has been previously circulated. Um, attention is drawn to the second page. Um, Regarding um, comments from We Are Residents, um, this has since been updated and recirculated to us, dated the 31st of March. Um, the same comments have been raised. A further supplementary representations regarding um, this application has also been circulated regarding additional comments that have been received from Saffron Walden Town Council and an additional letter of representation um, raising objections which have been highlighted um, in the circulated sheet. Also updated um, amendments regarding the report. Um, attention is drawn to Appendix A whereby um, Saffron Warden Town Council's response has been wrongly attached to the care application on page 67. This should actually form part of the Regions application which is the third application on the agenda today. Um, also um, on page 7 on the heads of terms um, an additional um, word has been added um, to section I, little i, regarding the education contribution and the option of provision of a 2.4 hectare um, site uh, for a primary school. Also, condition 4 has also been amended, um, admitting um, on the I think the fifth line within the condition from 1 to 15 plots. The application itself is for outline planning permission for residential development of up to 300 dwellings 
um, provision for um, pavilion, extension to skate park and provision of land for open space recreational uses. And now with the option of the new primary school site on 2.4 hectares um, to the land south of um, Thaxted Road. The application site is located on the southern edge of Saffron Warden, predominantly located outside of the development limits, bar a small sliver of the application, which is within development limits and uh, designated employment land. The site itself, um, we've got the Lord Butler Leisure Centre, Peaslands Road, we have further residential dwellings um, to the north of the application site. To the southwestern corner of the site, we have the granite site and the civic amenity centre as well. The site itself comprises of two parcels of land, um, one to the north, which is proposed for the residential um, development and the land to the south, as previously mentioned, which comprises of 7.4 hectares of um, land for recreational purposes. The ground levels um, through the site vary, um, forming a valley um, along the Thaxted Road, with the ground levels increasing as you're moving up into the site itself. The site as a whole covers an area of 20.2 hectares. Public rights of way also run through the site, including bridleways and byways. This is an illustrative plan of what was initially submitted as part of the application, which shows the proposed residential dwellings located to the north of Thaxted Road and the uh, land which is proposed for recreational purposes. I will show you uh, later on in the presentation um, the site which is allocated for educational purposes. Um, and just as a note, it's located here. The proposed density of the scheme is approximately 35 dwellings per hectare, with proposed access to be taken on Thaxted Road here and here, serving the southern part of the site. A green corridor is proposed to run through the site um, around the, an existing watercourse um, and forming the lower ground levels um, which facilitates the drainage of the site. As part of the application, it's also proposed that a, uh, the first section of a link road will um, come from the northern part of the site up to the site's boundary. As part of the application, provision for land and financial contribution um, for the construction of recreational facilities, including the pavilion building, extension to the skate park, a new car park, and towards open space recreational uses, such as football and rugby pitches. There will be play areas and a network of foot, public footpaths and cycle routes that are proposed that would run through the application site. The scheme proposes also 40% affordable housing and 5% bungalows. The application proposes necessary highway improvements and financial contributions towards highway improvements to accommodate the development. 
the applicant's case, relevant history, policies and consultation responses that have been received as part of the application have been outlined uh, within both reports, both in Appendix A, which is the initial report, and the, and the addendum to the report. The principle of the scheme, um, within the report, um, it's detailed that the draft, local, uh, the draft local plan's position, the compatibility of the adopted local plan with the MPPF and five-year land supply. This is all addressed within the Appendix A and updated within the addendum. Section 4.11 of the report on page 6 of the addendum highlights the level of additional weight which is now placed upon the draft local plan. Also that the five-year land supply is a rolling target which moves towards the end of each April and therefore uh, the Council must continue to monitor the delivery very closely. The Council therefore considers that again it is less than five, that has a, less than five years supply of land um, for housing and the applications um, that are submitted needs to be considered accordingly. The Local Planning Authority has the duty to consider favourably applications for sustainable residential development which will make a positive contribution towards meeting housing needs, ensuring the level of housing supply is robust and provides a continuous delivery of housing. The principle of the application is still considered to be acceptable and it is sustainable meeting the three strands of sustainability as outlined in paragraph 10.14 on page 37 of the report. With regards to design, um, this is a reserved matter, however details have been provided uh, within the application stating that the scheme will be approximately two storeys with two and a half storey elements on key focal areas. The nature of the housing and the roads will vary to a more f from a more formal approach on the main road. Um, this gives you an indication of what's proposed um, on the main route through the site to a more informal uh, one along the outer edges of the application site. The scheme is considered to accord with policy Gen 2 in, a, in terms of housing being designed to code level 3, lifetime home standards and DDA compliance. The scheme is also capable of meeting amenity space requirements, back-to-back -back distances and the requirement for off-street parking in accordance with the Essex parking standards. The plan here shows where the educational site is now being proposed, um, which forms part of the larger recreation use which was initially provided. The site itself is 2.4 hectares. In terms of the scheme that's in front of us, um, there is um, obviously the option for the school site. Um, if that option is not taken, then um, for whatever reason, um, then the site would revert back to recreational open space uses. Moving back um, with regards to highways, um, the application site is considered sustainable, being a Saffron Warden is the largest settlement within the district. Facilities located within 10 to sorry, 5 to 15 minute walk, bus stops along Thaxted Road and the public rights of way running through and around the site which will be further enhanced. The development proposes to enhance 
bus stops and public rights of way and, and the cycle facilities. As previously stated, the scheme is capable of meeting parking standards. Numerous junction improvements are proposed as part of the application as outlined within the report. It should be noted that the proposed highway works adequately mitigates uh, the impact of the proposed development. Also, the link road is not required as an essential mitigating factor for this development. Comments from highways is outlined within paragraph 10.40 of Appendix A, page 41. No objections have been raised um, with uh, regards to the initial application or with the addition of the school site. Therefore, the proposed development is considered to accord in this respect. In terms of landscaping, the submitted visual landscape and visual impact assessment concluded that there would be not more that there would not be any mid to long term significant adverse impacts uh, that would result from the scheme as outlined in sections 10.42 to 10.46 of appendix A pages 41 to 42 no objections have been raised by the landscape officer subject to conditions with regards to air quality this has been assessed as part of the application uh, of which um, the the actual statements that have been provided, the air quality assessments that have been provided have been further updated to reflect the addition of the school site. Based on the information submitted, including the proposed highway works, no objection has been raised by environmental health as the impact of resulting from the scheme would be small. In terms of infrastructure provision, highways and health are discussed in paragraphs 10.56 to 10.58 of Appendix A on page 44. In terms of the open space provision, place spaces and open spaces will be incorporated as part of the more detailed design to the northern part of the site. As part of the application, um, the 7.8 hectares land to the south is proposed to be transferred to the Council for Recreational Purposes together with a financial contribution to enable the provision of such facilities. Whilst this is a Whilst this site is larger than what is required to mitigate the proposed development, this facilitates in achieving the greater long-term aspirations for Saffron Warden and the draft local plan. However, it should be noted that the proposed development is considered acceptable without this land provision. Concerns relating to flood risk have been adequately addressed within the proposed illustrative design of the development and the flood risk assessments that have been submitted as part of the application. No objection has been raised by the Environment Agency subject to conditions and therefore in accordance with Local Plan Policy GEN 3. As previously stated, since the application has been deferred at the 11th of December Planning Committee, meeting, um, additional information has been submitted relating to highways and education. This has been discussed within the addendum, um, within the officer's report. As stated, the application has uh, been um, amended in the illustrative design to accommodate a site for a primary school to address concerns that uh, members had raised regarding the shortage of educational places. As a result, um, and has been mentioned, um, studies have been updated and reconsulted on. Consultation responses have also been um, included within page two to four of the addendum.
It has been re-emphasised within the additional information that whilst the proposed link road has been provided up to the boundary of the application site so as to not stifle future development of the rest of the draft allocation site, it is not required to mitigate the proposed development. Details regarding traffic control junctions have been submitted outlining that the requirements of the signals um, are due to safety audits which have been undertaken as part of the application. Also due to the scale of the proposal um, which would help improve traffic flow. The proposed location of the primary school has been indicated um, has indicated an improvement in vehicle movements as outlined in paragraph uh, 4.3 on page 5. No objection has been raised by the High Base Authority on the amended scheme subject to conditions. The amended scheme has also raised no objections on air quality grounds. Whilst the proposed school site is stated to be uh, a second preference to Essex County Council's um, options, the proposed the proposal is suitable and acceptable together with a financial contribution towards the provision of the school and secondary education. No objection has been raised by the Education Authority. It should be noted that should the school site not come forward for any reason the site would revert back to recreational and open space usage as originally proposed. Whilst the proposed school site is not considered an ideal location in terms of relationship to landform, this could be addressed through reserve matters should planning permission be granted. Again, no objection has been raised regarding flood risk. Additional information submitted addresses the outstanding issues raised by members at the 11th of December Planning Committee and it is considered acceptable subject to conditions and section 106 heads of terms outlined within the report and as updated by the further supplementary representation which has been circulated. As a result, um, the development is considered acceptable and in accordance with policy, therefore approval is recommended. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you very much. Now we have 35 people who wish to speak on this application and we will start with Councillor Watson. Councillor Watson, as you know, you have five minutes, but I would appreciate if you could stick to your time, please. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Members of the Committee, on the 8th of April, we were in this chamber to debate the proposal that we should put the local plan out to consultation prior to its submission to the Planning Inspectorate. You may remember I spoke at that meeting and raised my doubts about whether the, this Council considered consultation anything other than a tick box exercise which we would promptly ignore. <coughs> I seem to remember that I received some criticism for making that suggestion, but today I feel totally vindicated. This application, and indeed the other two which you are here today, are contained in that local plan, the consultation for which started on the 17th of April and is due to finish on the 2nd of June. Today, however, you are being asked to grant planning permission for this and the other sites before the consultation is completed, before it is submitted to the Planning Inspectorate, and before we, the Uttlesford Councillors, even get to vote on whether we approve it. What you are being asked to do today is to approve an application contained in the local plan <coughs> which has not been declared sound or sustainable by the Planning Inspectorate. The reports before you today are full of references to this unapproved plan and indeed to read the officers' reports you would think that it had already been accepted. What you have to remember, however, is that the status of the unapproved local plan is very relevant to the action you are going to take today. 
To use the words of a planning inspector who upheld a decision taken by you to reject an application, the unadopted local plan has to be given very little significance. Exactly how much significance is determined by what stage the plan is at. And we have helped there by referring to the schedule published by the inspector so that it breaks down it breaks it down into four categories, which are one, published, the first stage, two, submitted, three, found sound, and four, adopted. The plan cannot be published until the consultation has been completed and evaluated. We are therefore not even at stage one, and we are not going to get to stage three until sometime next year. So any claims that this application is some way in accordance with a plan that no one has yet agreed, and in my view, is unlikely to be found sound by the inspectorate, can be safely accorded very little weight. By even hearing this application today, you are enforcing the widely held public view that UDC is determined to force through as much of the plan as possible to make both the consultation and the statutory referral to the planning inspectorate a meaningless exercise. Turning to the specifics of this application, I will outline the reasons why I believe you have already received in your packs or received verbally today why you should refuse this application. I won't go into the vast amount of detail because it is vast and others will follow me and I'm sure make that in their presentations. But you should reject this application because its location will increase the traffic flows, congestion and resultant pollution in Saffron Wallen to unacceptable and harmful levels. You have not received a single guarantee today that the mitigation measures will work if the additional link road does not go through. It was required by Essex County Council. You have no guarantee today that it will ever be built. The education provision for which you defer this application for further examination still does not guarantee that any school will actually be built because much of the funding is dependent on other applications to pay for actual construction. Handing over a bit of land does not guarantee a school and the education department was quite clear to point out they were looking for a two-tier entry school Neither of the bits of land which have been offered actually use the word two-tier. They say single entry. So neither of those actual schools would be suitable. And again, there is no guarantee because before land can be accepted, rigorous site compliance and project feasibility processes must be completed. None of this has been done. You have to deal with this application, not vague promises of other building to provide the funding. And what about the lack of senior school places? Nothing is offered to remedy that. The only option that appears to be on the plate today is that what we actually do is restrict the area in which children can come to school in Saffron Walden, and I doubt many of the villages surrounding the town will be very pleased with that. It's been admitted that this site remains outside the town limits. I would suggest it totally fails to comply with the NPPF guidelines on sustainability. It fails to guarantee education provision and is guaranteed to increase traffic flows by its very unsuitable position on the wrong side of the town. This application is, frankly, without merit. I note that on there, the athletics track that was part of the proposal, the sporting facilities to come, has actually now got a blot on it with a school in the middle of it. I think that is just a, a bluff. They have no intention of putting a school there. The Education Department have already said that is not a very good site, and I think it is part of a misleading process, and you should reject today. Right, I'm, right thank you. 
Thank you, Councillor Watson. I will be, because there are so many speakers, I am going to be very tough on the time, and please could I ask you if you would not repeat what somebody has said before, because it doesn't help us. But we will next go on to supporters, um, and a Mr. Peter Clayton wishes to speak. Mr. Clayton, you have three minutes. It's now three minutes for everybody until we get to the agent. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Good morning. I speak for the owners of the adjoining site, the Kilns. I have no objection to this, the principle of development on this site, but I have safety concerns due to the proposed junction onto Thatcher Road, conflicting with our own junction at the Kilns, which is only 2B Road widths away. When this scheme was first announced, I met with Essex Highways and raised my concerns of proximity. I was informed that because of proximity and levels issues, they would ask the applicant to submit fully detailed drawings. No detailed drawings have been provided, yet today you are being asked to consider granting full approval for the junction. You have 1,100 pages of technical assessment, a master plan and a 1 to 500 site access drawing, but no detailed drawings with levels. A simple cross-section would show the huge slice of hillside that needs to be removed in an attempt to achieve acceptable gradients and visibility. In January, TPA issued a technical note which finally admits the existing highway is much lower than the surrounding country. Correct. It's actually eight metres lower, so nearly as high as this uh, roof of this chamber. Then finally, an acknowledgement of our adjacent junction which states coordination with adjacent junctions and to link their operation. Well, we've had no contact from the applicant to coordinate our adjacent junction despite the fact our junction could offer a safe and simple solution, allow the link road to run along the valley floor without removing half the hillside or compromising standards. On the 1st of April, eight months after submission, a final TPA letter, page 59 of your report, stating a design compliance solution could be delivered based on maximum gradient requirements. It doesn't say it will be delivered, but why? Why hasn't it been designed yet? Eight months is time enough to produce 1,100 pages of technical assessment, but apparently insufficient time to produce a single drawing with levels that proves a new junction can be built safely in that location without design and safety compromises. It would only take a few hours, so I'm nervous that it hasn't been produced. Finally in April, a curious email from Essex Highways to David Rutherford noting his concerns, saying... However, it seems the majority of these issues are matters which will need to be addressed at the detailed design stage. But that's where you are today. Full approval for the junction is today, without having gone through a detailed design stage. It's the same as this committee being asked to grant detailed planning approval for a building which hasn't yet been designed. No elevations, no plans, in fact no design at all. That cannot be right. I support the development, but I do not support a compromise on highway safety. Thank you. Thank you very much. The next speaker is Derek Jones. Madam Chairman, councillors, good morning. Uh, Derek Jones, President of Walden Tri. At my last opportunity to address you, I said that we had been searching for a suitable area of land for recreational use in or close to Saffron Walden for three decades. I also said that the last big investment in sports facilities in Saffron Walden was the Lord Butler Leisure Centre and that was a very long time ago. 
Now, I recognise that the Planning Committee has a set of difficult and complex challenges facing it today, but I ask you to look at the bigger picture and to think long term. There is a growing concern about inactivity and serious lack of fitness in our society. Research shows that children are not getting the physical activity they need, that they are becoming obese and unwell. Also, the alarming drop-off in regular sports pursuits for the young in moving from school to adult life is a great concern. This is especially so with females. At the age of 14 years, the number of girls regularly participating in sporting activity is almost on a par with boys, but then it plummets to a ratio of 20 to 1 in favour of males. This is totally unacceptable, and we should be doing everything possible to prevent it. Sadly, research shows that this disparity continues throughout life. The area of land on offer from the proposed Keir development will provide Saffron Morden with an unparalleled sporting legacy. It will encompass a 400 metres athletic track and rugby pitches and a sports complex. Walden Tri, Saffron Striders and Saffron Walden Rugby Club have worked closely for 12 months in designing and costing the proposed multi-sport opportunity in detail. We have taken professional and legal advice throughout. We therefore know that this area of land can become a unique centre for sport and will be very accessible to the whole community, offering its facilities to both the able and the less able. The schools have shown particular interest because of its close proximity, which minimises travel time, and because they already suffer from limited playing field area. We are aware of the possible sports facility development at Carver Barracks, and we are already in discussion with the Army as to how we can work our joint projects together to produce an optimal outcome for all in the community. We have had encouraging discussions with the main sports grant-giving funds, who see this project qualifying for substantial legacy funding. However, none of this can be properly commenced until the support of the Council is given. The fully costed project is a considerable capital sum. We believe it is affordable and can be completed. We have the passion, the commitment and the expertise to secure the necessary capital and produce a multi-sports complex that will not only serve this and succeeding generations, but one that the community will be proud of. It will be a tragedy if this application goes to appeal, as the community may lose this piece of land on offer. Therefore, I implore you not to miss this opportunity, otherwise we will be waiting for another quarter of a century, with the obvious implications for the local population. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Mr. Simon Reid. Okay. Sorry, good morning. My name is Simon Reid. Uh, I'm Vice Chairman of Saffron Warden Rugby Club. Uh, our Chairman Ian McKernan previously addressed this committee, and I'd like to add to his comments. <clears throat> Firstly, a quick reminder the Community Sports Trust comprises the Rugby Club, Saffron Striders, and Walden Tri. Our proposal is to establish a joint multi-use sports facility encompassing a rugby club and an all-weather athletics track on the Faxted Road adjacent to the Leisure Centre. This land is owned by Kia and is the only site currently designated for sports and recreational use by UDC. I welcome this opportunity to talk to you further about our proposal, particularly as there were a number of misinformed views at the last planning meeting. The rugby club I represent has an outstanding track record of financial management. In our 50 years of existence, we have purchased land, constructed a clubhouse, and secured and fully repaid loans and mortgages. Most importantly, we have built a large and highly successful club, all without handouts from the public purse. 
The Community Trust has been working diligently on this project for over 12 months. We have engaged professional advisers to draw up the plans, which have been costed at £5 million. This is a significant sum, and we have looked at funding in great detail. Based on detailed cost, strong funding streams, including the sale of the current rugby club site, and substantive discussions with sports governing bodies, Sport England and the Rugby Football Union, we remain convinced of the project's affordability. This facility is a positive and exciting proposal. Given the large number of youths participating in athletics and rugby, 400 children aged 5 to 18 for rugby alone, the location and size of the facility are key to its success, namely, users must be able to walk or cycle to the facility, minimising the environmental impact of travelling by car, and having sufficient playing area to accommodate 12 junior playing squads, three senior teams and girls and ladies rugby. No other proposals meet this, these criteria. You will have heard from the previous speaker as to the overall impact sport in general has on health and well-being. This facility will undoubtedly reduce pollution from car exhausts and help to improve the health of our community. I would therefore urge members when deliberating today's proposals to consider the wider and significant benefits this facility would deliver, not only to today's generation, but also those to come. It is a fantastic opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Now the next speaker is David Rutherford. Thank you, Chairman. My name is David Rutherford of uh, Rutherford's Highway Planning Consultants. I find it incredible that Keir are promoting site accesses without presenting to committee fully detailed supporting information. The same tactic created severe problems for Cambridge Council members at the Bell site. As here, it was incorrectly claimed to be possible to sort out the details later. But there was not enough land within the constraints of the outline approved red line boundary, so safe pathways and gradients were compromised. Access to the Keir land from Thaxted Road is severely constrained by, one, the proximity of the Kilns Junction, and this was a, safe, a concern of the safety audit, and two, by the need to provide access to the land on, on the west side of Thaxted Road. This is exacerbated by the need for a deep cut, cutting into the hillside, losing valuable housing land. A much simpler and safer solution would have been to upgrade the Kilns Junction in the valley. Detailed approval of the site access includes all roads and paths crossing the site boundary. Many of the standard design details have not been submitted. There are no swept path, uh, HGB swept path lands, no 3D drawings of the cutting, no gradients of the roads and paths, despite TPA claims that they have been prepared. No details have been provided showing proposed access to the school or access to development land to the east, or the pedestrian cycle links to Rillstone Way Estate, the Kilns, or to Granite Business Park. Why not? The junction plan is wrong. It shows no cutting into the hillside. The plotted 2D visibility display ignores the junction depth. Plotted 2.5 metre offsets from the stop line vary in width. The visibility display boundary is incorrectly plotted. 
Advanced stop lines at the junction should be provided for confident cyclists who would not make large detours onto off-road cycle paths. The access road width is dangerously narrow for on-road cyclists being overtaken by lorries and buses on a busy steep hill. The need for parents struggling with children to negotiate steep hills and to cross a busy main road to get to and from a primary school would encourage the great majority to use their cars. There are no details of the school access. School parking along Thaxted Road may easily become a severe problem. Locating a primary school on the opposite side of Thaxted Road is considered to be wholly unacceptable when planning for road safety, accessibility and the discouragement of car use. To conclude, while the submitted details are totally inadequate for approval, they are sufficient to allow members to confidently reject this outline application on the grounds of inadequate road safety, accessibility and sustainability. Thank you for your Thank attention. You. Thank you. The next speaker is uh, Hilary Shibata. And the speaker following me is um, Barbara Hughes. Oh, okay. This fine. has been agreed with Maggie Cox. Okay, Thank fine. you. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name, can you all hear? Yes, good. Yeah. My name is Hilary Shibata. I've lived in Saffron Walden for 25 years. I'm a former member of Saffron Walden Town Council and a past mayor of Saffron Walden. At previous meetings of this planning committee and in discussions of the Uttlesford Local Plan, I've heard many references to the Highway Impact Assessment and its proposed mitigation measures. Firstly, I would like to point out that this report was commissioned by Uttlesford District Council in a commercial transaction with the Essex County Council Highways Department. It does not have the status of an official County Council report. Secondly, just calling something a mitigation measure does not necessarily mean that it solves any traffic problems. I'm now going to use the traffic statistics for the morning and evening peak periods in 2012 as provided in the Highway Impact Assessment to show the effect of the mitigation measures on the traffic in Saffron Walden now, no future traffic increases are included in this analysis. One of the worst black spots in town is the Radwinter Road, Thaxted Road Junction <coughs> and because most of the new housing is proposed for the east of town, congestion at this junction will get worse unless something's done. This junction is the starting point for the mitigation measures, but the so-called mitigation measures only serve to push the problem from one junction to another, making the traffic worse as it goes on, especially in the town centre. To relieve pressure on the Thaxted Road Radwinter Road junction, the first mitigation measure will close Thaxted Road northbound near the leisure centre. All traffic which now goes into town on the Thaxted Road will now have to turn left into Peaslands Road. This includes heavy goods vehicles trying to reach the Shire Hill Industrial Estate about 200 yards away. To stop the traffic diverted from Thaxted Road causing congestion by turning into town via Debden Road, the second mitigation measure kicks in at the junction of Mount Pleasant Road, Debden Road and Borough Lane and closes Debden Road to northbound traffic. 
This means that all vehicles going into town will have to use Borough Lane. When you add the traffic forced from the Thaxted Road along Peaslands Road and Mount Pleasant Road and the traffic that can't go into town on Debden Road, the effect on Borough Lane is staggering. Instead of just 250 vehicles going down the hill, there are going to be 817. That is an increase of 227%. That's more than three times as many cars and lorries as there are now. And this is without taking any traffic increase due to housing development into account. This is such a huge increase in traffic on please, a narrow road. I am about to finish. With a lot of children walking down it to the county high school, the next mitigation measure is to make Borough Lane one way only going down the hill. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Mrs. Mrs. Uh, Barbara Hughes, you're going to come next. Uh, good morning. I'm Barbara Hughes. I've lived in this town for over 40 years, and I too would like to comment on the traffic mitigation measures. At the bottom of Borough Lane, just outside these council offices, all the diverted vehicles will join the traffic already going into the town. So will all the vehicles, which now can't turn right at the mini roundabout and go up Borough Lane, because it will be one way as part of the mitigation measures. They will all have to go along London Road and through the town centre. On London Road, the cumulative result of the three mitigation measures is to nearly treble the number of vehicles to a whopping 1,163. That's an increase of 140% in the traffic going past these council offices. Coming down the high street from the War Memorial and approaching the traffic lights, the mitigation measures will again increase the traffic, with 330 extra vehicles turning right into George Street, some of them will be HGVs still trying to get to the Shire Hill Industrial Estate, and some of them will get stuck. The number of vehicles on George Street heading east past the fire station and towards both Waitrose and Tesco's will jump by 59%. Going back to the, to the beginning of this whole traffic mitigation exercise, the main aim was to reduce congestion at Thaxted Road and Radwinter Road Junction. Though there will be fewer vehicles from one direction, the traffic arriving at this junction round the, from the town centre will increase by 68%. The Highway Impact Assessment recognises the problems of, at key junctions. The updated assessment issued in March this year proposes mitigation measures to mitigate the mitigation measures, and these will cost approximately £1 million. But nothing will reduce the vastly increased amounts of traffic, particularly on Borough Lane, outside these council offices, and on George Street in the historic town centre. To conclude, I would like to remind members of the planning committee that the deplorable situation <coughs> described here does not include any of the extra traffic that will be um, generated by the new housing developments that are being considered today. And the proposed link road will make, not make 
any difference to the congestion I've just described. I would urge councillors to disregard any men mention of mitigation measures in the highway impact assessment. They will not mitigate anything. They will not make things better. They will make them significantly worse. Whatever you decide to do about the three planning applications before you today, I urge you to reject these traffic proposals for Saffron Warden. Thank you for your attention. Thank you. And the next speaker is Earl Stafford. Good morning, Errol Stafford from We Are Residents. So we are here again to continue the deferred care offering for Saffron Walden. Last time there were multiple speakers who made excellent points, both for but mainly against this development. We have just been told that those will be ignored and we are back to first principles. But UDC has not informed those people that they need to make their speeches again. Just like last time, UDC officers are recommending acceptance, and despite many improvements to the application brought about through your decision to defer and seek clarification, we still think the developers need to do more and urge you to reject this application in front of you. You have heard that school issues have been resolved and a new school may eventually be built, but no timelines exist and the situation will get worse before it gets better. Capping entry from outlying villages for high school education is proposed, but what does this mean for the current village children? Lack of choice for a start. We have seen lots of lovely artists' impression of sports fields and running tracks, and every club in town has a promise. Really? All that's on offer is land, land that requires massive amounts of earthworks to level. Separate funding is required for that and the buildings of facilities. It amounts to millions, and while some will come through grants and 106, I can't help feel that the promises won't be met and we will end up with a very poor imitation of the artists in drawings. If the MOD build their proposed sports facilities three miles further down the road, you won't get any of the grants either. We want the sports facilities and youth centres, but please don't let developers bribe us with pretty drawings and lack of substance, because I am sure that you, the planning committee, can see right through that. The main problem with all the developments you will hear today, and especially this key one, is that they are still on the wrong side of town. There is no workable traffic proposal that moves people from the houses in the east to the jobs and communication links on the west through the, a failing AQM area. You have heard highways evidence that mitigation will take place, but what mitigation? The link road that was required for this application is still missing. We still have a 300 house cul-de-sac and the traffic plan is not being modified to show the true number of cars turning right into town. The proposed removal of on-street parking might speed up traffic to the next pinch point where it will wait in bigger queues for longer. The one-way systems that have been shown in drafts will affect everyone in and out of this historic town, but most importantly, the emergency services. Traffic queues may be inconvenient and lead to high levels of stress and lower quality of living for the drivers, but the people living and walking in Saffron Walden, it's worse because you could kill them. If you ignore all of the other valid reasons why this development and others should not go ahead, do not ignore the air quality aspect. On these grounds alone and on the data you have been provided, you must reject this site. We need houses, but we also need to be able to breathe. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Thank you very much, Mr. Stafford. And the next person is Philip Kratz. 
Thank you, Madam Chairman and Members. Uh, my name is Philip Kratz. I'm a planning lawyer, uh, and I'm now one of a team of planning lawyers that have been instructed by a number of residents and residents groups and interests um, to look at all three of these applications, both in terms of their merits, and I'm not going to trouble you on the merits. Others will do so in, out of the, the 35 who are speaking, and as to the due process, and some of that has already been touched on. Um, I do want to uh, comment particularly on where this application stands in terms of policy and timing and your own due process. Um, your own officer's report emphasises that, in effect, very little weight can be given to the emerging local plan. You uh, must decide this application in the context of the adopted local plan. And if I pause and ask the rhetorical question, well, so what? Well, so the, the topic is really to do with prematurity and whether you are jumping the gun. To put that in a context, you've got to look at the National Planning Policy Framework, the NPPF, that the members of the committee will be familiar with. And again, you have advice on that within uh, your officer's report. Um, it really all boils down to paragraph 14 of the MPPF, uh, and that does two things. It reminds us about the presumption in favour of sustainable development, which is described as a golden thread running through both plan-making and decision-taking. You've been reminded you're not even at stage one of the plan-making part of that, so you're on to the decision-taking bit of the paragraph 14. And what that says is that sustainable development means that uh, you should approve development proposals that accord with the development plan without delay. Well, there's absolutely no doubt whatsoever that all three of today's applications are completely contrary to the adopted development plan. There's no question on that. And if it was as simple as that, we wouldn't even bother setting aside all day. You could decide these in minutes rather than hours. But it goes on to say where the development plan is silent, absent or relevant policies are out of date, you should grant permission unless any adverse impacts of doing so would significantly and demonstrably outweigh the benefits when assessed against the policies in the framework as a whole or specific policies in the framework indicate development should be restricted. Now, you already have your own adopted local plan which describes these areas uh, as being in the countryside. Now, that's common sense. Some bits of uh, countryside for planning policy purposes don't even look like the countryside, but this does. It is the countryside. The harm in developing the countryside is so self-explanatory that your own policy says the, the countryside must be protected for its own sake and planning permission will only be given for development that needs to take place there. And in that context, and my very last um, word is that uh, there is a five-year supply of housing land in the district. Notwithstanding your December 2013 report, your own local plan working party received a report in March confirming that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, the next person who wishes to speak is Jessica Wardell. I believe that there are three principal reasons why this application is in breach of both national and local planning policies and so should be refused. In my time, I can only outline the principal reasons. Others will provide the details. 
To start with, the officer's report gives the impression that highways and education were the principal concerns at the December planning committee when this application was deferred. You will remember this is not the case and you were rightly concerned about the other key problems with this application. Firstly, air quality. As you know, air pollution in Saffron Walden breaches legal limits and is a major health hazard both locally and nationally. According to Public Health England, 29,000 people die annually from air pollution, principally traffic-derived, with an estimated 32 deaths in Uttlesford alone. The officer's report states that this development would worsen air pollution at all of the currently illegal sites. This is in clear contravention of the National Planning Policy Framework and the Draft Local Plan, both of which require that development reduces air pollution where illegal levels already exist. Secondly, highways and sustainability. Sustainability is the key requirement for development. The Essex Highway Study focuses on whether even more cars can be squeezed onto Saffron Walden's roads, but they don't look at sustainability, and they don't look at the effective car dependency of the key development. As an inspector's report issued just after the December Planning Committee makes clear, developments located on the edge of settlements which are essentially reliant on cars are inherently unsustainable unless major sustainable transport links are proposed, but none are. Essex Highway's proposed solution would make our highway network much less sustainable by introducing more traffic into the town centre, giving greater population exposure to pollution and making cycling and walking much more unpleasant. Thirdly, infrastructure. The pre-submission draft local plan identifies in Appendix 2 the required infrastructure for any development of this policy area. First, a link road is stated to be critical, but no link link road is to be provided by this or any other development. Next, a new strategic sewer is necessary from the site to the sewage works on the other side of Saffron Walden to be built within the next five years. Again, nothing is contemplated. Next, a local community centre and medical facilities are essential, but none is proposed by this or any of today's other applications. Allotments are essential, again, completely absent. Whilst the proposed land for sports would clearly be welcome, it simply doesn't make up for all the other deficiencies. This is an unsustainable housing estate, remote from existing services and with few proposed, whose residents would be almost entirely dependent on car usage. This is a poor, unsustainable application, and residents urge you to reject it. Thank you. Uh, The next speaker is Paul Gadd. Hello. I want to talk about legal issues on the officer's report. The report is legally wrong in the way it interprets and applies the MPPF. First, it fails to include any cumulative assessment of air quality, although the Secretary of State has made clear that it should. Secondly, it doesn't perform a balanced sustainability assessment, which is also required. And thirdly, it's misleading about the deliverability of necessary infrastructure, including the supposedly essential link road. First, air quality. The MPPF requires that you assess the cumulative impacts on air quality across all development sites. Three large developments on the east of Saffron Wardens, Tesco Extension, the Persimmon Estate and the Granite Retail Park have all been permitted, but all unbuilt. But this application disregards them. It doesn't perform the required assessment showing the impact of all developments cumulatively so you can reach a conclusion on their air pollution impacts. Even individually, Keir themselves confirm that just from this one site, the illegal levels of air pollution will worsen, which is not allowed. Secondly, there's a presumption in favour of sustainable development. 
you must decide whether the application is sustainable by weighing up the advantages and disadvantages. The officer's report, however, provides no balance for you. Paragraphs 1011 to 1013 are the only consideration of sustainability, but they merely set out a few advantages of building. No disadvantages are explained and no balanced assessment is given. There's no consideration of the lack of public transport, that it's too far to walk to services, that residents will be car dependent, that air pollution and traffic congestion will continue to worsen, that policy requires that housing be near to jobs and there are no signs of significant job creation in Saffron Warden. Some are dealt with separately in the report, but then inadequately in isolation, not as required. Nor is there any consideration of the breach of draft policies like SP12 and INF4, which require that sites are situated to promote non-car access, to protect health and encourage healthy lifestyles. Thirdly, infrastructure. You've heard that an estate link road is essential, but that there are no plans for a middle section, no plans to compulsory acquire it, and the chances of significant Essex funding coming to Uttlesford must be minimal given competing pressures. It looks horribly like Dunmo Bypass 2, as people have said. And to answer Councillor Monell's earlier question, no money whatsoever is proposed for any cycling infrastructure anywhere in Saffron Warden, apart from the station path. You do not have sufficient information to prove this application as required by the MPF, the law and the Secretary of State. Please refuse it. Thank you. Thank you. The next speaker is Stephen Williams. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Your responsibility is planning, not planning, surfing along, passing over strategy to tragedy, Looking at this whole picture and standing back from some of the apposite detailed objections you will hear today, you immediately can determine why these two proposed sites are unsuitable for major development, especially when they totally contravene planning policy, as both schemes are outside the existing local plan, indeed only be permitted if consistent with government policy. Everyone fully accepts. We must grow, not stagnate, with needs for more housing, but where, how much, and what is sustainable? UDC's own sustainability appraisal concluded 250 houses over the next 15 years was the right level of growth for Saffron Walden, a conclusion driven by traffic congestion, unacceptable, indeed almost illegal, levels of air pollution, the stress on the historic centre, I worked there for 35 years, I know it, and the lack of new jobs or interest from potential employers in Saffron Walden. Almost 200 new homes have since been approved. A key plank of government policy and a requirement for sustainability is to build houses where jobs are being created, yet jobs are not being created in Saffron Walden. UDC's employment review states clearly that Saffron Walden is not an attractive place for employers for various reasons. It's poor transport links. Uttlesford's employment growth isn't going to happen here. Simply look at the continuing applications to metamorphosis employment land into housing because there is no demand for it. Permission here in February lost the large Willis and Gambia site. This afternoon you will hear a region claim that half their employment land is not needed. The large granite site which had permission for an office development of precisely the type region's claim is lacking in Saffron Walden is now being given over to retailers. There was no demand for office space or other employment. 
The situation is made worse because of the location of the applicant's area, as we've heard. We've heard that Saffron Walden's road layout is being turned completely upside down in order to accommodate them. The proposed one-way system routing all traffic through the town centre, including HGVs from the west and the north and the south, is simply madness. And yet it's ECC's only solution to accommodate the extra traffic. Could you contemplate such chaos if it wasn't for these proposals? Factor the damage it will do to the whole of Saffron Walden into your deliberations. The applications invite you to get sucked into the details and miss the bigger picture. Don't. Both of these applications are inherently unsustainable and unsuitable. Remember, strategy to tragedy. Please reject them. Thank you. Uh, the next speaker is Jen Beaton. Hello. I'm here today as a mother representing many parents and their children who are unable to attend due to work commitments and attending school. I'm asking the committee to refuse the application because it simply does not meet the needs of the community and indeed exacerbates the pressures currently placed on Saffron Walden services, amenities and infrastructure. As someone who grew up in the town, I understand why it's a fantastic place to live and I appreciate the opportunities and support the Saffron Walden community offered to me as a child and a young adult. However, it became all too apparent when my husband and I tried to return to the area after a few years away with the army that despite our best efforts in saving and working in the public sector, it was financially too expensive. Affordability has become the watchword in this heated debate over homes. There are no guarantees here that any of the family homes proposed will be truly market affordable by those couples and young families who are saving to get onto the property ladder. These are the families who might not qualify for housing support. These are the couples who are currently young professionals spending significant sums on rental properties in town and who cannot get enough to secure a deposit nor afford mortgage repayments on a single salary once children come along. A couple I recently spoke to are in this very position, stuck in their two-bedroom flat, now with two small children and requiring 100,000 k minimum to make the next step up the ladder. They cannot save this sum, nor can their employment support the mortgage increase required. They are stuck. For those of us trying to leave a car at home or who cannot afford public private transport, we find ourselves walking through increasing levels of pollution in two places of legal levels. Our young children sit in pushchairs at exhaust height, waiting to cross gridlock roads at peak times. Walking the school route, when this development brings additional cars and increased congestion, will be hazardous to our health. It's a crazy world where children are healthier, sat in a car with filtered air on the way to school, rather than walking with their parents and friends. Teachers and sports leaders have reported an increase in numbers of asthma inhalers being handed in at the start of lessons, evidence that our children are indeed struggling to breathe. Parents and the elderly have reported that accessing healthcare services is increasingly problematic and it's a struggle to get routine and emergency appointments as the surgeries in town are full to bursting. Queues for on-the-day appointments at Gold Street Surgery start at 7am and regularly snake down the road. Parents who need a preschool child to be seen have been late getting a primary age child to school because they are stuck outside a GP surgery for an appointment. Others have simply gone to A&E, shifting the pressure on our services to another provider. I've spoken to one mother in Saffron Walden whose son has undergone cancer treatment. On more than one occasion, his support nurse was unable to get to their home to administer critical timed treatment due to being stuck in town traffic, and the mother had no alternative but to rush her son into hospital instead. Health visiting teams for the under-ones are at breaking point. Saffron Walden teams can no longer offer an at-home six-month developmental check as there aren't enough staff to cover all the newborn appointments. 
The Saffron Walden Playgroup, run entirely by volunteers, went through charitable status to get a health visitor. On those grounds, I urge you to refuse. Thank you very much. Uh, Sharon Morris. Good morning. I'm a mother to three daughters, two of whom have been diagnosed with asthma. My youngest was diagnosed aged one, although she showed symptoms from just nine weeks. She had her first inhaler at just four months old. Let me share with you some statistics from Asthma UK, the UK's leading asthma charity. The UK has some of the highest rates of asthma in Europe. One in 11 children and one in 12 adults has asthma. On average, three people die from asthma every day. It is known that environmental pollution can make asthma symptoms worse and may play a part in causing some asthma. Two-thirds of people with asthma find that air pollution, particularly traffic pollution, makes their asthma worse. Almost one-third of people with asthma say that a reduction in air pollution is the single thing that would make the most difference to their quality of life. 42% find that traffic fumes discourage them from walking and shopping in congested areas. 85% of people with asthma say they are concerned about the effect that increasing vehicle fumes will have on their and their family's health. Small children and infants are particularly vulnerable to inhaling traffic fumes, but have no doubt about it, there is an effect on every one of us. The air quality management area declared over Saffron Walden was expanded only two years ago. This leads to the obvious conclusion that the situation is getting worse. Essex Highway's air quality assessment shows that UDC's traffic mitigation measures will make pollution worse in the centre of town. I know I'm not alone in failing to see how the three applications before you today contribute towards a reducing congestion, an improvement in traffic flow and an improvement in air quality within the current AQMA. Eventually there will be in excess of 1,100 new cars travelling through our medieval streets from these three developments alone. A recently released report from Public Health England concludes that people living within an AQMA die earlier than people who do not. I will repeat that. The residents of Saffron Walton who live within the AQMA, which covers a large part of the town, some of whom are probably here today, will statistically have a shorter life than those who don't. This is fact. Councillors, I ask that you take the bravest of steps today and urge you to reject the three applications on the basis that they do not encourage use of sustainable modes of transport and do not minimise pollution and are therefore not in accordance with the MPPF. After today, it will be too late to undo the damage. After today, the children of Saffron Walden, be they 7 or 70, will be condemned to worse health and an earlier death than they might otherwise have enjoyed. Councillors, this is the reality we are faced with today in Saffron Walden. Thank you. Thank you. The next speaker is Paul Garland. Thank you, Madam Chairman, and good afternoon. Uh, the NPPF requires developments to be economically, socially and environmentally sustainable and recommends refusal for those that are not. Even though you've already heard that no proper sustainability assessment was prepared, it's clear that this development fails the requirement. The Keir site is remote from Saffron Walden and a long way from any facilities. The town centre and the healthcare facilities are two kilometres away. 
If you want to get to the, to the school, the county high is 30 minutes away. The station, of course, is much further. From an economic sustainability perspective, owners of employment land are queuing up to tell you that there is no demand for their employment land, as Ridgens will do this afternoon. But policy requires houses to be built where the jobs are. Environmentally, planning policy is designed to decrease the proportion of trips made by car by proper location of developments. Yet this development is in an improper location under the MPPF. It's too far to walk to most facilities. A small contribution to the cycle path to Audley End Station is proposed, but it's three kilometres even to the start of this proposed path. And there's no proposal for any cycle route to any work or day-to-day -day facilities. Bus travels are no better. Only nine buses a day go past the site. Four on Sundays, Saturdays, sorry, and none on Sundays. And there's no specific commitment to significantly enhance the bus services. The site is just as poor at meeting its social sustainability requirements. The NPPF requires planning to facilitate social interaction and to create healthy and inclusive communities. That means integrating housing with services such as healthcare, schools, shops, community centres, and not, as in the Flitch Green development, building new houses remote from all key services and consigning residents to a car-dependent lifestyle. The location of the applicant's site is the opposite of the existing and the draft local plan policies and the opposite of the NPPF sustainability policy requirements. It fails on economic, environmental and social sustainability counts and none of the mitigation measures suggested this morning are anything other than aspirations. Nothing is secured. The NPPF and local policies guide you to refuse this application, and so I urge you to do so. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, the next speaker is David Honigold. Good afternoon, councillors. I'm Dr David Honigold. I request that you reject this application on the basis that it completely fails to provide the necessary infrastructure identified as either desirable or essential by UDC in its recently published infrastructure plan. The relevant provisions of the infrastructure plan are set out in Appendix 2 to the pre-submission draft local plan. The infrastructure delivery plan contains a schedule of the infrastructure necessary to support the development of the Keir and Manor Oak developments. Some of it is proposed to be supplied through these developments, but much of it is not, and they should be rejected until there is a clear plans in place for the delivery of the infrastructure. To fail to do so will merely store up trouble for the future and is clearly therefore unsustainable for the purposes of the NPPF. First, the infrastructure delivery plan identifies that a link road between Radwinter Road and Thaxted Road is, in the, council's word, in the Council's words, critical for the development of these sites. Yet, as you will hear further, there is absolutely no prospect of the link road being provided. Secondly, the plan identifies that a new strategic sewer from these sites right across Saffron Walden is again critical. As the plan says, the wastewater treatment plant is situated at the exact opposite of Saffron Walden from these sites. It goes on to say that the plant is at the capacity and extensive upgrades are required. 
Yet there is no explanation as to how this will happen, whether it is sustainable and what will happen to Saffron Walden whilst a new strategic sewer is dug through the middle of it. Thirdly, an upgrade to the sewerage works in the next five years is again critical, yet there is no reference to it in the officer's report or any proposed condition. Next, a local community centre is required, but no community centre is being delivered by either development. Next, green space. Including children's play areas, playing fields, allotments and amenity land are required. The one big plus of the care application is, of course, the playing area. Yet neither development will be providing any allotments, Manor Oak will provide no children's play areas, and each provides hardly any amenity land. The draft local plan requires that, and again I quote, new developments should be linked to existing services and facilities, including workplaces, schools, town centres, green spaces and the countryside beyond, by well-designed, attractive and safe cycle and pedestrian routes. Yet there is no proposal to link any of these developments to any services or facilities by any cycle routes, let alone well-designed ones. Therefore, councillors, I urge you to reject these developments unless and until a proper sustainable level of infrastructure provision can be assured. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, The next speaker is Neil Hargrave. So Neil Hargraves is not speaking. Yes. Uh, sorry, the message obviously went through. One, one, Neil was possibly reading out Paul's speech, but Paul's now here. OK. Mr Paul Doe, then, please. Thank you, Madam Chairman, members of the Council. Um, I hope you can all hear me. A lot of what's been covered today is what I was going to say, so I'd just like to add a few things instead. With regards to the proposal for the development, the massive impact on the traffic around the one-way system that you're also proposing, has anybody actually thought about the massive impact? The massive impact this is sorry, the massive impact this is going to have on our emergency services. As you know, our Saffron Warden Fire Service are retained members, and I'm sure that over 50 percent of those staff work in businesses on Shire Hill. For them to be able to respond now to the fire station if this proposal goes ahead means they've now got to travel the whole way around the town, which is going to be severely congested, with traffic also being diverted. It's going to put lives at risk. The impact also affects the ambulance service who, if they need to come into town from out of area, Harlow or Chelmsford, Dunmo, they're going to need to turn all the way around through the one-way system, through the town, to come back to an address possibly 500 metres down Faxted Road, the opposite end of the one-way system. It's going to have massive impacts on everybody, schools, the children, the adults, the health of everybody. We're all at risk because of this. Basically, I can't say any more because everybody said what we needed to say. So I just urge you not to put this proposal through and reject it. Thank you. Thank you. The next person that wishes to speak is Mr. Matt North. Right, I think a lot of what I was uh, planning to say has already been covered. Um, so I think I'm going to briefly respond to the um, comments we heard earlier about education and highways. I think there's some very interesting and very pertinent questions put together um, by. Um, the committee. Um, Firstly on education I thought the very interesting words you used were providing there is a suitable site. Now I thought 
according to Essex County Council's own guidelines, prior to sub submitting a planning application for a school site, a site suitability assessment needs to be completed. I've looked through all of these applications and I can't find one. I can therefore only conclude the developers have not completed the site suitability assessment. But what does that tell you about how realistically committed they are to actually building the schools? Had they, had they actually completed it, I think question three on the questionnaire is to do with the gradient of the school. And the, the, the land for the school can't have a gradient of greater than one in 70, I believe. Uh, if anyone's actually been to the um, care site, uh, I think we can safely say that, that it doesn't get past question three. So, firstly, providing there's a suitable site, they have not even spoken to Essex Education about building a school here. They're, I think the second uh, question I'd have is about on your figures for the pupil product methodology about the forecasted number of children. Um, my understanding is the methodology looks at the uh, number of bedrooms um, in the properties and the, whether they're flats or houses. What it doesn't take into account is affordable houses. Um, there is a requirement of 40% affordable houses on all of these sites and uh, research shows that actually people moving into affordable houses have a higher number of children per bedroom. That hasn't been factored into any of their calculations. Um, thirdly, you mentioned that schools are talking about expanding. Um, you didn't mention which ones. I have no guarantee that they're anywhere near either of these sites. And we heard um, at the last planning meeting application that came up in Saffron Ward and the story of the lady who had to buy a car to drive. So basically on education, what we're left with is developers who haven't actually bothered completing the site suitability questionnaire such as their commitment. Absolutely no guarantees that the land is suitable. Uh, no guarantees that schools will expand. And no one putting any money forward to build one. I'll now turn to highways. I think it's absolutely outrageous that here today we're presented with a map with a link road prior to considering these applications. As um, the officer has pointed out, these applications are supposed to be judged on their own merits. Nowhere in any of these applications is there a link road. You can't even call it a link road because at the moment there is a 300 house cul-de-sac and there's a 230 house cul-de-sac or sorry uh, road that goes via link road via via shire hill um i've got one more point to make will this you make it very quickly okay. then please so the absence of a link road um the alternative was described as horrendous by highways and described as a temporary measure uh, the local plan says that this measure will be in place for 20 years in which parallel universe is 20 years a temporary measure thank you Thank you, Mr. North. The next speaker is Anthony Armand Jones, please. Good afternoon, Chairman. The Transport Users Group was set up to provide existing transport users with an independent voice for their views, and I speak as its coordinator. Since uh, Councillor Watson spoke um, about an hour ago, um, I have been refreshed by the fact that so many points have been made that uh, I would cover myself this morning. And bearing in mind what you have uh, indicated, uh, Madam Chairman, I will merely say I accept just about every single one of them. I just want to make one or two points which... Um, have not really been considered. 
first of all, the um, mitigating um, traffic uh, plan of Essex has yet to be debated publicly, and as such, therefore, we have no idea as to uh, the extent to which uh, it will um, be adopted. It appears, according to the council, according to Essex County Council, that it's uh, going to occur. One thing that they seem to have left out is the fact that uh, the high street um, will become effectively an urban clearway of three lanes, two down, one up. Um, but uh, the plane trees on um, each side of the road are so close to the road that it would be quite impossible for lorries to pass those plane trees remaining in their lanes. They'll have to come down. The thing that bothers me, or bothers the group with regard to the site, really is the question of uh, the traffic that will be generated, not necessarily um, commuters, because commuters come and go um, first thing in the morning, last thing uh, in the afternoon, but because of the area of the site, um, the extent to which um, it goes up and down, um, it's hardly likely that you will find very many mothers will be pushing pushchairs up and down hills. Um, they'll have cars. They'll have no choice. That means that um, if they're on school runs, that's, they're going to do that journey twice a day. Um, if they're going to go shopping, they're likely to do that on the days when uh, the, all the shops and markets are open, Tuesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. Um, multiply this by the likely number of car users um, for any of this scenario and, and consider the effect on everybody else. Luckily, in one sense, the demise of the old A130 um, has meant that uh, Saffron Walden has little through traffic. Um, unluckily, the historic town centre will continue to suffer from the lack of a bypass. We can only argue that that is something which should now be considered. The link road may be one thing, but a bypass for the town centre is something which really must now be considered. Thank you, Madam. Thank you very much. Uh, the next speaker is Richard Gilead. Madam, <clears throat> Madam Chairman, members of the committee, the CARE proposal does not conform to the MPPF requirements for transport sustainability as set out in sections 30 and 35, nor does it support the policies set out in the adopted local plan paragraphs 3.5 and 9.4, which require developers to encourage the use of modes of transport other than the private car. The proposal assumes that two kilometres is the acceptable limit for walking, which contradicts the published guidelines by the Chartered Institution of Highways and Transportation. The town centre is at least 1.8 kilometres away, not 5 to 15 minutes walk. This is more than twice the maximum walking limit of 800 metres to town defined by the CIHT. Keir developments say they will link the existing pedestrian network. Unfortunately, such a network barely exists because of the lack of suitable pedestrian crossings at key junctions such as Kate's Corner and across busy through roads like the High Street or Newport Road. There are no reasonably direct, safe pedestrian routes from the site to town centre amenities or the county high school. The only mitigation offered is to include pedestrian controls with the new traffic lights at the Thaxted Road, Peaslands Road Junction, which is only metres away from an existing zebra crossing. 
The lack of pedestrian provision applies equally to the lack of cycle provision to any facilities. These developments all assume that almost everyone will drive in clear breach of national and local planning policies. The latest local plan traffic assessment produced by Essex Highways analyses the cumulative effect of the housing development proposals to the east of our town. The results are frightening. The figures predict that many roads around Saffron Walden will become completely choked at peak times in the morning and evening. The report says that seven out of the 11 major junctions will be operating over capacity. Queues will be four times longer than they are today. The proposed one-way system will force Keir traffic to join the morning queues in Borough Lane, London Road and the High Street. Returning evening queues in Peaslands Road will stretch back beyond Winstanley Road, blocking this major access point to the southern housing area. Restricting parking in Peaslands Road will allow faster traffic, but will increase pedestrian danger. The Keir proposal does not address the real problems pedestrians will face, nor include any useful mitigating actions to resolve them. None of the predicted traffic figures include the real car usage that will result from pedestrians having to resort to their cars. Thus, the transport sustainability of this proposal lacks any credibility. I urge members to reject it. One final point. I understand there was a visit to the Keir site on Monday? Not to the Keir site, to the Manor Oak site. It was oh, a site visit. Okay. Thank you, Madam Chair. <clears throat> the next um, speaker... Thank you very much. The next speaker is Wendy Clemens. Good afternoon. Um, I won't talk much about traffic because everybody else has, but can I just say one thing? I live at the bottom of Shire Hill on the Thaxted Road, so my living room and bedrooms look out. And the idea that there are very few HGVs is ridiculous. Um, I don't know what time Essex Highways went, but if they'd like to come and sit in my living room 24 hours a day, there are HGVs all through the night. And the idea of all of those going down all our you know, historic town is ridiculous. Um, back to what I did want to talk about. Um, we use the fields that Keir wants concrete over for family walks. We escape the sounds of traffic and the smell of the pollution by walking around the fields, as do many other Saffron Walden families, as it is one of the few areas of countryside in this so-called country town that you can still get to without having to get into your car. We enjoy the sound of skylarks and grasshoppers, the sight of butterflies and wildflowers. On one walk last summer, I counted 43 different species of wildflower. I can see no consideration for the loss of wild ha wildlife habitat in any of the reports. In fact, the officers' reports claim that the development will preserve and indeed enhance wildlife and that the development will help to deliver an environmental role for the area. If it wasn't so depressing, the report would be funny. The idea that skylarks or varied wildflower populations will still be living in narrow and isolated wildlife corridors because of a few extra trees planted here and there, or that concreting over these easily accessible rural spaces will enhance the environment is just ludicrous. I'm also concerned that the field in question is prone to flooding. I know there have been flooding reports, but if I can just pass around these photographs. Sorry, not nothing is allowed to be passed okay, I'm around. sorry, I didn't know I'm that. I did, I did send these to Maria Shoesmith along with a video on the 2nd of January showing that there was actually a river running along the bottom of the field, and that was before um, the major flooding. So I don't know if anybody actually has taken that into consideration. Yeah, I'm, I'm very sorry. I have to be quite strict on that, oh. because that we're not yeah. allowed to pass things Okay, around. that's fine. I'm sorry. Um, and, I'm, you know, if the, if the soil is replaced with tarmac, aren't we going to be faced with the sort of flood damage that occurred on the development near home base? Um, 
That's about it, really. Sorry. I just really hope that you'll reject the application. It's, it beggars belief. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. The next uh, speaker is Joanna Stone. Good morning. And first, I apologise because I'm going to try not to repeat so much of what's been said, but um, perhaps it shows how strongly we feel. Um, first, you should have seen uh, in a pack that there's been a letter... Nera? There's a, um, a letter from the Secretary of State to DEFRA, Owen Patterson, um, to RMP at Sarah on Hazelhurst, talking about UDC's handling of air quality. Um, my husband, Tim Stone, who apologises for not being able to be here today, um, also wrote a letter, and he just wants me to refresh you on some of the points he made. Um, firstly, council members will, should be aware of the health issues they're currently perpetuating, and that they will worsen if air pollution in the AQMA is increased to any, by any extent. Where the Council knowingly causes or contributes to a breach of air quality limits, it will be very vulnerable to EU fines being passed down by central government, who will put the secondary legislation in place if needed. The Secretary of State for DEFRA is entirely clear that cumulative effects of air pollution must be considered in assessing every planning application. UDC have been reminded of their obligations and there is no excuse for not dealing with them. A House of Lords member has made two points. First, air quality will become a major political issue in the near future. And second, Whitehall will pass down blame and fines to local government. I'll just add that um, the Environmental Health Officer's report clearly shows that uh, pollution will be increased in the AQMA. I'm not sure where the Essex Highways Officer found the part of the MPPF that said a, um, air, quality, air pollution must be severely worsened. Um, I thought that was a judgment for you to be making. Um, but you might want to refer to the Essex's own Jacobs Air Quality Report um, to see what they predict. So, as well as asking you to look at new cumulative impacts and help reduce, and, reduce pollution to below national objectives, the MPPF also says you must ensure that you are consistent with your air quality action plan. Your 2009 plan said that Uttlesford would reduce the levels of pollution in Saffron Walden's AQMA as soon as possible. And you can't do that if you approve this application. On the health impacts of that increased pollution, the Health and Wellbeing Board of Essex, which was established um, under the Health and Social Care Act, um, and of which UDC is a part, aims to work together to improve health in Essex over the next five years. Uh, UDC's uh, local plan incorporates in policy INF4 the board's wording. It says that an application for a residential development in excess of 50 units, which obviously this is, must measure the wider impacts on health and where significant impacts are identified, and I believe many people have identified them already, um, planning permission will be refused, those are the actual words, unless infrastructure provision or funding to meet the health service requirements are provided. Before you make a decision, you therefore need to be satisfied that that provisional funding is already in place. The law and guidance of at least three government departments, DEFRA, DCLOG and the Department of Health, entitled you to refuse this application. Please reject it. Thank you very much. The next person is Stephen Thomas. Good afternoon. I request that you reject this application um, on the basis that it will increase nitrogen dioxide pollution generally and particularly within the Saffron Walden Air Quality Management Area, thereby increasing pollution where legal limits have already been exceeded. 
I'd like to actually read a, state, um, a part of what the Environmental Health Officer says about the Keir development. This is a quote. The assessment shows that the development without the primary school would result in small increases, 1 to 2.8%, in nitrogen dioxide levels at receptors in Thaxted Road, Peaslands Road, Borough Lane, Debden Road, High Street, George Street and East Street, all within the air quality management area. The model predicts that at High Street and East Street, these increases would be on top of existing nitrogen dioxide levels approaching or exceeding the air quality limit value of 40 UG per cubic metre. According to the widely used EPUK criteria, these increases are regarded as representing a small adverse impact on air quality. End of quote. Now, this is just the Keir development. It takes no account of Manor Oak or later to come Ridgens. The officer notes that Manor Oak predict that they will increase NO2 levels by another 1 to 2.5%. She also notes that Manor Oak have not taken account of all other committed developments and that they've used unrealistic traffic assumptions. Both of these assessments are from the developer's own agents and will therefore be likely to underestimate the likely increases. Nevertheless, even if we take their figures, we're looking at an aggregate increase of between 2 to 5% in air pollution if both developments are allowed. A 5% increase is the second highest category of air pollution. Every single measured junction at Saffron Walden is at least of medium sensitivity and most are of high or very high sensitivity. A 5% increase at an area of high or very high sensitivity is the second worst air quality impact, which cannot be dismissed as negligible or slight. Given the harm to human health, which air pollution is now clearly being shown to cause, I believe that the increase from either or both developments is significant and unacceptable. The NPPF requires you to look at air pollution impacts on an aggregated basis, and it's clear that aggregating these two developments shows a significant adverse impact, and this is before one takes into account the already other approved developments. These developments should be rejected because they'll worsen an already unlawful air pollution situation. I therefore urge you to reject both of these applications. Thank you. Thank you. And the next speaker is Kirsty Hornigan. Thank you. As previous speakers have said, these applications should be rejected on the basis of air quality alone. On the 10th of April, Public Health England released a report on the mortality effects of air pollution in, in England. And according to this report, 25,000 deaths annually are due to air pollution, with transport fumes being the principal culprit. This report also attributed fatality levels by region. For Uttlesford, they estimated that 32 adults every year die as a result of air pollution. The report also estimates that 5.4% of adult deaths in Uttlesford are due to air pollution, which is a huge number. And for Saffron Warden residents, the odds are considerably worse as the pollution levels already present are far worse than the Uttlesford average. As you know, Saffron Warden exceeds the legal limits for nitrogen, nitrogen dioxide levels. Any one of these applications will increase these exceedances and cumulatively the increase will be greater. As well as the increase in nitrogen dioxide, the extra traffic will also cause an increase in particulates, especially fine particulate matter, which is a serious health risk. Nitrogen dioxide is both a marker for smaller particulates, but also itself reacts to produce them, 
and is therefore a direct source of smaller particulate pollutions, as well as a pollutant itself. The Public Health England report identifies that relatively small increases in pollution levels will lead to material increases in death rates. In September last year, Public Health England wrote to Professor Fenton, the chair of the Uttlesford Health and Wellbeing Board. This letter said that even where annual limits for particulates are met, they have a long-term effect because they accumulate. The letter also said there is no safe threshold for long-term exposure and local authorities should act on the basis that public health benefits would be expected from a continued reduction in population exposure even where EU commitments are met. This letter stresses the need to reduce car journeys and increase sustainable transport, but the location of these developments, their distance from facilities and the lack of pedestrian and cycle access means these developments would do exactly the opposite. There is no doubt that the increased pollution will kill more people. The Essex Air Quality Report says that their one-way system to accommodate extra cars will make town centre pollution significantly worse as it directs so much extra traffic through the town centre. Sustainable development means development that takes people out of cars, that doesn't increase dangerously high levels of pollution and that minimises pollution where the public are exposed to it. These developments are clearly not sustainable. The MPPF requires you to sustain compliance with the legal pollution limit values. You should therefore reject these developments. Thank you. Thank you. And the next speaker is Eleanor Wood. Hmm? Oh, no, I've got Eleanor Wood. So, hmm? Right, sorry, uh, I have a different... Uh, Simon Bates is next then, please. No, yes. Could Eleanor Wood line up to come afterwards, please, because we've got still quite a few speakers. Thank you, Madam Chairman. I make no apology for repeating many points. This is important to the people of Saffron Walden. My name is Simon Bates. I live in Rylestone Way, which is right next to the proposed care development site. My wife and I moved to Saffron Walden 11 and a half years ago we chose this small town with its strong community spirit as ideal to bring up a family. So I understand the need to build houses, but not at any cost. Since then, we've been lucky enough to have two children, now six and four. Our family walked through the fields where Keir planned to build these 300 homes several times each week, enjoying the bird spot song, spotting all sorts of wildlife and seeing colourful hedgerows full of sloes in the winter and hazelnuts, berries and wildflowers in the spring. This development will destroy this open space and plentiful wildlife will be gone forever. Any designated natural areas within the proposed development can never make up for that. The views from our neighbours' houses and gardens will be transformed to stroke from rural to urban and the quality of life for the many young families living in our street will be significantly worse for it. My wife, a busy district nurse in Saffron Walden, or I, walk as often as possible or drive with onward journey to work, that's necessity, not choice, our children to school and nursery every weekday. This has already become a miserable task due to the high volumes of traffic and regular queues. Or all of us breathing in exhaust fumes and dodging the traffic as we cross the road, particularly as we approach South Road. Unfortunately, families like mine living on the southeast side of Saffron Walden have no choice but to use Peasons Road and Mount Pleasant or currently queue at the Thaxted Road, Radwinter Road Lights to access other parts of the town or indeed leave it to travel to work as I or many of the residents of these proposed new homes will have to. We've already seen a significant increase in the traffic with smaller infill developments such as Bell College site and Friends School. 
At peak times and weekends, the traffic queues on the Thaxter Road lights stretch right back along the Thaxter Road, often approaching Shire Hill. And, and in the mornings, the Mount Pleasant Dedson Road Junction always has a queue. I have no doubt, doubt that the mitigation proposed cannot make the overburdened roads fit to accept the even greater traffic load 300 homes would create. Indeed, the possible no-entry routes uh, proposed will be devastating for the journey times from Ralstone Way and the surrounding closes uh, and put my children at further risk uh, during their work to school. And it looks like it must be a walk since there will be park enforcement in place and myself and many other parents simply won't be able to park anywhere near the school uh, on the you know, necessary occasions we have to drive. Hey, but my job's not that important. What's another 15 to 20 minutes in the, in the morning? I just hope my wife patients understand. Just last week she was unable to reach a patient due to the traffic in the town. I can see nothing but misery for all of us unlucky enough to live on the east of this once lovely town, stuck in traffic jams and subjected to unacceptably poor air quality when we walk. The east of Saffron Walden is simply the wrong place for major development. I urge you to consider the quality of life and more importantly the health of my young family and those of my neighbours, the local community of Saffron Walden. Please refuse this application. Thank you, Mr. Mr. Thomas. Uh, Mr. Bates. Uh, Eleanor Wood. Do we have Eleanor Wood? Fine. Thank you. Hi, um, my name is Eleanor. I'm speaking against both the Kia and Manor Oak developments. I live on Thaxted Road. I have a small daughter, and whenever we go out, we walk along and attempt to cross Thaxted Road. The traffic is already awful, and I'm aware that I am already subjecting my daughter to high levels of pollution on a daily basis. I shudder to think what will happen if these developments are approved. I am aware that Essex Highways claim that technically Saffron Walden's roads can cope with more traffic but that ignores the real impact of traffic on people. I've seen the developers' predictions for the traffic at Thaxted Redwinter Road Junction and would advise you to do the same before taking a decision. Table 3.3 of the Keir Transport Assessment claims that the average peak time queue at this junction is currently 19 cars long. Uh, table 6.1 predicts that by 2018, with no more development, the average peak time queue will be 76 cars long, almost four times as much, this is a terrifying and saddening prospect for me. The developers' um, traffic assessments and their claims that yet more traffic can be crammed in are divorced from the reality of my experiences most days on Thaxted Road. Every day the traffic is back past my house morning and evening. Thaxted Road is already dangerous to cross and often horrible to walk down. I fear for the health of my daughter. The idea of funnelling yet more development down this road beggars belief. I can't understand how this could be considered sustainable. I have seen the proposals for parts of a link road between Thaxted Road and Radwinter Road. I have also seen that there are no proposals for the parts to be joined up or for the link road to be completed. And the idea that a shared school and industrial traffic route through Shire Hill could serve as a link road is bizarre. As with other developments which have been approved, the reality is that these proposals will add more and more traffic onto the roads which are already difficult to negotiate and a danger to our health. Please reject these applications for the sake of the health of my daughter, residents of Thaxted Road and other vulnerable members of our community. The increased traffic cannot be ignored. The cost of development should not be our health. Thank you very much. The next speaker is John Lodge. Could 
I ask you please to imagine that there are 14 children in 14 pushchairs and there are 14 mothers who probably be with them. I, I, would you like to come and make your statement? It's not here for... Uh, I have made that now, thank you, and I hope that members will uh, envisage that. Much has been said about air pollution, and I really don't want to repeat it, but I do want to illustrate it, because it is absolutely vital. I will repeat just one fact which came out. 32 people will die in Uttlesford this year as a result of air pollution as it currently stands. The likelihood is that with maybe something like or a 10 or 20% increase due to these developments, that may go up to 35. That's not a precise number, but it will happen. And to put it in context, um, we kill only about one-tenth of that on our roads. Even though the M11 runs through the middle of our patch, air pollution is killing ten times the number of people that we kill on our roads. So if you see my 14 children stood over there, sat in their pushchairs, of those people, of those 14, there should be an empty pushchair at the end. That one child will not live out its life because of air pollution. As well as making this obvious for the rejection of this application, what we should be really doing, and what Ottersford District Council should be doing, is looking at the 35 who are dying now, rather than imposing further problems on the population. So can I please, first of all, urge the members to listen most carefully to the facts which have been presented this morning. You have the numbers, you understand the numbers. We have provided uh, many more there, which I hope you have time to go through. First of all, please reject this application, but also send a message to your cabinet. It's time to go back, sharpen their pencils, deal with the problem which we have now. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Lodge. The next speaker is Jenny Dix. Jenny Dix. Oh, okay, fine. If you could get down. Thank you. The speaker after Jenny Dix is Michael Young. So if you would like to make sure you're the next person ready to come. Good afternoon to you. I am going to speak about air pollution just a little bit because I work on a one lung capacity. I've been ill since I've been seven years old and an in and out patient at Patworth Hospital. Two years ago I've had a major hemorrhage in the good lung. They've clipped it. I don't know how long it's going to last. I need <coughs> my health and well-being as much as young children who want a sports facility. And if the only reason you're going to pass this is to give them that, then I think you're wrong. I live on plot one, right against the development, right against the footpath. What quality of life and air quality am I going to have? We bought the house there because it was almost open countryside. 
I am hooked up to a nebulizer twice a day for an hour. You've heard me coughing probably, and I have to clear all the filth in my lungs out every day, twice a day. The other good reason for not building is the elevation. Very high, we'll just be blocked out. We'll just see an urban sprawl. We haven't got the infrastructure. I traded in the town for 18 years. I know the town very well and have lived here for 30 years. If you pass this development, and I hope you don't, you're killing the goose that's laid the golden egg. We have a superb town here. Yes, people have the right to live in it. But look what you're doing to achieve it. And look what they're going to do to get a hub, a skate park expansion, all of those things. And it would be lovely having a ring road virtually by my door to link up one area to another. I know people need houses to live. I did. I've catered for my old age. I've had a special garden built for me so I can carry on with a reasonable life. If you build this, like everybody else has said, the traffic, the air pollution, it is all wrong. Look at Thaxted Road. Look where they've built all the little tiny pockets. We have all of those developments as well. I know it's not planning. The plans are already there. But they've all added to the congestion in Thaxted Road. And for the sake of our little town, for our love of it, please, please reject this application by Kia. Thank you very much. Thank you. The next speaker is Michael Young. Thank you. Mike Young, Wimbish Parish Council. A few weeks ago, Councillor Eden raised a question that many others are also asking. He wondered how he, and for that matter other councillors, might wish to be remembered. Today you are considering three applications which could have lasting implications for the town and the district. If you get these decisions wrong, then despite everything else you might have achieved, it is for these decisions that you will be remembered. The three applications being considered today, together with some already approved, will add about a thousand houses to the east side of Saffron Warden. As always with large applications, we are assured that the appropriate mitigating measures will be taken and planning conditions imposed. The extra traffic will be scarcely noticed, air quality won't suffer, and all the necessary facilities will be provided. The reality is too often rather different. But by that time, by the time it's discovered, the houses will have been built and the developers will have long since disappeared. However, this time we have the benefit of a helpful report from the highways department. I say helpful because it spells out the system of no-through roads and urban freeways that will be essential if there is to be any chance that the town could cope with the extra traffic. Almost all the residents of Wimbish use Thaxted Road to get to Walden. At present their route into town is quite straightforward, 
but in future it could be very different. Should a link road ever get built, it will be a long detour. In fact, the smartest route would be to turn left at the Butler Centre into Peaslands Road, right into South Road, left into Station Road, right into Station Street, left into Audley Road, right into High Street, and right again into George Street, and then they'd be almost there. Commercial and heavy goods vehicles might also take the same route, but I think it more likely that HGV would take the longer route, circling all around town. Each application must be judged if it is sustainable. This application, along with the others being considered today, would, if approved, result in traffic chaos. That would be your legacy to the town. Thank you, Mr Young. Now the next speaker is Richard Freeman. And after Richard Freeman, there's Alan Storer, if I could just give you notice now, because we've still got quite a lot of speakers. Thank you, Madam Chairman, members of the committee. Uh, thank you for this opportunity to share with you my deep concerns about the Kia application. As a former mayor of <coughs> Saffron Warden, I have a great commitment to this town and to its people. Sadly, Uttlesford District Council does not seem to share all of this commitment. The Kia application is a clear indication of the many problems with our current housing policy, or indeed a lack of one. The development will be on the wrong side of town. Building it will bring years of chaos to our roads, and when it is finished, the 300 or so houses will add to the general strain on Saffron Warden's already overloaded infrastructures. Madam Chairman, the Keir site is not urban fringe land. It is very good and highly versatile agricultural land, which was acquired strategically by a developer some 30 years ago. It is on the edge of the countryside, and the rolling fields on each side of the Thaxted Road frame this approach to the town and contribute to its sense of place. The local modern development, the Kilns, is set within and surrounded by this attractive countryside. There is no reason why we have to concrete over the green fields between the town development limits and the Kilns. Rather, we should protect the countryside and the town's approaches. This area was specifically referred to in the adopted local plan as a prominent sloping field which should be retained as an open buffer. There lies the clue. Sloping land is wholly inappropriate to sports fields, which are part of the Section 106 offering. Madam Chairman, much is made of Section 106 benefits from these large developments. I urge the committee to note that this is an outline planning application it simply establishes the principle that the site can be developed. What gets built could be very different to the current proposals. Once it has planning consent, the Kia site becomes a high-value asset which can be passed around between developers. Section 106 agreements are often not delivered or delivered late or in part. Reference has been made to this already. Likewise, Madam Chairman, the aspiration of 4% affordable homes uh, of the outline scheme is often attenuated. The actual number of affordable homes delivered is often nearer 20%, one in five, once the details are finalised. So therefore, on this basis and the other things which have been said, I urge the committee to reject this application. Thank you.
Thank you very much, Mr. Froon. Um, the next speaker is Alan Storr. Good afternoon. Saffron Walden Town Council has previously considered the original proposal in detail and recommended that it be refused because it is so clearly contrary to adopted planning policy and the policies in the National Planning Policy Framework. That recommendation still stands and Councillor Mrs Wardley will outline some of those reasons shortly. The Town Council has also considered the developer's amendment of the offer of land for a primary school and these are its views. It's known that it is not known whether the site offered meets the criteria set out in the County Council's Education Contribution Guidelines Supplement because the applicant has had no regard whatsoever to the technical studies that are required. The guidelines state, before land can be accepted, rigorous site compliance and project feasibility processes must be completed to ensure that the land will be fit for purpose and able to satisfy relevant policies. None of this has been done and it therefore cannot be assumed that the site offered is even acceptable, let alone the best one. The current uncertainties as to how much additional housing will be built on the eastern side of town, where or when, are such that the offer of land for a primary school as part of a planning application should not be seen as sufficient to conclude that the issue of primary school education has been satisfactorily addressed. The county should instead be invited to formulate an appropriate strategy for educational provision in the context of the local plan making process rather than have to respond to ad hoc opportunistic planning applications. The offer of land for a one-form entry primary school as part of a planning application would not ensure that the educational needs of the residents or the policy aspirations of Essex County Council as local education authority were met because there can be no guarantee that it would ever be delivered. This is because of the requirement on the county to meet the needs generated by other developments as and when they are required. Now you will appreciate, I'm sure, that when you determine this application, you do so on its own merits and with regard to nothing else on this agenda. To do otherwise would effectively be predetermining the outcomes. So you need to consider this application in isolation and with regard to primary education provision, you need to ask yourselves, is the proposed site for the primary school the best possible one for this part of the town? Will the school actually be built? Or will the pressure to meet need elsewhere mean that existing schools have to be extended instead? <coughs> Lastly, if schools are extended, which ones and how far will the children have to walk? If the answer is no, or I can't be sure, then you must refuse this application. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Storer. Can I just please um, clarify, were you speaking on behalf of the town council or were you speaking on behalf of yourself? It's important from the running order. I was speaking on behalf of the town council representative's views. In case in future, you, you, and are you for the next application doing the same? Because we have Richard Harrington down for speaking for the town council, um, not yourself. We need to move you into the correct position. Yeah. 
Yes, we can only have one speaker for the town council. So you now have spoken for the town council. No, I haven't, Madam Chairman. I have expressed the town council's stated views. Councillor Harrington will, will speak on behalf of the town council as a town councillor. Um, could I have a legal opinion on that, please? Is that Perhaps the committee should disregard uh, the, comment, uh, the comments about the Town Council and regard what are the other matters that Mr yeah. Storer spoke about. Okay, fine. So the comments with regard to the Town Council you should disregard because Mr. Harrington, uh, Councillor Harrington, Harrington will be talking for the Town Council. I'm sorry, we have to follow a procedure. In this I council. fully understand that, you, Madam Chair. You know that. So, fine, thank you. Could I also then ask the next speaker, who is Beryl Wardley, Are you speaking for yourself? Yes? Fine, that's what I thought. That's why I've got you. That doesn't matter. It's just we just have to get clarification. I'm sorry, I have to do things by the book. The National Planning Policy Framework is the material consideration in the making of a planning decision. According to the framework, the purpose of the planning system is to contribute to the achievement of sustainable development. The framework sets out the government's planning policies which constitute its view of what sustainable development means in practice for the planning system and how these policies are expected to be applied. I'm going to explain to you how this proposed development is contrary to the government's planning policies as expressed in its national planning policy framework and hence why it does not constitute sustainable development as such and should therefore be refused planning permission. I don't intend to go through each and every government policy. I'll focus on just eight. The proposed development is contrary to the framework for the following reasons. One, the site proposed for residential development is an integral and valued part of the rural landscape, which should therefore be protected. Two, the site comprises some of the best and most versatile agricultural land in the district, which therefore should be protected. Three, the site is not located where the need to travel will be minimised because it's on the wrong side of town with regard to main destinations and routes to work. Four, the site does not have access to high-quality public transport facilities and the nature and frequency of the existing public transport services, together with the sheer distance of the site from the railway station and town centre, is such that the use of sustainable modes of transport would be minimal. Five, it would exacerbate existing traffic congestion. Six, the additional traffic and associated congestion would contribute to the already existing unacceptable high levels of air pollution and hence contribute to the unacceptable levels of risk to human health associated with that pollution. Seven, the educational facilities on offer are at best tenuous and will certainly not deliver any extra places at the county high school. And last, but by no means least, eight, the local community just a small proportion of which is here today, has expressed its well-justified opposition on the basis of the principles of sustainability to the prospect of major development on this eastern side of the town. Members, I have demonstrated to you, by reference to the framework, how this development cannot be considered to be sustainable. 
I therefore urge you to apply the policies in the framework, which is a vitally important consideration, and refuse this application. Thank you very much. And now we have for the Town Council, Councillor Harrington. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, I'm speaking today on behalf of Saffron Morden Town Council on the matters concerning education with care development. The developers are now making available the option of a site for a primary school on land within the area subject of the application, should it be required. You need to be clear this is not an attempt to try to ensure the delivery of a development that is sustainable. It is merely a cynical gesture to try and secure planning permission for 300 houses. Care aren't bothered whether a school is built or not. They couldn't care less about where the children that would live in those houses would go to school. All they care about is building and selling houses and to hell with the town and its future residents. If they had been concerned about adequate education provision for potential residents of that site in, last December, in December last year, they would not have refused to agree to the Essex County Council requirement to provide a free school site and contribute to its construction. That was the request made by them in the applicant's response. There was an express view that the pro rata contribution to the build was unreasonable and that the approach taken whereby we pay contributions for further child places generated by the proposed de development is entirely appropriate in the circumstances. What that actually means is we'll pay the absolute minimum towards the education provision that we can get away with in order to get planning commission for 300 houses. But now there seems to have been a change of heart. After members of this committee had the good sense to question and to challenge the adequacy of the education provision, despite being given misleading and inaccurate information on that subject. But even if CARE did pay up, Essex County Council has stated, should too much development in the area take place before a new school can be opened, costly alternative measures may be necessary to meet demand and could in turn underneath the need or viability of a new school. The issue should be a crucial concern in your decision making. The implications are that, despite the availability of finance already approved on recent and new developments, they could well result in a planned new school not materialising. That is because Essex County Council is obliged to respond to the immediate needs resulting from a development going ahead in advance of a new school. Those immediate needs would result in existing schools having to be extended and the children forced to go wherever there is a place. Councillor this Hanson. could mean... Okay, can I ask you to wind up? This Thank could you. mean that children may have to walk from one side of town to another 
and may encourage added and unnecessary use of a car. If you are happy for that to happen, then primary education is not a problem for you. If you're not, then I would urge you on behalf of the Town Council to refuse this application in its entirety, not just on education. Thank you, Mr. We have got to the end of the public speakers. And you're not on my list, I'm afraid, Mr. Riding. Right, then I, at my discretion I will allow you to come and speak. Could you please come? I hope that you have something new to, to add. Can I just say, it's a shame that you didn't um, speak before the Town Council came on because I should really have you in the objectors. I presume you are an objector? Yes. Right, you should have actually told me at the end of the objectors because we've now had the town council. Thank but that's you. fine. At my discretion, I will. I was not given speak. a list of speakers, and I just realised that I, I saw. It's one. outside on the board. It I apologise. I was just waiting patiently for my name to be called. Well, right, no, Ed, and, and no, it's always outside on the board. Okay, my name is Peter Riding. I've lived in Castle Street in Saffron Walden for over 14 years. Just over a month ago, ITN News said that Uttlesford is Britain's most desirable rural area to live in. Home to the historic town of Saffron Walden, which has been hailed as one of the finest preserved examples of a medieval market town in the country. So that's clearly something we can all be proud of. Now within Saffron Walden, the street with the greatest number of medieval buildings is Castle Street. So I think it's reasonable to conclude that Castle Street really is Uttlesford's jewel in the crown. So that's the good news. The bad news is that in the time that I've lived there, the traffic has become worse and worse, and it's now often difficult to cross the road during rush hour. Indeed, yesterday afternoon at around 5.30pm, there was a queue of traffic from the bottom to the top of the street. And bear in mind that there's a primary school and a Catholic church in Castle Street, and many of the medieval buildings are literally only two yards away from the edge of the road. The reason for the increasing traffic is simple. There have been a number of housing developments in the east of the town in recent years, and there are only three ways of driving from the west to the east, and Castle Street is one of them. Indeed, it is the route of choice for traffic arriving from the north. So it was no surprise when a few years ago the entrance to Castle Street from the High Street was designated an area quality management area because of its high level of toxic air pollution. Logically, you would think that every effort would be made to reduce the air pollution and traffic congestion in Castle Street. However, what we're facing today are three applications for another 700 houses in the east of the town. Because no relief road is planned to the south of the town, the traffic from the extra housing will inevitably lead to a drastic reduction in the quality of life for residents in Castle Street and many other streets in Saffron Walden. And we heard this morning that no mitigation measures whatsoever are proposed for Castle Street. It wasn't mentioned at all. There are much more suitable sites for development in the district where the transport communications for work and schools are excellent and where existing communities would not be affected. So please don't go down in history as the councillors who destroyed Uttlesford's jewel in the crown. I ask you to vote against these three applications. Thank you. 
Thank you very much. Now, as I said, we have got to the end of the public speakers, and therefore the agent is entitled to 84 minutes. Sorry, 1 hour 27 now. Sorry, it's gone up. Uh, But before we start with the agent, I am going to give the committee a comfort break of three minutes, because we have been sitting here for two hours, and some people need to go. Right, we will reconvene the meeting and it is the turn of the agent applicant who is going to speak now. So, Mr. Ian Mitchell, if you'd like to come forward. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Uh, Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Ian Mitchell, and I am the planning director at Keir Homes, and I am here to support the officer recommendation to approve this application. You will be aware that the application was previously presented to the Council's planning committee in December 2013, when it was deferred for reasons relating to education and highways. Following that deferral, Keir Homes has amended its application so that it includes an option to use part of the site for a one-form entry primary school. This amendment has been put forward following discussions with both your officers and those of the County Council and the completion of further technical work by the Keir Homes consultant team. It is now the case, therefore, that our application proposes up to 300 dwellings, landscaping, access from Thaxted Road, a pavilion building and either the provision of 7.8 hectares of land for open space and recreation or 5.4 hectares of land for open space and recreation with a 2.4 hectare primary school site. I can confirm that we have spoken to the County Council about the school site. We are putting forward a substantial sum of money and the provision of the school site is not a bluff as suggested by Councillor Watson. If it is required, it will be delivered. As members will be aware, an application has been submitted by Manor Oak Homes for the development of land to the south of Radwinter Road. This land forms a northern part of the, pro- of the proposed east of Saffron Walden allocation. Like the Keir Homes application, the Manor Oak application also propi- proposes a primary school site. If the Manor Oak school site is delivered, it will not be necessary to take up the option to deliver a school on the, on the Keir Homes land, in which case the land in question will be made available for recreational uses as originally proposed. These matters will be controlled through a Section 106 agreement. As I explained when I last presented to you, in assessing whether or not our application is appropriate to approve or refuse, this applica- um, there are two key questions that need to be answered. Firstly, is the development proposed acceptable in principle? And secondly, if it is, are there any other material considerations which indicate that it should not be granted? I do not intend to fully repeat what I said to you last time round, but rather summarise the position in respect of these two questions. Dealing firstly with the question of principle, planning legislation advises that planning applications should be determined in accordance with the statutory development plan unless other material considerations indicate otherwise. One such material consideration is the Government's National Planning Policy Framework, or NPPF. In terms of the 2005 local plan, 
The Keir Homes application does not meet the requirements of policy S7 in that the residential part of the scheme is not appropriate development within the countryside. That said, this plan is now a number of years out of date and the weight given to its policies should be limited. Turning to the emerging local plan, this plan identifies the application site as forming part of a larger residential employment and leisure use allocation to the east of the town under policy Saffron Walden 1. The proposals before you fully comply with the policies in the emerging plan which, within the last few weeks, was approved by the Council for a final round of consultation prior to submission to the Secretary of State. The plan is therefore well progressed and accordingly should be attributed appropriate weight. Moving on to the NPPF, I listen carefully to the remarks of Mr Kratz, planning lawyer and others. The MPPF makes it clear that there is a presumption in favour of sustainable development. It also makes it clear that local authorities are expected to identify sufficient deliverable housing sites to adequately meet their housing need. Members will be aware that the Council has significantly improved its five-year land supply position over the last 12 months and that currently a five-year supply can be demonstrated. However, as explained in the officer's report before you, the five-year supply is a rolling target and it is anticipated that there will be a shortfall in provision again later this year. Where such a shortfall exists, the NPPF strongly advises local planning authorities to grant permission for sustainably located residential proposals and, despite what you have heard from those that object to the scheme, it is quite clearly the case that our application puts forward a sustainable form of development. This is not simply a statement made by me as the applicant, but also a position with which your officers fully agree. You will be aware that Saffron Walden is the largest town in the district of Uttlesford, offering a wide range of goods and services and employment opportunities. It is best suited to accommodate new development and it is indisputably correctly placed at the top of the council's hierarchy where new development should be focused. It is therefore the case that the development proposed by this application is acceptable in principle for three key reasons. One, the Council's adopted plan is out of date. Two, our proposals fully conform with the Council's emerging local plan. And three, our proposals constitute sustainable development and meet the policies within the National Planning Policy Framework. Turning to the second question, are there any other material considerations which indicate that the application should not be granted? As I stated earlier, after some debate this application was deferred in December for reasons relating to education and highways. The committee did not raise concerns in respect of any other matter. In terms of education, I have already explained that we are now providing the option for a primary school site to be delivered on our land if it, this is deemed necessary. I can also advise that we will be making a financial contribution in line with the County Council's recognised formula and that this amounts to a payment of circa £2.9 million. The County Council's Education Department has confirmed that it has no objection to our proposals. In these circumstances, concerns about education provision is not a justifiable reason for not granting this application. Turning to highways... Our transport consultant submitted a full transport assessment as part of our original planning application. This assessment has been updated to take into account the possibility of a primary school being located on our site. The Highway Authority continue to raise no objection to our proposals 
and it is worth reminding members of the earlier comments made by the County Council's Executive Director responsible for highways, who stated in his response to our planning application, and I quote, The Highway Authority has considered the application and thoroughly assessed the submitted traffic assessment. The Highway Authority is fully aware of the sensitive nature of the highway network throughout Saffron Walden. Full assessments have been undertaken by the developer and are considered to have been carried out appropriately and in accordance with the relevant standards and guidance. The expected impact of the proposed development has been considered and this proposal offers the opportunity to mitigate the impact by providing improvements at significant junctions on the network. The Highway Authority takes a view that the impact of this proposed development can be mitigated and as such is acceptable in highway terms subject to conditions. End of quote. To summarise those comments, the County Council's Executive Director responsible for highways has 1. Confirmed he understands the sensitive nature of the highway situation in Saffron Walden. 2. Confirmed our assessments have been carried out in accordance with the appropriate standards and using the appropriate data. And three, confirmed he has thoroughly assessed our proposals and concluded that they are acceptable in highway terms. It is worth clarifying at this stage that the work carried out by our transport consultants in respect of our application and the assessment of work by, this count, by the County Council was not done so on the assumption that the full extent of the Thaxted Road, Radwinter Road, Link Road would be built. It was rather completed on the basis that our application was a standalone development. That said, at the request of the County Council, our, consult our consultants also completed a sensitivity test that included the traffic associated with a fully developed allocation east of the town and the completed link road. The results of this test continued to support the key development proposal in transport terms. You have also heard today that detailed approval for our access should not be granted as part of this application, and I refute this. At the planning application stage, it is the position and form of the access solution that requires consideration. We have provided the necessary details, and these have been agreed by the County Council, and a Phase 1 safety audit has been approved. Further to this, the junction will need to go through a detailed technical appraisal process prior to construction and the completion of a Section 278 legal agreement as well as three further safety audits. This process finalises design matters such as materials, drainage, signal phasing, etc. This is a totally normal approach and I am sure an approach that can be confirmed as acceptable by the highways officers present if necessary. In, this, in these circumstances, and on the basis that the Highway Authority does not object to our proposals, impact on the local highway network is not a justifiable reason for not granting this application. Although when our application was deferred in December, the Committee did not make that decision on the basis of the impact of the scheme on air quality, I am aware that the We Are Residents group has submitted a report that criticises the work carried out by our air quality consultants. You would have also heard a lot about air quality today. I therefore think it is important that I comment briefly on this matter. Firstly, and very importantly, you will be aware that UDC Environmental Health has stated that they have no objection to the proposal on air quality grounds. Some objectors have suggested that we have used the wrong methodology in assessing the development's impact on air quality. We strongly dispute this, and importantly, your officers have raised no objection in respect of the methodology that has been used. 
It has also been suggested that incorrect traffic data has been used in carrying out our air quality assessment work. This is also disputed. Our base traffic flows include local growth assumptions that have been agreed with the Highway Authority and these robustly reflect traffic movements around the town and through the relevant junctions. The assessment shows that any changes in air quality are very small and, as, and such changes do not present a constraint to the granting of planning permission for the development. I would also like to remind members that as well as there being no objections to our proposals from County Highways, County Education and UDC Environmental Health, it is also the case that no objections have been made by those experts, and I say experts consulted in respect of archaeology, ecology, flood risk, drainage, air safety, landscape impact, minerals and healthcare services. It is therefore the case that the development proposed by this application is acceptable, as there are no other material considerations which indicate that it should not be granted. In conclusion, I confirm that Keir Homes control the site and in these cir circumstances can move quickly to deliver the site should permission be granted. Granting consent on the site will enable the Council to maintain its five-year housing land supply and, importantly, put it in a position where it can resist planning applications that may come forward in unsuitable and unsustainable locations. Whilst it is acknowledged that the proposal does not accord with the SAVE policies of the Council's 2005 local plan, that plan is outdated. The proposals do, however, accord with the policies in your emerging local plan and represent sustainable development as defined in the National Planning Policy Framework. I am fully aware that there has been significant local objection to this application. However, there are strong planning reasons to support your officer's recommendation of approval. As part of the consultation process, your officers have both sought advice from a large number of internal and external consultees who are experts in their field and carefully considered all the submissions made by the Town Council, the We Are Residents Group and other third parties. After this careful and detailed consideration, they have concluded that there, is, that there are no valid technical or policy reasons not to grant this application. In terms of education, Keir Homes will make the necessary financial contribution to the County Council, as I have said, circa 2.9 million, and provide a primary school site if it is deemed necessary. Further financial contributions will be made towards the Audley End Cycleway link, healthcare facilities, bus service enhancement, landscape maintenance and the delivery of sport and recreation facilities. In addition, a significant area of open space will be transferred to the Council offering the Skate Park, the Rugby Club, Saffron Tri and Saffron Striders the opportunity to pursue their aspirations. We will introduce a sustainable urban drainage system that will create significant new wildlife habitats. The proposal will deliver up to 120 much-needed affordable homes of various sizes and tenures. We will deliver various off-site junction improvements to assist with the flow of traffic through the town and the southern phase of the Thaxted Road, Radwinter Road, Link Road. In these circumstances, and particularly because of the lack of any sustainable valid objections, I respectfully request that the committee support its officer's recommendation to approve this application, which brings significant and clear community benefits to Saffron Walden. Thank you very much for allowing me this opportunity to address the committee.
Thank you very much. Right, members of the public and members of the committee, it is now half past one. I am going, we are going to take a half hour adjournment so that the committee members can have some lunch and then we will be back. So I would say five past two, but Mr Taylor wishes to make some statements. Um, thank you, Chairman. Just to remind members that they should not discuss or comment on these applications either between themselves or with other people. Yes. And if anyone is specifically here for regions, um, owing to the, the future public speaking on the next item, that will not start before 3.30 rather than 2 o'clock. So if anyone is just here for that, um, it will be pushed back later than, than the 2 o'clock yes. projected okay. time. Thank you. All right. Thank you, everyone. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm reconvening the planning committee meeting, and we will now go on to discuss and have the representations for UTT 133467, Outline Planning Permission. Mrs. Sue Thank you, Chairman. Members' attention is drawn to the supplementary representations and also the updated conditions and heads of terms which have been circulated. Um, Note should be made that uh, within the heads of terms, point six in the first section relating to uh, provision of contributions to the existing bus service, this needs to be amended to take account that uh, to read provision of or financial contribution towards an extension and enhancement to the existing bus service serving the residential part of the development and the installation of bus stops, shelters and laybys. The application site is located south of Radwinter Road. Um, the application site is outside of development limits but on the edge of the development limits of Saffron Warden. The application site forms an area of 13.9 hectares comprising of four arable fields. The, um, in terms of the ground levels, there is an increase in ground levels um, rising from the north and increasing towards the south. There is a, a ridge which runs in the middle of the site uh, which is um, at a higher ground level. Shire Hill Farm is located uh, to the south of the application site as well as um, Turnitpool Farm and other residential properties which are located here. Oops. Sorry. which are located here. Uh, we've got the Shire Hill Industrial Estate here. Further residential properties which are existing here. Open space um, which leads to a school site and south of the application site is the um, care application site itself. To the north of the site we have Tesco's and the Willis and Gambia site which is located immediately opposite the application site. The application is for outline planning permission for either a residential development of up to 230 dwellings with use class B1 business uh, floor space, extra care facility, 
um, with the provision of public open space or for the development of up to 200 houses, class B1 office space, extra care housing, provision of public open space and the provision of land for one form entry primary school together with associated infrastructure including roads, drainage, access details from Radbinter Road and Shire Hill with all matters reserved except the access. Now, going back to this slide here, uh, just running through the proposed scheme, it's proposed that, um, that as part of the um, detail, well, uh, the illustrative plan shows um, attenuation ponds which form part of the greater landscaping scheme as, that would form part of the um, overall development. We've got green spaces which will form playing spaces within the application site of which details uh, would be uh, reserved for a later date. In terms of the proposed extra care units, it's proposed to be located here and um, the B1 office space is proposed to let, be located here with the rest of the site being proposed for residential. In terms of the 230 dwellings, the 30 dwellings are located here which on the option this is where the proposed 1.2 hectares of primary school is proposed to be located. So that forms the either or option. Um, again, similar to the care application, if the primary school doesn't come forward, then the 30 residential dwellings would, um, it will be reverted back to that. Access is primarily proposed to be taken from Radwinter Road, which is located here with a secondary access proposed to um, enter into the site from the Shire Hill Industrial Estate located here. Landscaping on the site, um, the darker shades of green along the perimeters of the site um, that are running out here, uh, although this is outside of the application site, you've got existing hedges which are proposed to be um, retained as part of the um, overall landscaping plan. The consultation responses, history, policy um, and applicant statement of case has been highlighted within the report in pages 82 to 92. From pages 92 to 93, it highlights the level of additional weight which is placed upon the draft local plan. Also that the five-year land supply is a rolling target which moves forward a year each April and therefore the Council must continue to monitor this delivery very closely. The Council therefore considers that it, is again, that it again has less than a five-year land supply and, and applications need to be considered accordingly. The Local Planning Authority has the duty to consider favourable applications for sustainable residential development which will make a positive contribution towards meeting housing need and ensuring the level of housing supply is robust and provides a continuous delivery of housing. The, provision of uh, the principle of the application is considered to be acceptable as it is sustainable meeting the three strands of sustainability as outlined on pages 93 to 94 of the report and also discussed on page 97 of the report. It is highlighted uh, that the scheme is capable of generating approximately 247 new full-time equivalent jobs through the provision of um, B1 floor space and the extra care facility. In terms of design, it is a reserved matter. However, the illustrative plan 
uh, provides um, indicative information of how um, the characteristics of the site would vary as part of the scheme and the vision for the development as it would involve, evolve. There will be a more formal um, characteristic um, along the main route uh, road which is proposed through the site up to the boundary of the site um, which would take in the primary school as well and with a less formal appearance as you enter away from the site further into the, um, into the scheme. The design parameters of the proposed buildings are stated would be up to three storeys for the retirement village here, and, um, which is adjacent to Tesco's, and an element of the B1 office space, uh, which will be formed around the Crescent. It's proposed around that the, the dwellings that will be located around the boulevard uh, would be up to two and a half storeys. Uh, with the rest of the site to the southern half of the um, area would be um, where the ground levels increase will be up to two storeys. Um, it should be noted that this would include an element of 5% uh, bungalows uh, within um, the scheme itself. The proposal is capable of meeting parking standards, amenity space and back-to-back -back distances in accordance with policy um, as um, the illustrative master plan demonstrates and it would provide 40% affordable housing in accordance with policy. As part of the application, transport assessment and a travel plan has been submitted. As previously discussed, um, two vehicular accesses are proposed to serve the site, um, with a primary um, entrance coming through Radwinter Road in a similar position to the existing farm entrance, which will be slightly modified to um, take in visibility displays and um, other health and safety um, audits um, which have been undertaken um, to make the entrance in and out safe. The secondary access will also be provided from the western site, um, connecting to Shire Hill, uh, which um, as the heart, which would bypass um, the main sensitive junction along Radwinter Thaxted Road. The proposed primary road would run through the site but would abut the southern boundary to allow for future development um, of the land to the south and connection with the care application on Thaxted Road um, should those applications um, come forward. This, um, as stated previously, this is the second part of the um, larger, greater um, draft allocation policy, um, and this would allow connection um, in and around um, to integrate the development um, as a whole. Um, the primary road, together with the secondary access from Shire Hill, uh, would facilitate in dispersing vehicle movements from the proposed scheme and mitigate the impact upon more sensitive junctions within Saffron Warden, such as the Radwinter Road, Thaxter Road Junction. All proposed mitigation um, highway works have been outlined in paragraph 10.41 on page 99. The submitted transport assessment has concluded that the proposed development would not have a significant adverse impact on the, on the surrounding infrastructure. Highway comments that have been included as part of the supplementary representations, um, of which no objection has been raised, um, subject to mitigation measures, including the securing of the creation of the um, Shy Hill access and conditions. With regards to air quality, 
This has been carefully assessed and discussed within the report. No objections have been raised by environmental health due to um, the level of impact that's perceived from the scheme. This is subject to conditions as well. The list of proposed infrastructure provision that will be provided as part of the proposed development is listed on a page 105 to 106 of the officer's report. No objections have been raised relating to flood risk and biodiversity. With regards to impact upon landscape, the application site is located within a landscape sensitive area, primarily due to the changing ground levels of the site and, and part open, part restrictive views to various points of the site. It is acknowledged that there would be a noted change in the landscape and there, and there would be a perceived impact due to this development. Fundamentally, it is the case of degree of visual impact and whether it would result in a significant detrimental harm. The scheme has been supported by the Landscape Visual Impact Assessment, which has been submitted as part of the application, and that demonstrates that the development would not give rise to unacceptable mid- to long-term visual impact. As a result, no objection has been raised by the landscape officer subject to conditions. The scheme, therefore, is considered to accord with local plan policy. The scheme is considered to be acceptable um, subject to the amended circulated conditions and the heads of terms, um, which again have been circulated. Therefore, approval is recommended. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you very much. Now we have some more speakers who wish to speak on this and I will start with the objectors who have three minutes to speak. And the first person who wishes to speak is Earl Stafford. Good afternoon. I believe there are four principal reasons why this application is in breach of planning policy national and local, and should be refused. This application raises many of the same reasons for refusal that the CARE application does, so I apologise for duplication. First, sustainability. As with CARE, this is the key reason for refusal, and as with CARE, this site and its location are inherently unsuitable, unsustainable. It is on the wrong side of Saffron Walden and is remote from the town centre. There are no proposals to develop any sustainable transport links which will make a material change to the car-dependent nature of this site. And its location makes it difficult, if not impossible, to make for sustainable transport to be made, particularly given the state of Saffron Walden road infrastructure and traffic. For any chance of this development to be made sustainable, you would need to introduce a network of, of cycle uh, paths and walking routes to day-to-day -day, uh, destinations along Saffron Walden's roads. But it can't be done, given that the road systems and street parking is effectively already at capacity. Instead, Essex Highway is proposed to make Saffron Walden an even more unsustainable and increasing the focus on motor traffic. Second, air quality. As with Kia, the officer's report notes that this development would worsen air pollution at all of the currently illegal sites. This is in clear contravention of the NPPF and the draft local plan, both of which require the development reduces, not increases, air pollution where illegal levels already exist. Thirdly, highways. You have already heard in relation to Kia that there is no proper plan for a link road, that Saffron Walden's road system can't cope with the extra traffic and that the only proposed solution is to divert traffic from the south through the town centre, increasing town centre traffic by 40%. Fourthly, lack of infrastructure. You've already heard about the general lack of infrastructure. 
Manor Oak has a particular lack of open space provision and no community facilities. For proposed housing of uh, 700 people, there are no play areas, precious little green space and no sports facilities. The majority of the open space proposed is flood attenuation ponds. The local plan says that development without the necessary infrastructure should be refused and the NPPF states explicitly the need to plan properly for infrastructure. Your open space policy document states clearly that the Saffron Walden currently has less than one-third the playing fields and green spaces that it should have. For 700 people, this site should provide some two hectares of play areas, sports areas, allotments and general green space, as well as the large areas of natural green space. It It falls woefully short of this. It is clearly not sustainable and I urge you to reject it. Thank you. Thank you very much. The next one is Philip Kratz. Thank you, Madam Chairman and Members. Again, I'm going to concentrate simply on decision-making so to uh, avoid duplication with those who are speaking about the merits of the decision. Um, It's interesting that your officers have taken a slightly different approach to describing the policy context in in this case. And and let me be absolutely explicit in case there's any misunderstanding. What I'm concerned about is any notion that there might be um, absolutely no alternative for the Council but to approve this and the other two applications a sort of hapless throwing up of the hands in the air and saying we have no alternative. You have every alternative and this report, uh, FEMA officers, makes it absolutely plain that you currently do have a five-year supply of housing land and that you have it and that you maintain it. And in that context, it's slightly eccentric to say, but going forward, we might not have one. Um, Who knows? Um, When we look at it again, we we might not, so we ought to approve these. Now, in that context, the advice in the report um, that, uh, I'm just looking for it, 10.5, the local planning authority has the duty to consider favourably applications for sustainable residential development, and it goes on to set some criteria, is uh, probably wrong. I think it's probably been miscut and pasted or something from the MPPF. Again, be absolutely under no illusion whatsoever. Where you have a five-year supply of housing land, then your local plan is not demonstrably out of date. Uh, it is a fact that it dates from 2005, um, so to that extent you're doing considerably better than Forest Heath with their 1994 plan, uh, and indeed other councils who have plans from last century, but nonetheless it's not that bad. And when looking at your applications, it's as simple as following the procedural guidance in the MPPF. And in that context, it is difficult to come to the conclusion that you are so desperate for housing that you've actually got to approve something which is contrary to the adopted local plan. And again, let me make it absolutely abundantly clear. The MPPF um, spells it out in in words of one syllable. The planning system is plan-led. Planning law requires that applications for planning permission must be determined in accordance with the development plan. And it's as simple as that. And in this case, we don't need to then consider whether other material considerations indicate otherwise, because currently the Council have an demonstrable five-year supply. So I'm I'm gasping for breath there because I'm wondering why you're anticipating the outcome of um, an emerging local plan on which you're only just beginning to um, 
consult and who knows what the outcome will be. It would be wrong to, to prejudge the outcome. So, Madam Chairman, members, I'm, I'm simply reiterating uh, what I said before about due process and I'm putting it in the context of this decision. But be under no illusion, the decision is yours and you do have a choice. Thank you. Thank you very much. The next speaker is Paul Gadd. Hello. The same legal issues I raised on Keir apply to Manor Oak, so I won't repeat them. But as with Keir, the officer's report fails to include a cumulative assessment of air quality, it fails to perform a balanced sustainability assessment, and it fails to consider properly the failure to provide necessary infrastructure, including the complete lack of the middle link road and the lack of green space. You've heard from the Keir speakers that a proper assessment of the cumulative effects of air pollution should have been prepared and the material harm to human health from the cumulative effects of the Keir and the Manor Oak proposals, not to mention the developers, developments already approved but not built. If we could see a report aggregating the cumulative effects on air pollution in Saffron Warden of the Persimmon development, the Tesco extension, the Granite Park retail development, the other housing approved but not built, and just one of Keir or Manor Oak, it would be clear that planning in Saffron Warden is leading to a significant increase in air pollution and harm to human health. We can't say how much because no one's done the work, but the cumulative effects of just adding the projected increases from either Keir and Manor Oak are bad enough. I can't stress enough that, like smoking, air pollution stays in the body and causes cumulative harm. Both the Arup report that we sent you and the letter from Owen Patterson confirm that cumulative assessments should be made because the effects of air pollution are cumulative, but they haven't been. The Public Health England report last month states graphically the huge cost of air pollution, as you've heard. The predicted damage to human health means that these sites are not sustainable. Draft policies SP12 and Infrastructure 4 both require that development should improve health and reduce car usage, but both have been ignored. Moreover, you have a specific planning duty to ensure that planning decisions contribute to lawful pollution levels. The location of this site and the nature of Saffron Warden's roads means that this cannot happen if this development is approved. As with the Keir application, as you've heard, this application breaches the existing local plan and should therefore refuse, be refused. The only material consideration otherwise is the requirements of the MPPF, which requires you to approve development if sustainable, but to refuse it if not. This is not sustainable. The fact that it's in the last draft new local plan is largely immaterial. As your officers have made absolutely clear in the past, the allocation sites were political decisions and were not based on sustainability and both of these sites breach the detailed draft local plan policies. As with the Fairfield proposal for Elsenham, this is an allocation site which is unsustainable and should also be refused, as you did with the Elsenham site. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Gadd. Paul Garland. Thank you again, Madam Chairman. Uh, I don't wish to repeat points already made, but there are one or two points I'd like to make specific to this application. I've already spoken to you about why the Keir proposal is unsustainable, and it fails the MPPF requirements to, for developments to be economically, socially, and environmentally sustainable. And many of the same issues apply to this application. As with Keir, the Manor Oak site is remote from Saffron Walden, and a long way from any facilities. The town centre is two kilometres away. If you want to get to schools, it's 20 minutes to the primary schools for an adult, and the county high is 30 minutes away. 
There's no proposal to provide new community facilities, not even a firm proposal to provide a new primary school, and the station remains six kilometres away. The times given in the officer's report are completely wrong. They've come straight from the developer's claims. But I defy you, or anybody here, to walk two kilometres to the town centre in 12 minutes, as they claim. The development will be a nice captive catchment for Tesco, but uh, it's divorced from the rest of the town. As with Kia, there are no sustainable links or improvements proposed to encourage walking or cycling to key facilities. Just a small contribution to the cycle path to the station and access to most key facilities will involve walking through the Shire Hill Industrial Estate and along the traffic and pollution-clogged Bradwinter and Thaxted Roads and East Street. Again, this site assumes that the vast majority of journeys will be by car, in breach of your planning policy. The draft local plan notes that Uttlesford's ecological footprint is substantially higher than the sustainable level and notes that a need for a step change in resource use is needed. But, as with Kia, this development proposes no step change, but rather will increase car dependence. The site is again poor at meeting its social state sustainability requirements. The NPPF requires planning to facilitate social interaction and create healthy, inclusive communities. That means integrating housing with other community services. The poor future residents of the proposed retirement village are just as badly served. Just one small area of green next to the main estate road, perhaps designed for the traffic pollution to hasten their demise? And no natural or semi-natural space is there for them to walk in. As with Kia, this site location is opposed to existing and draft local plan policies and to the MPPF. It fails on economic, environmental and social sustainability counts. The MPPF and local policies guide you to refuse this and I urge you to do so. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Garland. The next speaker is Stephen Williams. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Look, let's stop playing games with each other. If this development is accepted, one could intimate that this has become the decided mantra of UDC, as I will demonstrate. I ask that you reject this application simply because in this application there is a decided failing in provision of green space. Whilst the site plan shows a nice wide green area all the way around the site, it looks attractive on the map, but none of that comprises part of the applicant's site, and none of it is usable by the residents of the proposed development, so don't be misled by that. The site plan shows seven potential areas of green space or play areas. However, you see and you've been told that four of these are flood risk attenuation pools, so completely unusable for playing, kicking balls or any other games and indeed little use for general amenity. That leaves three small greens. Two are about the same size as the grass outside the front of these offices and the third is not much bigger. As we've just been so told, one of the small greens is situated outside the retirement village. 42 beds and 30 homes. Maybe the elderly don't matter, 
matter to me, but the only green space for the occupants of these 72 beds and homes is a piece of grass the size of the one outside this office, located on a main road through the estate. It's totally inadequate. Indeed, the younger fur know better. The other 230 homes will have 550 residents in total, including 140 children. Between them, they will have a single tiny green and one slightly bigger, but far too small even for a game of football. What are these children going to do? Hang around the bus stops? There are no proposals for sports fields. There's hardly any usable green space and very little amenity space. No allotments, not even a child's play area, equipped or not, and none are proposed in the draft S106. Your open spaces strategy states that housing for 550 people should provide two hectares of amenity space and sports field and five hectares of natural and semi-natural space. The officer's report claims that the shortfall doesn't matter because care provides more than the minimum sports space. But you cannot conflate applications like that. This lack of infrastructure simply contravenes national and local policies on green space, including the Council's own developer contribution guide, and falls woefully short of the Council's open space and playing field strategy recommendations. The NPPF requires proper provision of green space, but quite simply, there are too many houses and too little green space. I urge you to reject this development you are fully entitled to. Thank you very much. The next speaker is Matt North. I'm speaking against this application on the basis of its detrimental impact on traffic, air quality and the fact that it will reduce sustainable travel. The Manor Oak proposal essentially creates the same traffic problems as the Kia application. Both developments are on the wrong side of town to be sustainable. You've already heard of Essex Highway's uh, proposal for a one-way system as its only mitigation measure, and you also uh, would like to remind you you heard Essex Highway's own sp spokesperson uh, describe the temporary uh, measures of tr diverting traffic through Shire Hill um, as being horrendous. Um, also, you'll note um, that by temporary, he means until the link road that um, he also showed you, which also is not part of today's discussion and may never get built, is built. Even if it does get built, it may be 20 years. So, um, there you go. The one-way system that they are proposing uh, means cars being on the road for longer than before, causing more pollution, um, than before and sending traffic through Saffron Walden Town Centre. I think this last point deserves further comment as it's so obviously unsustainable. It's not just increasing the volume of traffic and a portion of heavy goods vehicles rumbling through the town centre, it's worsening the overall effects of air pollution by bringing more pollution to where more people are. Now, um, I've been called uh, a NIMBY by some rather feeble-minded people here, and I am a NIMBY. If NIMBY means standing up against unsustainable development that is going to put more traffic and more pollution uh, on the roads where my children, who already suffer from asthma, go to school, then uh, yes, I'm proud to be a NIMBY. Um, in addition, it will decrease pedestrian and cycle traffic by making the streets of Saffron Walden even less pleasant and more dangerous. Now, as you know, many of the principal pedestrian routes to the town are on roads with narrow or no proper pavements and with pedestrians perilously close to traffic. Cramming more cars will reduce sustainable traffic use in complete opposition to government planning and other policies. 
You've also heard that a proper link road is essential for new developments, but there's no pros absolutely no prospect of it happening. Yet the Essex Highways Impact Assessment on these proposed developments doesn't even include a scenario where the link road is not built. These applications should be rejected on that basis alone. Even if the link road were to be built, five out of the 11 principal junctions in Saffron Walden would be over capacity. Without the link road, they will be far worse. Please reject this application. It flies in the face of every policy designed to reduce car use, increase sustainable travel and improve public health. It is simply unsustainable. Thank you. Thank you, Mr North. Uh, Anthony Armand-Jones. Madam Chairman, unlike the last application... I beg your pardon, I thought it was. Unlike the last application, this one and the next one to follow um, have a direct impact on one particular corner of the town, and that is Church Street. And I propose to uh, concentrate on that in my submission for this and for Ridgeon's development. Uh, it does not necessarily concern um, the Kia development simply because. Um, it's quite possible for uh, people from that development to uh, go north out of uh, South and Walden via Littlebury. Uh, but uh, so far as Redwinter Road and uh, uh, Ashton Road is concerned, there really is only one way, and that is Church Street. The figures that have been um, proposed, uh, the, the, number of increase, uh, the increase in the number of vehicles that is proposed, seems to be uh, wildly inappropriate, bearing in mind what there is at the moment. Most traffic going um, down Church Street turns right, it goes north. As it happens, the sustainable public transport um, turns left, it goes into the town and out uh, along London Road. It is believed that there will be a possible delay of up to 70 cars uh, waiting to get out of Church Street. There is no um, junction uh, of that nature elsewhere in the town because there are traffic lights or some form of regulation. The only regulation there is here is uh, the ability of uh, car drivers on High Street to give way. That does not seem to be the case the majority of the time. Which brings me again to the question of link roads, as it did last time. The only possibility of a link road in this, in this particular instance treads on a lot of corns. I would suggest a link road via Little Walden Road, Caton's Lane, and round the back of, um, uh, 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 of the gardens coming out uh, onto Windmill Hill is the proper way of dealing with it, but I very much doubt that uh, many people will be of show any interest in that. Regrettably now, Saffron Walden is a lopsided town. And if these plans are, are approved, then many of us here today feel it will simply destabilise. Isn't it time, really, for us to look at the sacred land elsewhere around the town, particularly to the west, to enable a balance to develop. I urge you to reject this and the region's plans. Thank you. Thank you. The next speaker is Richard Gilead.
Madam Chairman, members of the committee, I apologise for having to repeat myself, but the Manor Oak proposal does not conform to the MPPF requirements for transport sustainability as set out in sections 30 and 35, nor does it support the policy set out in the adopted local plan, paragraphs 3.5 and 9.4, which require developers to encourage the use of modes of transport other than the private car. The proposal's traffic assessment does actually quote the CIHT publication Guidelines for Providing for Journeys on Foot, which sets out walking distances that residents would find acceptable and maximum before jumping in their cars. The maximum distance for walking to a town centre is set at 800 metres and to school is 2 kilometres. The proposal then refers to an appendix that shows the town centre facilities are all beyond a 1 kilometre distance line from this site. The 2011 census results are then quoted to show 67% of current journeys to work are by car, compared to 18% by walking. The next paragraph quotes more sustainable trip numbers of 54% on foot and about 18% by car. There is no explanation given as to how this dramatic reversal will be achieved. Manor Oaks say they will link to the existing pedestrian network primarily via the Shire Hill Industrial Estate, which is not safe for school children, especially at peak times or in the dark. On Saturday, I walked from Shire Hill from the nearest point of the Manor Oak site to the library. It took me 16 and a half minutes at a fast pace downhill and I've got long legs. This is more than a third longer than claimed in the proposals and must cast doubt on all their other timings. <coughs> I would also ask, if you, Madam Chairman corrected me earlier, if there was a site visit to this site uh, on Monday, how many members walked to the site and if not, why not? In common with the other sites for the east of the town, pedestrian routes falter at key junctions such as Kate's Corner and across busy through roads like the High Street or Newport Road. Thus it is impossible to map any reasonably direct, safe pedestrian route from the Manor Oak site to town centre amenities or the county high school. There are no dedicated cycle routes in the town. The proposal offers no mitigation to these problems, so the pro promise to achieve more sustainable trips cannot be realised and many more car journeys will be generated than stated in the transport assessment. The Manor Oak development is already expected to be a major contributor to the cumulative traffic problems outlined in the most recent highways assessment. The long queues predicted in Thaxted Road and Radwinter Road will not be alleviated until the link road is completed, if ever. Returning traffic will clog East Street beyond Cates Corner into George Street. Existing illegal air quality levels will be made far worse. The transport sustainability claims of this proposal do not stand up to any scrutiny. I urge members to reject it. Thank you, Madam Chairman. I will answer your question on the whether we walked. No, we went by car. Can I just point out that we are a district council and some of us do not live in Suffram Walden. We live in the south of the district, but we are a district council determining district planning applications. So, no, we did not, but we went round and walked the whole site. Darren Taylor. Right, I will go on to the next person who is Kirsty Hornigold. Thank you. I would like to raise the point that Shire Hill Industrial Estate is not a suitable access route for a housing development. As you will have seen, the road itself is inherently unsuitable as a general access road. It has two right-angled bends to negotiate, which are only reasonably safe because of the limited current traffic flows. 
I often walk with my children to the soft play centre on Shire Hill or to the toy library at the New Life Church, and the last part of the walk through the industrial estate is not a pleasant one. The industrial estate is very busy with heavy goods vehicles, cars and vans constantly using this road, making it very unsafe for pedestrians generally and especially for young children. And certainly a child would not be allowed to walk this route alone. Peak school times are, are the same time as the morning goods vehicle flows. Vehicles are often parked dangerously on the curb, making the pavements difficult to negotiate. Putting yellow lines on the road might stop the dangerous parking, but surely would also affect the businesses there if customers and delivery vehicles cannot park easily. As with the possible parking restrictions on Ashton Road that you dismissed when considering the Ridgens application in March, we need to see exactly what is proposed before you can decide whether it would work. Shire Hill is also a very steep hill, making it unsuitable for less able people to walk up and so encouraging car use and making the town's traffic problems worse. And I really can't see anyone even considering this as a cycle route to school. It is also not a safe or pleasant route for young women to walk alone in the dark, again encouraging car use. The access road will also become very busy with traffic and hence dangerous as it will become a cut-through for people wishing quite rightly to avoid the Thaxted Road Junction. There is also a nursery on Shire Hill which will be affected by the increases in pollution levels created by the increased traffic, which is simply not acceptable for our young children. I understand we need new houses within this town, but we must build them in the right places and have the correct infrastructure in place before the houses are built for the health and safety of our population. Councillors, I urge you to reject this application, using the Shire Hill Industrial Estate as an access route for a combination of industrial traffic, school children, pedestrians, estate traffic and through traffic is simply unsafe and unsustainable. Thank you. Thank you. Joanna Stone. Hello, I'm back again on air quality. Um, a couple of new numbers, well they're not new numbers, but a couple perhaps to reinforce things. Um, at least one child in every class in an Uttlesford school is going to die because of air pollution at some point. And of the, I've counted roughly 120 people here at the, the beginning of the proceedings earlier on. Um, 120 Public Health England estimates that six of us are going to die because of air pollution. As you already know from the many reports, the Environmental Health Officer has said that these um, applications will increase nitrogen dioxide in the AQMA. And a rough calculation, given the extra number of houses, is that another 26 people will die over the life of the plan because of where those houses are hoping to be put. I remind you again, in Owen Patterson's letter, the Secretary of State for DEFRA, DEFRA um, is clear that when you discuss them, whether you discuss them separately or together, you now know that the government has said you must look at the cumulative impacts of these applications <coughs> on air quality, and you must satisfy yourself about them before you vote, although perhaps common sense would say that two increases are probably going to be bigger than one. The officer's report, the care representative earlier, and this application fails to do that. He also says you must look again at the MPPF, I know you've heard it so many times, but the applications must contribute towards the national objectives for pollutants, which Saffron Walden doesn't, and planning decisions that you make should ensure that any new development in the AQMA, which we have in Saffron Walden, is consistent with your air quality action plan, which this won't be. In fact, not only do they breach the MPPF, 
as far as I can see, they're contrary to ENV 13 of the 2005 local plan and also EN2 of the draft local plan, which is what I looked up online for the April submission, um, although the officer's report mentions Gen 4 and 2 and e, EN 5 and 6, which, as far as I could see, were flooding and noise, which is a bit confusing, but presumably that can be clarified at some point. So where does that leave these applications? Despite the very real need... For, for housing, for affordable housing, for playing fields, for, for all the sports facilities that people have talked about. To start saving lives, you must refuse them. Thank you. Thank you. The next speaker is Stephen Thomas. Stephen Thomas. You're not Stephen Thomas. No, I'm not. I'm afraid Stephen Thomas can't be present and he's asked that I present his submission. I trust that's acceptable. Yes, it would. Thank you. Thank you. This development raises substantially the same issues as the Kia proposal. It will increase nitrogen dioxide levels generally and particularly within the Saffron Warden Air Quality Management Area increasing illegal pollution levels. I don't believe that any reliance can be placed upon the Manor Oak forecasts. They are very different from both the Kia forecasts and the Essex Highways air quality forecasts. For base 2018 forecast year, Manor Oak predict that air pollution will magically have fallen by around 20%. In contrast, Kia claim a small decrease and the independent Essex figures predict no overall decline and a sharp deterioration in the centre of Saffron Warden. In her report on Manor Oak, the Environmental Officer, Health Officer notes that Manor Oak predict they will worsen pollution by 1-2.5%, to including where unlawful levels are already present. She goes on to note that Essex Highways asked the Manor Oak transport to be amended to reflect more realistic traffic flows, but the air quality assessment was not updated. It assumes that no additional traffic whatsoever from Manor Oak will use High Street, George Street, East Street or Audley Road. Although a good way to reduce artificially likely air pollution impact on the town centre, this is, as the officer says, unrealistic. The environmental officer notes that not all relevant committed development has been taken care of. You can be sure, therefore, that the increase in air pollution forecasts are an understatement. As I said with Kia, the development should be individually rejected because they will worsen already unlawful air pollution levels. If aggregated, as they should have been, this increase is much higher. I remind you that all central Saffron Warden junctions are of at least medium sensitivity, with most being of high or very high sensitivity, and that once aggregated, the forecast air pollution increases are neither small nor negligible. As you heard earlier, the advice from Arup is that these results show that the air quality implications of these applications should be treated as of a high priority. There should therefore be a presumption in favour of refusal, unless any increases in pollution levels can be mitigated, and as you, as you are aware, they cannot. Indeed, Manor Oak are proposing no mitigation measures. Before ending, I should like to remind you of what was said earlier in relation to Kia. Air pollution is real. It is killing people in Uttlesford, and if you approve this development, it will kill more people. The advice from Public Health England and the requirements of the MPPF are clear, that unlawful levels of air pollution should not be increased. 
I urge you to reject this application. Thank you. Thank you. Mr Lodge. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, I want to address a few of the the points which have uh, come up during the meeting so far today. But firstly, I just want to go back to that vacant pushchair. One thing that I didn't say uh, at the end of that was that that applies not only to the children who would have been here and the one who will not be here. That applies, as Joanna Stone said earlier, to every class in Saffron Walden. So in Thomas Moore, in St Mary's, in Catherine Seymour, in R.A. Butler, in every class, as well as every class in the county high school, a child will not get to the end of their natural life because of air pollution. Because of that alone, there should be no chance of you accepting this application. On some other general points, ECC education stated, uh, we have not agreed on how to handle secondary education. They're probably well advanced. They actually said that. Because of that, there is no way this application should be accepted today. EC have stated for some time, and I'm looking at the failings of my own council here, that the link road is essential. Fine, I will accept that. If it is essential, wait until there are solid plans to build that road. If there are not, it cannot possibly count in these deliberations. The link road is immaterial. The traffic chaos will occur for at least 20 years. And as Mr. Spront said, it will be horrendous. Um, Rather surprisingly, he also said that four lorries will be crossing the town in the morning rush hour through this wonderful new highways plan. I'm tremendously saddened by that, and I won't make a further particular um, comment on, on that particular one. Everyone knows how ludicrous that is. But I'm afraid it is a lead to, um, in some ways, the lack of appreciation and the lack of work which has been done by a number of the departments in my own county in Essex, and I'm not proud of it. You have heard about the five-year supply. Our, Our planning lawyer expressed that extremely eloquently. We have a planning supply. We have a five-year planning supply in contradiction to the statements of the planning officer If we have a supply, wait until we don't. There is no need to accept this application now. I will finish, and maybe even inside my three minutes, and go back to my first theme. Those people are dying of air quality now. It is the job of the Uttlesford Council, the cabinet of Uttlesford District Council, to go back and fix that, and as an essential part of that, refuse this application. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Lodge. Mr. Freeman, please. Richard Freeman. Madam Chairman, members of the committee, thank you for the opportunity to speak. The proposed estate is in the worst possible location. Most of its residents will have to travel across Saffron Walden to get to and from work or to reach the railway or to reach the motorway. 
and the so-called highway solutions simply move the problem elsewhere. They kick the can down the street. In some cases, they actually worsen it. Essex County Council's own transport analysis states, and I quote, there is little room to improve junctions and consequently any residential development in the town will only add to the traffic flows and cause increased congestion on the historic road network. It also states that any further development within the town is likely to put pressure on the air quality management area and do nothing to improve its quality. And it goes on to say, journeys from the town to the station are likely to be by car unless a high quality bus service is provided along with a high quality segregated cycle route. Nothing in this proposed application deals with these problems. The development will fill the town with traffic and is, as I've said, in completely the wrong place. The construction will bring heavy vehicles into the town, clog it with temporary traffic lights. You only have to look at the bun fight which has been ongoing for years around the Thaxted Road, Wadrenter Road junction. It would be the same story repeated over the town. It is, Madam Chairman, the worst possible example of unsustainable development. And once again, uh, the Section 106 benefits may or may not materialise. They are not a basis upon which the committee should make its judgement. Uh, quite often they are slow to arrive, sometimes as we know they don't arrive at all. Concerning Church Street, it certainly has stationary traffic in it a lot of the day uh, and there's no satisfactory junction at the bottom and no plans to make it more satisfactory where it reaches the high street and that alone will cause the town to lock up. So I urge the committee to reject this application forthwith. Thank you very much, Mr Freeman. Alan Storer. Mr Storer, you're speaking for yourself this time, correct? Yeah, I'm speaking for, my, for myself, yes, madam. Yeah. Coincidentally, the town council do share my views. That was an introduction to my speech. I'm a resident and a chartered town plan town planner and um, I'm going to give you my views as to um, the extent to which this application complies with policies at the local and national level. First of all it's contrary to the adopted local plan for the following reasons. It's unacceptable in principle in this location by virtue of it being in the countryside and outside the town's development limits. It's unacceptable in principle because it's on the best and most versatile agricultural land of the district and no evidence has been given as to why it needs to be there. It's contrary to the access policy because it would create a rat run through the Shire Hill Industrial Estate and would be a safety hazard. It would exacerbate traffic congestion at junctions already operating beyond their capacity and it would fail to encourage movement by means other than the private car. It's contrary to policy ENV3 in that the site proposed for the housing development is a visually important space within the landscape and no evidence has been presented to demonstrate that the need for the proposed development outweighs the site's amenity value. The proposed development is also contrary to the National Planning Policy Framework and that it would, first of all, exacerbate traffic congestion and thus lead to yet further greenhouse gas emissions as a consequence of car engines running whilst the vehicles are slow moving or stationary. The sites not located where the need to travel will be minimised because it's on the wrong side of town with regard to the main destinations and routes to work. 
the site is not located where it will have access to high quality public transport because the existing public transport services are too infrequent to function as an effective service. The community has expressed its well justified opposition on the basis of the principles of sustainability to the prospect of major development on this eastern side of Saffron Walden. The site is an integral and valued part of the rural landscape which should be protected. The site is on the best and most versatile agricultural land and should be protected. It will contribute to an unacceptable degree of risk from existing levels of air pollution. It's contrary to policy and there are no reasons to make an exception to policy, so please do refuse this application. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Stewart. And now we have the Town Council, Councillor Richard Harrington. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, I'm speaking again on behalf of uh, Saffron Modern Town Council. Um, you've already heard uh, a lot about all the major matters that are, are going on with this uh, uh, particular application. Uh, I'm just going to focus on a couple of things now. Um, the proposed um, access road from the site through the Shah Hill Industrial Estate. Uh, it's already been mentioned that it's heavily parked, certainly in the mornings and towards the middle afternoon and later afternoon, uh, and I've experienced problems trying to get parked up there myself. Uh, and more nine, nine times out of ten, it just leaves a narrow single-track road, certainly through the top end adjoining the uh, Manor Oak site. Uh, now it seems to be that um, there's... There's the idea of um, allowing commuters, cyclists, children walking to school to all use this narrow road. Yet, when you, when you look through the details of the plan, nothing's been put in there about cycle paths, wider footpaths, nothing at all. And what provision is being made for the businesses, their visitors, the customers who go up there? Where are they going to be expected to put their vehicles? And there's nothing in that report whatsoever. And I know there are a few members of the committee who are here on the evening in which they criticised the Ashton Road as being a farce. I would suggest that this proposal of this temporary link road, as they seem to think it is, is, is also a total farce. It is just not um, practical. So I would ask the... Uh, uh, the, the committee to reject that. The second issue uh, is regarding the link road as well. The officer's report states the Shire Hill secondary access proposed would be sufficient to cater for development providing access supplemented by Shire Hill Road until through road, a through road comes forward. Now, I didn't understand that, and I don't know whether anyone here in, the, uh, in this room understands what that means. But I think what it means, it's, it'll do until you get the link road, or the road from nowhere to nowhere. And at the moment, it doesn't seem that it's ever going to be here. Um, the key element of this package, uh, according to County Highways, is the provision of a link road between Thaxter Road and Redwinter Road. And, and in order for the road to perform its intended function, it has to have the most direct alignment, and that is north to south. 
The secondary access link road proposed with this application is through an industrial state and it goes from east to west. Could I ask you it to wind up? It won't do the job. And on behalf of uh, Saffron Town Council, I would urge the members to reject this application. Thank you. Thank you very much. Right, that is the end of the speakers, and so we now have the applicant, Louise Steele. And you have up to 45 minutes, if you show wish. Thank you, Chair, for the opportunity to speak. My name is Louise Steele. I'm from Frampton's Planning and act on behalf of Manor Oak Homes. The proposal will deliver the following benefits to the Council. As officers have summarised, the proposal is for a mixed-use residential-led development resulting in an efficient use of the site. The site will meet the need for new homes and employment. Up to 200 to 230 dwellings are proposed. This represents a major contribution to housing delivery in the district, including high-quality family housing in an area of housing need. Most of the proposed dwellings will be in the form of family homes, ranging from two-bed dwellings to five-bed dwellings. The proposal will result in a significant provision of much-needed affordable homes, with 40% of the development comprising affordable housing, the equivalent of 80 units. Early on in the planning process, we listened to the comments received during public consultation and following consultation with county and district officers, it was decided to include land for a primary school as part of the original planning application submission. According to Essex County Council, and as you have heard today from the members of the public, this is the preferred location for the school. Furthermore, a substantial financial contribution will be made to enable the delivery and construction of the primary school. And through the Section 106, the land will be transferred to Essex County Council. For the rest of the scheme, circa 68 extra care rooms, 30 extra care apartments and 12 extra care bungalows will be provided to the north of the site. Employment is provided in the form of 1,800 square metres of office floor space. This will create up to 127 full-time equivalent jobs. A further 120 jobs will be created from the primary school and the extra care provision. Therefore, 247 new full-time jobs will be created once the scheme is completed. There will be also approximately 1,200 jobs, indirect and direct, created through the construction phase. The proposals will therefore create employment opportunities close to where people live. Furthermore, the improved infrastructure as a result of the proposed development will allow links to other employment area, areas within Saffron Walden, including the Shire Hill Industrial Estate. The improved public transport infrastructure, which would include bus stops and bus links through the site, cycle routes through the site, will also improve this, the connectivity to these adjacent areas. The proposals will also result in the delivery of 2.2 hectares of open space. This excludes the SUDS areas, as mentioned by members of the public today. These will include the creation of linear parks, landscape links and three local play areas. This will create a new place for visitors, residents and workers to enjoy. The site is positioned in a sustainable location within the wider location of Saffron Walden. The site is located adjacent to a Tesco superstore, adjacent to the employment uses at Shire Hill, is within walking distance to the nursery located at Shire Hill, 
Currently, the nearest existing bus stops are located at the bus interchange at Tesco's, and the site is in, uh, within walking distance to the Saffron Walden Community Hospital. Therefore, the development will be in a sustainable location with easy access to pedestrian routes, local facilities and amenities, and close to public transport bus routes, minimising the need to travel by car. Furthermore, there will be the promotion of sustainable transport through significantly improved connectivity through the local area, including a bus route through the site. Two vehicle accesses are proposed to serve the site, the primary access being from Radwinter Road in a similar position to the existing farm access, and a secondary access will be provided to the western boundary connecting to Shire Hill, serving the existing adjacent commercial development which connects to Thaxted Road. The proposed primary route that would run through the site would connect to the southern boundary. The primary route together with the secondary access from Shire Hill would help disperse vehicle movements from the proposed scheme and mitigate the impact upon more sensitive junctions in Saffron Walden. Whilst design is a reserve matter, the illustrative master plan indicates a development that reflects the character of the location. The application site is an important gateway location to the town and will also form a new edge to the settlement, both of which bear responsibilities for a sensitive standard of design. As a result, the proposal is of a high standard of design that will be able to provide a high standard of accommodation. The proposed development will be split into two different character areas, more urban to the north and rural to the south, creating an appropriate edge to the settlement. Strategically placed open space will link pedestrian routes and create a defined green network. Focal points will be created through architectural and landscape details. The dwellings would be characterised through the use of four area zones, which would be Boulevard, Village Green, Farm Avenue and Green Edge zones. The design of the buildings would be altered to reflect these areas. There would be a variety of spacing between the buildings with a variety of open spaces, resulting in a relatively low density development. As summarised by officers, the site is located within Saffron Walden Policy 1 area of the draft local plan, which is identified for the delivery of 800 new homes and employment land. Further benefits of the scheme are set out in the draft section 106 head to terms include contributions to local social infrastructure, education, healthcare and public open space. We have worked hard with officers to provide the highest quality scheme. Of note, there are no technical objections from statutory consultees to the proposals. In summary, the proposed development delivers a new housing to assist... Sorry, but there has been a technical fault resulting in a gap in this recording. So I think if, if that avenue were closed to people, we do really need to consider... Uh, and I think making articulated lorries eventually go all the way around the town when you could put the traffic lights and block the road at Shire Hill does seem to be um, rather peculiar. So uh, I think in summary, I, I feel more at ease with a Manor House application than I do the Keir one. And the fact that, that there are no guarantees about the link road um, does make me feel that the Keir application perhaps should not be given planning permission until we have some guarantee. And again, having said that, no one objects to the Keir one, so I do feel it's problematic. Mr Taylor just wants to make a comment. I just wanted to comment and make sure members are clear that this is not a beauty parade between two applications. Um, and you've got to be very clear about that. You should not look at one against the other. 
It's whether or not they are acceptable in their own right, each on their own merits. And you must be, in, must be very clear that that is what you're doing in your assessment and that is what you're doing in your voting. So if one is fine and the other is fine, one might be better than the other, but that doesn't matter. If both are fine, they're fine. If neither, neither of them are fine, then that's fine. But you've got to, that's the judgment you've got to make. Uh, sorry, if, if that was the impression I gave, that, that was not correct. It is about the Radwinter Thaxted Road that I have those concerns about the clear application, which are not quite so pertinent on the other side of the... Um but as you know, there have been no highways and objections. Now, Councillor Salmon is the last person who has not spoken yet, so I will go to him next. Thank you, Chairman. On the Keir site, the piece of land that's been designated for a school, if by any chance that doesn't happen, will that piece of land go back to the developer or will it be handed to our district to go to the sports facility? It would, it would revert back to the sports facility. So there would be an option in the legal agreement that it's either the school land or for the sports facility. So if the school land was provided on the Manor Oak application, then this would be open space as it was originally. So that would come back to Upland District? Yes. Right, now we've all had a good opportunity to, to speak, um, so I think we need to move this on, and I have got people who wish to come back now. So we've got Councillor Perry next. Thank you, Chairman. I think far as Manor Oak is concerned, we ought to ask that uh, all the children on that development should be given free swimming lessons so they can use the attenuation ponds. And that a medical centre is put by the school so we can give free asthma pumps to all the children on both sites. All I've heard from highways in education today is might be, could be, possibly. No certainty and no sustainability. The MPPF is quite clear and I can refer to various paragraphs, but one I would love to do is paragraph 30. The proposed, proposed development is contrary because it would exacerbate existing traffic congestion, which would itself lead to further greenhouse gas emissions as a consequence of car engines running whilst vehicles are slow moving or stationary. I have serious concerns with that, but with the Manor Oak one even particular, Shire Hill will rely as our main, one of our main business centres, to try and use that as a link through to that Manor Oak is absolutely ludicrous. You can't mix. And the only mitigation they can come up with is double yellow lines, which will cause the whole of that Shire Hill to become non-existent. I'll not be supporting these applications. Councillor Ranger. Thank you, Chairman. On that last point that uh, Councillor Perry raised, I thought there were, uh, was a, a movement to engage with the businesses on Shire Hill and to make better use of the on-site parking that certain businesses uh, are not making use of. But that's something uh, perhaps Mr Taylor can advise on. But basically, but debating one against the other um, it, it is not on. I mean... They're either decided or they're not decided. I mean, this smacks of, of people wanting all the, if I can use this analogy, traffic lights to turn to green before they start off on their journey. We've got to start going somewhere. Um, if we agree both of these sites, and I will be supporting, I've made that clear, we stand a much better chance of the link road being completed because I would hazard a guess that 
An application would be in this building quite soon if permission were given for both of these sites because these guys have done the half yard, hard yards and someone's going to come in and say, yep, I can get a little link road in there for you and it's XYZ number of houses and job done. Right, I'm looking for a proposal now and I need to go to the CARE one first. Were you proposing a CARE, care proposal, Councillor Ranger? Yes, Chairman, I would uh, propose that we accept the officer's recommendation for approval. Right, do I have a seconder for that before I go any further? Yes, yes, I've got two more down, but, but Councillor Ranger indicated that he would be voting for, so I asked him if he was making a proposal, and he has said yes. Do I have a seconder for the CARE application? please. Councillor Wells and I think Councillor Salmon. Right. Now I will continue. I've got Councillor Mackman next. Well, I was going to propose that we refused it and there are solid policy grounds to do so. Councillor Mel. It was on the CARE application because a small voice in the dark with the sports bodies and the skate park people who I've listened to and had demonstrations <coughs> from as what well. Uh, the work that they've been doing for the last few years on that area and I was just wondering is it not possible to defer again the care application until we have firm monies there for the link road do you wish to do you wish to um, well, you've said two different things there um well, you, you, you started talking about. And I thought you, were gonna, you started talking about the open space and the sports division, and then you concluded by talking about the money for the link road. Yes. Is it you doing? Yes. Okay. So then in terms of in terms of the the, the link road, it's not proposed as part of the care application. So no, I'm not sure you can defer the care application. Looking at something in terms of something that's outside their control completely in terms of finding the money because it wouldn't be proportionate to this development to provide the entire money for the link road. So uh, it wouldn't be proportionate, so therefore we couldn't tie that up through the legal agreement that Keir would provide the entire money or Manor Oak provide the entire money for the link road because it wouldn't be proportionate for that scale of development. Um, in terms of the finance for the... I'm going to answer a question you didn't quite ask, but in terms of the finance for the open space whether or not we should defer it until we had all the monies there. Um, I'm putting words into their mouth slightly, but in terms of bidding, you are unlikely to be able to put forward a strong bid until you have planning permission for something to, to do that. In terms of both the Keir and Manor Oak developments, they are proposing um, quite substantial sums of money to come forward secured to the legal agreement, which would come to the District Council, which would enable the initial works to happen. Um, and then the sports trust that they've put together would, would you know, in theory, take a lease on the land and take that, that, that provision forward through fundraising of their own various grants that so you heard them talking about selling their, uh, the existing rugby club site. But I think to do that, to do those sort of things, they would need the security of a permission. They're not going to go and sell their own site unless they've got security of a new site to move to. And the same with grant funding. If they've got a scheme that is partly in the pipeline to deliver, then they've got something to take in terms of grant funding bids. That helps. Right. I have a proposal on the table. We've had a very good discussion and we've had lots of representations for the whole of the day. Um, for the Keir site, 
for approval with all the conditions and 106s has there anything been added with regard to 106s or or um, or uh, conditions nobody has thought of anything that they, the land if it is not required for a, for a school reverts back to sports land correct is it that I'm, I'm clear on that and everything else is as written and the dates are correct that they have to be and it has to come back to us if we have, have problems yes ca ca sorry I just want to clear that Councillor Perry thank you Chairman because of what these two applications are in openness, fairness and transparency, can I ask for a recorded vote on both these applications? Yes, you may. Uh, I don't think I even have to get a seconder yeah. for that, do I? That's just record requested as well. Uh, do we have a list? Do you have the... Yeah. You're going to, yeah, okay, fine. Right. Nobody else wishes to say anything at the moment? Then we will go to the vote. Councillor Kant. Councillor Cheatham. Four. Councillor Eden. Against. Councillor uh, Godwin. Against. Councillor Mackman. Against. Councillor Menil. Against. Councillor Perry. Councillor Ranger. Councillor Salmon. Councillor Wells. There are four, four, and one, two, three, four, five, six against. So the proposal is rejected. Do we have to go to a substantive motive now? Motion now? Yes, yes. Will you please refrain from clapping? We have not finished the business yet. Will you please refrain from clapping? Do we have to go for a stance? Yes, we do have to. Right, I need a substantive notice and reasons for refusal. Would you please put your microphone on? Sorry, I thought you could hear me. Policy S1, policy S7, policy ENV3, policy ENV5. It also say that we've got air quality concerns and it's con several of us consider the site to be unsustainable. Uh, excuse me, we didn't actually get them all down fast enough. Could you just repeat them? My apologies. So S1, S7... S1. ENV3, ENV5. Mm. Yes. And to say, I thought there were air quality concerns and the site was considered to be unsustainable. Officers, do you wish to comment on the reasons put forward for refusal? Um, uh, just for Councillor Mackman, air quality is ENV 13. So, yeah. So, sorry, Chairman. Um, I don't have any comments on those policies right. that have been quoted in the adopted local plan. Okay, fine. Other than we've already said. I'd formally like to propose to second that and also to ask if consideration be given to the contrary to the MPPF as to <coughs> sustainability as there is severe cognitive impacts.
Um, no, no, Chairman, because this is on this application, so I'm, I'm not sure about which severe cumulative impacts Councillor Perry is talking about, so if you could elaborate. I was thinking more of the various paragraphs. It's contrary to 30, 34, 35, 58, 69, 72, 109, just for a few. But no, we stick with what we've got rather than confuse it. I wasn't, I wasn't saying you don't need to do that. I was just saying you said the cumulative impacts of those. You, you mean there's lots of paragraphs in the MPPF you think it disagrees with? Right, OK, OK. You have to give a specific. All right. Um, I think we can do this by a show of hands. All those in favour of refusal, please share. Oh, well, you, said it, you said it was a recorded vote on this. Oh, you no, it hasn't. We have had a recorded vote. Do you want a recorded vote on the second part? Can you, can you explain that they need to take another vote to refuse it because members of the public don't understand? Okay. Let me explain that if a, it, was, it was proposed for approval and it was refused and therefore it was rejected. So we have to go back and give reasons for refusal and vote again. So that is why we are voting again. Do you wish it to be a recorded vote? Yes, please, Chairman. Okay, fine. Right, uh, could I ask you to do another piece of paper? Councillor Kant. Yes. yes. Councillor Cheatham. Councillor Eden. For refusal. Councillor Godwin. Councillor Mackman. Councillor Menel. Councillor Perry. Councillor Ranger. Councillor Salmon. Councillor Wells. Uh, Six, four, and four against. It's the same. It has been refused. We will now go to, I would like a proposal for the second, I think, Councillor Ranger. Mr. Chairman, I'd like to propose that we accept the officer's recommendation for approval. Do I have a seconder for the manor? Thank you. Right. If nobody else wishes to speak and nobody has requested a recorded vote. You, have, you, you want a recorded vote for this one as well. Sorry. It's right, so we would like to go to the vote on this one, please. Councillor Kant. Councillor Cheatham. Councillor Eden. Councillor Godwin. Councillor Mackman. Councillor Menel. Councillor Perry. Councillor Ranger, Councillor Salmon, Councillor Wells. Eight, four, and two against. That has been approved. On that note, can I thank you all? We are now going to have a short break, and I do apologise to the Ridgen Sites application, but this has taken a long time. But the members have been here working since half past nine, uh, since ten o'clock. Sorry. So we're going to have a 15-minute break, and then we will start the next. Give me a piece of cake back. Sorry? Can I steal a piece of cake for you? No, you're all right, you're all right. Thank you. <laughs> See what we've got in the office. Yeah. You're well stoked, are you? We've got a cupboard in there. Uh, we've got a Mars well, bar cupboard. We have a few biscuits on that. A few biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> right. See you in 15 minutes. Yeah. Right. I'm sure they're going to cut down their public speaking. I don't think they listen to it again. Okay.
I'm going to have to go and get something to eat, otherwise I won't survive. I think we can live without a lot Yes, fine. <laughs> That's right. Good afternoon, everybody. I reconvene this meeting. We will now go on to UTT 132423 Outline Planning, Saffron Walden, Ridgeon Site, and Mrs. Shoesmith, you're going to take us through it. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. Members' attention is drawn to the supplementary representations that have been circulated and the further supplementary representations regarding the region's application, uh, which um, specifies that um, since the report has been written, an additional 81 standard petition letter has been received raising the following points that have been outlined and also a letter from the Town Council. Furthermore, also a letter from Councillor Sadler has also been received and um, raising um, points again outlined within the uh, subreps and a clarification on paragraph 3.3, line 8 of the report, uh, which refers to a drawing E63. In fact, this is actually an um, additional drawing that has been submitted as part of the Manor Oak application and not as part of the Ridgens application. Also, um, just going back to the previous, um, initially when I started presenting care, in the Appendix A, um, so the Town Council's letter has been wrongly placed under Appendix A of the care application. It does, in fact, actually refer to the Ridgens application. The application site is located northeast of Saffron Walden, north of Ashton Road, and bounded by the rear gardens of properties fronting Divisier Avenue to the west. If this actually works, yes. <laughs> Countryside is located to the north and east of the site, with the former railway line running along the eastern boundary. Along here. South of the site and Ashton Road is the fuel storage depot facility and the Persimmons Homes development. Protected Special Verge runs um, along the frontage of the application site along here. The application site covers an area of 13 hectares. The whole of the application site falls within the development limits of Saffron Walden and is completely designated as safeguarded employment land under local plan policy SW6. There is an increase in ground levels from Ashton Road um, northwards towards the rear of the application site going from here to here, this being the highest point of the application site. 
There are a total of 12 warehouse industrial units on the site dating between 1950s and 1960s, ranging in heights from maximum to, to a maximum of 11.5 metres. Many of the buildings on site are beyond economic repair. The application site is for outline consent for the demolition of buildings um, on site and the redevelopment of it um, to provide up to 167 residential dwellings with 40% affordable housing, a builder's merchant and yard um, which would comprise 1.25 hectares, office and or light industrial space, business and general industrial storage and distribution covering 1.16 hectares. Also as part of the application, a local retail shop, a cafe stroke restaurant, public house, stroke public house and a hotel is also proposed covering an area of 4.78 hectares. The scheme would also involve the provision of public open space, landscaping and supporting infrastructure, infrastructure including replacement substations. All matters are reserved except access, of which it is proposed to be marginally modified, um, the existing access, to accommodate the proposed development. The indicative master plan illustrates how the scheme could be laid out. Um, the residential um, scheme is proposed to be laid out to the west of the site, adjacent to the existing residential properties, and the proposed commercial buildings located um, to the east of the site. It is proposed that there would be a buffer between the two uses along here um, and, uh, and the proposed more noisier industrial units um, which are proposed to be sited further um, outwards of the site and protected by more, um, more compatible uses, B1 uses, along and adjacent to the buffer. Spinal Road will run through the site, um, which would run firstly into the industrial estate and then also it would loop round, another section would loop round into the proposed residential. The local store with residential above um, is proposed to be located here um, and the restaurant hotel is proposed to be located here and the proposed bus turning facilities to the front here. Joint access, as stated, will be taken from the existing entrance. There are two separate internal roads, as indicated, um, serving the two uses. Landscape corridor along the centre of the site and along the perimeters of the site, uh, also to the north, um, will be provided. Um, the majority of landscaping is proposed to be retained on site. It's also proposed that the landscaping will be enhanced and uh, preserved also, um, helping preserve a reptile habitat, um, which is located to the north of the site, and south of the site, a portion of the open space will be retained. Dwellings are stated will be policy compliant in terms of the level of amenity space, mixture and tenure that's proposed. The scheme is also stated that it would uh, accord with parking standards. Illustrative plan has been provided um, highlighting the height parameters of the proposed scheme. Uh, 
The pink elements um, along the edges indicates a height of up to nine metres in height, which is equivalent to two storeys, and the blue elements in the more core centre of the site um, up to um, 10.5 metres, which is the equivalent of two and a half storeys. It's considered obviously um, more into the site, it's less sensitive as opposed to um, those areas that are adjacent to, for example, the existing residential properties and those that are adjacent to the um, countryside. A facing scheme has initially been provided um, as part of the application. This, outlined in de this was outlined in detail in section 3.7 of page 141 of Appendix A. I will refer back to this um, later on in my presentation. The facing scheme is essential to the implementation of the development in terms of decanting businesses and the financial release of funds to enable the redevelopment of the commercial units. As part of the application, a flexible consent is sought um, for the commercial floor space uh, for, build, uh, for building uses, types and sizes, with a maximum floor space is specified um, on page 142. This is also to enable the development to respond to the market demands due to the applicant's speculative nature. The applicant's supporting statement, relevant application history and all consultation responses have been outlined within the reports. The application meets the three strands of uh, the MPPF in terms of sustainability with aspects of the application proposing to increase the level of sustainability um, of the site. The construction of residential will enable facilitating the site's commercial redevelopment to provide improved quality of commercial accommodation and improve the site's overall viability. This is considered acceptable and therefore the principle of the proposal is acceptable. This accords with policy and the MPPF as outlined in sections 10.1 to 10.19 located on pages 159 to 164 of the report. In terms of the proposed town centre uses, namely the local store, restaurant and budget hotel, a sequential test has been undertaken in accordance with guidance. Whilst the rationale for proposing the retail store has not been accepted, the illustrative master plan reflects the viability of the scheme. Even though 40% of the site will provide residential, this together with the proposed mixed-use commercial aspect of the development would enable the commercial development and facilitate in increasing the level of employment generated on site to at least three and a half times its existing levels. Employment is stated currently to be around 120 people and the proposed scheme would increase that to approximately 400 to 700 people. This is considered a material consideration based on the designation of the site which adds considerable weight to this, outweighing the harm of allowing a town centre use in this location. Whilst the design is a reserve matter, the proposed development is capable of meeting policy requirements um, such as uh, amenity, back-to-back -back distances and car parking provision. <coughs> the site is contained through... Um, the site is contained through mature landscaping and is well screened around the perimeters. The large units on site would be replaced with more modest-sized scaled buildings 
Whilst these are likely to be visible from certain vantage points, these would make a positive contribution to the landscape character and appearance of the location than that that is currently there. No landscape objection has been raised. It has been demonstrated within the application that 80% of the proposed vehicle movements from the development would be counterbalanced by the existing levels of vehicle movements and the additional vehicle movements would be sorry it's been demonstrated within the application that 80% of the proposed vehicle movements from the proposed development would be counterbalanced this would include the various sustainable transport elements that have been proposed as part of the application in the form of improved footpaths, cycle paths and proposed travel plans. This would also include the proposed extension and bus turning facilities into the site. No objection has been raised by the Highways Authority subject to conditions. The overall air quality impact of the proposed development was concluded uh, within the air quality assessment to be insignificant taking into account uncertainties of future projections. No objection has been raised by environmental health as a result. However, this response is also encouraged through the implementation of a travel plan and highway improvements. No impact upon amenities considered as a result of the proposed development subject to conditions. Various infrastructure is proposed as part of the application to mitigate the development in the form of education, open space, health and affordable housing, as outlined in section F on page 173 to 174. In terms of ecology, while some impact would occur it is not considered to be detrimental and mitigation measures would be implemented through a habitat management plan and the introduction of other landscape and wildlife corridors within the site. Further to the application being deferred at the 12th of March Planning Committee, additional information has since been submitted by the applicant covering the following. Highways, education relating to school places, lack of public open space. A revised phasing plan has been submitted addressing concerns that were raised. This phasing plan is the revised um, plan that has been received. It now shows a renumbering where phase one is now phase 1A and phase two is now phase 1B. This defines that the proposed construction of the residential would be undertaken simultaneously with the demolition of buildings and the construction of the retail, hotel, restaurant, bus turning facilities and the Ridges building, which are all located here. The amending numbering is reflected in, other in the other phases. For example, this was uh, phase three, now becomes phase two and so on. It should be noted that the phasing plan would be controlled through conditions as well as the Section 106 obligations. Three plans have also been submitted identifying the level of amenity space. This slide shows um, what is required under the draft policy uh, from the proposed scheme of 167 dwellings. Um, this shows approximately 0.387 hectares of open space, which is the requirement as a result of the scale of the development. The following plan shows how the site, 
how the site uh, would provide a level of usable amenity space um, through the scheme. So this shows the um, additional open spaces that are being provided as part of the scheme in addition to what is actually required by the local plan policy, draft policy. Furthermore, this plan here again shows the level of total open space which is provided by the scheme, not just the usable um, amount of open space, the total level of open space. This plan here shows a cross-section of the site um, in two, three sections and it shows the scale of the open space in relation to the proposed dwellings. Um, so it shows the distances and proportions between the level of built form and open space within the scheme. Draft policy ENF1 indicates an open space requirement based on 167 dwellings of 0.31 hectares of amenity space and 0.078 hectares of child's play space. The submitted drawings show that 2.1 hectares of amenity space would be provided by the proposed development, which is five and a half times more open space than the draft policy requires, also three times more than what is required in the form of usable space. The scheme therefore accords with local plan policy Gen 2, Gen 7 and the draft policy NF1 as quoted in section 3.12 of the officer's report. The additional information submitted relating to highways outlined that the traffic impact of the proposed development has been carefully considered within the supporting transport assessment, which has been undertaken and its relationship with air quality implications. This has informed the recommendation, this has informed the recommended highway mitigation measures including parking mitigation measures which have been recommended for Ashton Road as discussed in paragraph 3.3 of the addendum. It has been emphasised within the additional information that the HGV movement would be reduced and the additional capacity would be utilised by the increasing trip rates generated by the scheme. This was looked at in conjunction with alternative means of travel which has been reflected within the travel plan. Section 3.6 of the addendum clarifies the level of parking requirement which would be generated as a result of the proposed scheme in relation to the increased number of jobs proposed. It has been confirmed that the level of car parking required for the commercial element is based on the level of floor space created as opposed to the number of jobs this would be also controlled at reserve matters stage should planning permission be granted to ensure that the scheme would comply with Essex parking standards and that the scheme would not be car dominated. Another point of clarification um, in terms of the information that's been submitted um, regarding the store's operations. The reduction in the number of HGV movements it is proposed that the Saffron Walden store would be a hub store that would still provide the same level of service and production as its customers currently does receive. The HGVs would cover a reduced catchment area through the use of satellite stores. This slide, this slide shows the Ridgins East Anglia stores and the number and where they're located. 
No objection has been raised by the Highways Authority, subject to conditions and mitigations. With regards to the educational places concerned that have been raised um, within Saffron Warden, Essex County Council Education have submitted a statement as outlined on page 122. No objection has been raised by education and considered that the generation of the school placement demand as a result of the proposed scheme would be accommodated by existing infrastructure through a financial contribution and an increased contribution has been sought to bring this in line with the other two applications. As a result, no objection has been raised by ECC Education. Section 3.14 of the addendum highlights the level of additional weight which is placed upon the draft local plan, also that the five-year land supply is a rolling target which moves forward a year each April, and therefore the Council must continue to monitor the delivery very closely. The Council therefore considers that, it, it, that again it has less than a five-year supply of land, and applications need to be considered accordingly. The Local Planning Authority has a duty to consider favourable applications favourably applications for sustainable residential development which will make a positive contribution towards meeting housing needs, ensuring the level of housing supply is robust and provides a continuous delivery of housing. The principle of the application is considered still to be acceptable and sustainable. The proposed development therefore is recommended for approval subject to the schedule of heads of terms and conditions outlined on page 126 to 136 of the report. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you very much. Now we have some speakers, and the first one is Councillor Watson. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, I'd first like to remind the committee of my observations this morning in relation to the hearing of this application prior to the local plan of which it forms a part still being out to consultation and its relevance as how much weight can be given to the unadopted local plan. And I would therefore challenge paragraph 3.14 in the addendum report, which suggests that more weight can now be given to the plan because it has been put out to consultation. The plan has no real weight, and I think Mr Taylor said that earlier on today in relation to another application, um, until it at least reaches stage one, and that is still a considerable way off. So whenever you hear the conversations about the draft local plan, as I said before, it is to be given little consideration. That is what the planning inspectorate said when they held one of your appeals, and that is their view. I'd also like to highlight the situation whereby we're trying to sustain employment in Uffersford, and yet, whilst planning to build houses for over 1,500 families in Saffron Walden, sorry, that's now 1,200 houses in families in Saffron Walden, have already reduced the unemployment land on three occasions, including this site. This is exacerbated by the obvious results of building houses to the east of Saffron Walden while all the transport links are to the west and ensure that the majority of those in work will have to use motor vehicles to get to work, and this is in direct contravention of the NPPF requirement for sustainable development. And I would also challenge what I think is the muddled thinking in relation to the number of cars likely to be on the site. If the employment predictions used by the developer are ignored by the planners in calculating the number of vehicles visiting and therefore parking, the very location of Bridgens at the extreme eastern edge of Saffron Walden provides many employees walking to work. The nature of its business also tends to attract customers who need vehicle transport to take away their purchased goods. I think to reduce the estimate of vehicles parked 
on the site by 50% rather than accept the developer's much more credible figure is plan as wishful thinking and there also appears to be no recognition about cars owned by the residents of the 167 houses which will also need to be taken into consideration with the issue of traffic movements. Um, I find it interesting that I also read the original report as well as the subsequent report. In the original report, in paragraph 814, UDC Environmental Health admit there is a risk of undercounting when combined with other development in relation to the traffic. Para 815 states the location of development increases the need to travel by car to and from the west of the town where all transport links are situated. Paragraph 816 states that the draft local plan requires that development within or affecting the AQMA will be expected to contribute to a reduction in levels of air pollution and to reduce the need to travel by car, which this proposal fails to do. That's the report, not me. Para 817 states the noise assessment has identified that small areas of the proposed residential accommodation will be subject to noise from traffic on Ashton Road at levels which exceed the reasonable design criteria. Following further discussions, environmental health, to be fair, changed their mind. I'll leave you to decide why they changed their mind. I'd also like to highlight some other objections. Firstly, that of Sport England, the Essex Wildlife Trust and Essex Field Club. With regard to Sport England's particular objection, I would draw your attention to paragraph 10.5, which states that there have been a number of objections from third parties and Sport England regarding the loss of open space. Whilst it has been informally used by the public with a short-term agreement, 10 months, 1st of September 2012 to the 30th of June 2013, with the local football team, this is not a formal or protected open space, stroke playing field, and is enclosed by a security chain linked perimeter fencing with gated access to either end. That, I'm afraid, is a completely misleading and inaccurate statement. If you talk to any of the elderly residents of Saffron Walden, they'll tell you they've been playing football and clubs have been playing football on that land for anything up to 40 years. It has also been open space as an amenity area for a similar length of time. To indicate that it's only ever a football pitch for 10 months actually is mislead, not only misleading, it's just plain wrong. Uh, you will hear, I'm quite sure from others, that that is an incorrect statement. And the other consideration is there was reference made to it being privately owned and therefore the policies didn't apply. That is also legally wrong. Sport England do not consider private ownership or public ownership. It's the actual use, and the use was a football field. Could I ask you to wind up now, please? Was that five Thoughts? minutes? You've had your five minutes. <laughs> yes, you have, I'm afraid. I've never read a page and a half in five minutes before. Well, I'm sorry. I will, I will wind up now. What I'd like to say to you, you've heard all the reasons before. You'll hear a lot more today. I again suggest to you that it is in the public interest... Saffron Walden's interest and others' interest that this plan is, with, is refused. Thank you. Thank you. The next person who wishes to speak is Dan Starr. Could I also ask that Philip Kratz be ready to come straight away once Dan Starr is finished? And then the, other per the next person on the list is uh, Mrs. Ridgewell, who is going to read uh, Emily Fretton's um, statement. So if you could all get ready to come up one after another, it will help things flow. Thank you. <laughs> Good afternoon, Madam Chair and members of the Council, uh, the Planning Committee. 
has been a long day. Uh, some of this ground will be retread, but some is quite specific to this application. Unfortunately, the officer's report gives the impression that highways education and lack of green spaces were the principal concerns at the March deferral. You, those of you that were there will remember this is not the case, and uh, you're also rightly concerned about other key problems too. Firstly, the loss of employment land. The whole site is designated as key employment land and protected from change of use. If you remember, in this case, the law restricts the profits from home building only to be used to fund redevelopment of employment, nothing else. But since the March deferral, the applicant has still not produced any evidence to show how many houses would be needed to pay for this, nor has any legal mechanism been proposed to force the windfall profits to be used in this manner. As you agreed at the deferral, without this calculation or mechanism, you cannot override the very clear national policies that protect all of this land for employment. Secondly, air quality. As you know, air pollution in Saffron Walden breaches legal limits. The officer's report states that this development worsened air pollution inside the AQMA, again in contravention of all planning policies. In addition, the Secretary of State for DEFRA has given you clear guidance that because of this, the application cannot be approved. You are also required to consider cumulative aggregate air quality impacts inside the AQMA. Now you have given approval to Manor Oak, you are required to see the aggregate impact report uh, of Manor Oak inside the AQMA along with the 368 residence cars from, this application, uh, sorry, from the Manor Oak application and the 247 cars related to the jobs. Thirdly, highways are a key consideration of any development of this scale as a number of you have seen firsthand. Councillor Manel, Ashton Road is already permanent traffic jam and sometimes dangerous. Uh, this committee previously at the deferral and voraciously spoke out about how Essex Highway scheme, including its one ways in removal of on-street parking, is a dud and will be a disaster for the town. This application cannot be approved until there are major highway upgrades, but none are proposed. The link road is still missing. Fourthly, loss of open space. The proposal will concrete over a community football field which has been in continued public use for more than 20 years. In spite of what the officer's report says, this, is land, this land is actually protected as such. The applicant is not proposing to replace this land with another sports facility as they are required to do. Uh, Saffron Walden has less than a third of its recommended open space and this land is safeguarded by national and local policies. Please enforce them. So in summary, Ridgens is a well-respected local business and whilst the economic redevelopment will be very welcome, there is no evidence of how much, if any, home building will, may be required to fund it. And irrespective of that, this application is in the wrong place, has unmitigated traffic, and creates illegal air quality, particularly within the consideration of Manor Oak that you've just passed. The national policy guidance is clear. Please refuse this application. Thank you. Thank you. The next person is Mr. Kratz. Thank you, Madam Chairman. And I simply want to talk about the um, policy framework and the uh, approach to decision-making. Again, others will address the merits. Um, as members have been reminded ad nauseum today, uh, all development must be um, considered in the light of the development plan and all planning determinations must be made in accordance with the development plan unless material considerations indicate otherwise. Now, in this case, as your officers have explained, the whole of the site is not just any old employment site, it is a key employment site. And as such, your own policies um, safeguard them and say that uh, they will be safeguarded from any redevelopment or change of use to other land uses. Now, in that context, 
I'm left looking for what the other material considerations might be. Now, firstly, I'm grateful to Mr. Taylor for his clarification on the five-year land supply, um, which I will be referring to next month at the appeal for London Road Saffron, um, Stansted. Um, but uh, it, it is a fact that the, he reported to the 13th of March uh, local plan working group that you currently have a five-year supply and paragraph 3.14 of the officer's addendum report which was only published seven days ago says the council therefore considers that it again has a five-year supply of housing land. Now it, you really must put that in a context and of course you've already approved today 230 additional houses. And to put it in further context, the officer's original report for this application at paragraph 10.3 confirmed without the equivocation that we had for the earlier assessment, but um, a review of the Council's adopted policies and their compatibility with the MPPF has been carried out on behalf of the Council by Anne Skipper's planning. This has found the plan was consistent with the MPPF. That is your officer's written advice to you in the context of this application. Now, in the context of that, at best, this would be a departure application. It would require advertisement and the opportunity for call-in. However, I would expect your conscience to say to you, well, hang on, we've got an adopted plan. We have an adopted local plan that protects this land. It protects it for good reason and is... um, a bit of a line about some enabling development because that's what we're looking at here, um, a story that you need the enabling development to cross-subsidise the employment uses. Does that stack up? Well, your own members have perhaps begun to touch on it that um, there simply isn't sufficient evidence for that to stack up. If the committee refused this today and it went to appeal, um, I would struggle to envisage how an independent inspector parachuting in simply to make the decision could approve it. So on that basis, uh, please bear that in mind and thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Kratz. Um, statement by Mrs. Ridgewell. Uh, good afternoon. I'm speaking for Emily Fretton, who's a young mum. Thank you. So it's in her words. I want to tell you about the situation regarding primary school places in Saffron Walden. I was brought up here and I'm now returned to live near my parents. I have just moved into a housing association house on a new persimmon development. I had to move much earlier than I wanted to so my son could take up the one and only primary school place I was offered in the town, and that is Catherine Seymour on the opposite side of the town. If I hadn't accepted that place, the only alternative was to take him to school in Redwinter. Because Catherine Seymour is on the other side of this town, I've had to spend money on buying a car so that that I can take him there. I couldn't expect him to walk. It is a long way and he's only five. And I also have a younger son that would also have to take with me. I would have preferred to take him to a closer school and spend my savings on fittings and furniture to my new house instead of a car. The reason why I'm telling you this is because it is my own personal experience in this town and it's happening to me and my children now. This is the situation regarding primary education in this town, so I urge you to consider this if you are thinking about allowing even more houses. I was the first one to move into my estate. Where are the other children going to go to school? 
The county say that they are planning to place the extra children in the town by expanding St Mary's. I don't think this will happen, and are we talking about a purpose-built expansion or porter cabins? But even so, it is a mile each, each way. Is it really reasonable to expect that all the young children from the Ridgeon site walk a mile each way every day to school, a 30-minute walk twice a day along Ashton Road, a road that is heavily congested, heavily um, polluted, and subject to cars regularly mounting the pavement in order to get through? But that is only if St Mary's is expanded. What if it isn't? And what are the prospects of St Mary's being expanded before the first Ridgeon's house is built? I expect there is a big difference between what your staff tell you will happen and what will happen in practice. When you approved my state, did they tell you that there would be only one primary school place available in town? And that would be at Catherine Seymour. Thank you. Thank you very much. The next person who wishes to speak is Paul Gard, and then Paul Garland, you're going to follow on afterwards, okay? Thank you. I want to emphasise two key issues. First, the fact that the whole site is designated as key employment land and protected against any change of use. The local plan permits no exceptions. Secondly, the three-acre green area at the front of the site, regularly used for sport for more than 40 years. Most evenings you will see children playing on it. As you know, our town has less than one-third of its required green space, and this space is protected by local and national policy. That area also comprises valuable uh, chalk grassland uh, with many species and wildflowers on it. The policies apply to all open green space, public or private, whether the facilities are used or not, and even as in this case where the owner is restricting use. The policy says that development should not be permitted unless better replacement facilities are provided. None have been offered. The MPPF has almost identical protections. Neither the loss of the employment land or green space is allowed under the local plan or the MPPF, and as you've heard, Sport England has objected strongly. The only reason you could approve this development is if there are countermanding material considerations. No one has argued that the employment use has stopped on this site. The applicants just claim that housing is imperative to subsidise redevelopment. But they need to prove this, and they haven't. With this exception, those proceeds must not only be used to fund the redevelopment of the employment land, there must be a mechanism to ensure that, and yet neither are proposed, neither justification nor mechanism. Ridgens claim that redevelopment is uneconomic with the housing windfall, but why would you take a windfall and invest it in an uneconomic development? It doesn't make sense. Not only is there no enforcement, but you have no idea how many houses are required. Neither 167 nor any other number has been tested by the Council, and you still haven't been presented with any evidence whatsoever. As we said last time, we have no idea how many houses might be necessary to fund redevelopment. 167 houses at Persimmons over the road would raise £50 million. That's a lot of money for redevelopment. You should only allow these houses to direct, such houses are necessary to directly fund redevelopment. You can't approve this application until you've seen the calculation, are satisfied and have a proper mechanism. Yet, as I said, nothing whatsoever has been produced since you deferred this application on 12th March. I therefore ask you to refuse the application unless until replacement green space is provided, both a proper financial assessment has been performed and a mechanism created to make sure all housing sale proceeds are spent on redevelopment of the employment land and nothing else. And that is only 
if you are of the view that you can reasonably overturn the key employment land designation. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Garland is next. And then after that, I believe that Anthony Almond Jones is gone. So the person after that will be Matt North. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, the points I made about sus sustainability this morning apply equally to uh, this development, uh, so I don't intend to go over the same things again. But what I would like to concentrate on is the impact of having agreed the Manor Oak development uh, on congestion in Ashton Road and Church Street. Uh, now, uh, obviously, a lot of the Manor Oak people will want to get out of town uh, and will drive along Ashton Road and along Church Street, in increasing the already considerable congestion that takes place there. Uh, if you agree this application, uh, then because of the no sustainable links which are being provided uh, for uh, pedestrians and cyclists and uh, uh, proper uh, trans uh, public transport, uh, this will be uh, impacted even more greatly. Now, as a Church Street resident, I know that at present, at peak times, it takes something like 10 minutes to get down the road from one end of Church Street to the other. And as a resident of Church Street, I also know that it is a canyon. There are no front gardens, that the frontages of the houses are feet from the stationary cars pumping out uh, pollution as they wait sometimes up to five minutes before they can move on. This is a serious consideration. The air quality uh, and congestion issues in Ashton Road and Church Street will now become critical. And so uh, on all the sustainability points I've made earlier today and particularly on this one, I urge you to reject this application. Yeah. Could we turn one of the mics off there because if you have the two on they don't actually um, the, the, the recording gets cut off so. Thank you um, I'm speaking against this application on the basis that it contravenes local planning policy LC1 which means you can't build houses on football pitches. Um, I'm also, it also contravenes, according to Sport England, uh, paragraph 74 of the National Planning Policy Framework, which is almost identically worded. Now, those who were actually present at the last meeting will recall that the chair asked um, planning officers to qualify whether policy LC1 existed. The response at the time from the officers was that no, it doesn't apply because the land is in private ownership and they put fences around it to try and stop uh, people accessing the football pitches. This is a bit odd because if you actually read policy LC1, it actually states it applies whether the facilities are still in active use or whether through ownership, for example, this is now prevented. So I wrote to Andrew Taylor to challenge this. And he then decided that it was actually a different reason. Um, he said that the reason why policy LC1 didn't apply wasn't the reason that was provided in the meeting. It was a different reason. This time it's because it's employment land. So there you go. We can't protect it because it has to be protected as employment land. However, he's now advocating building 42 houses on it. So I really don't know where we stand with these policies. It seems to me that all these applications today it's already been decided by the planning department that they want to build these houses and they will cherry pick the bits of policy that support them and conveniently ignore those where it doesn't. 
I will, uh, so as well as Policy LC1, Sport England, who are the statutory consultee on this, also states that it contravenes paragraph 74 of the NPPF, which states, existing open spaces, sports and recreational buildings and land should not be built on unless la di da Now, the other thing I've heard, which I find slightly odd, is the fact that despite the fact that 230 houses were approved in this very chamber about an hour ago, and the fact that earlier, prior to that, there was an estimate that we had a 4.6, 4.7 year uh, land, um, supply of houses, uh, we're now being told that there's still, there's still a, um, a deficit, and yet no numbers have been provided. Surely the 230 houses you've just approved have to be taken into account. Can I ask the officers, please, to actually provide the numbers rather than these very glib statements about the fact that um, you know, there's still this five-year land supply, uh, or sorry, five-year land supply issue that means we can override national planning policy? Thank you. Thank you, Mr. North. Stephen Williams is next, and then following on from Stephen Williams is David Hornigold, and then his wife, Kirsty. So. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Come on, kids. You're getting on my nerves. Just go out and play. Losing the large grass amenity fronting regions is, for all those in the northeast of the town, quite unforgivable. And replaced by what? stating and showing us that the proposed minuscule open space is slightly more than the essential requirements simply does not mitigate the loss of any other local playing football areas in the northeast of the town. And what of the drastic loss of other open spaces proposed? Both Essex Wildlife Trust and the Essex and Uttlesford Ecology Officers are objecting to the proposals for many reasons. On the site, currently, there is a large open green space in the front, used as a football pitch for dog walking, general recreation, and is surrounded by wild areas of species-rich chalk grassland. On the Ashton Road, there are protected verges. At the rear, there is an area of mixed grass and trees. And to the left, bordering Division Avenue, there is also another large area of grassland with some trees. And as you have heard, the area at the front will be largely lost, together with the area on the left, only the green area at the rear will be retained. This represents a significant loss of green space of environmental value. What a walk for the kids to the playgrounds, not even a close alternative. No additional green space is to be provided and no environmental benefits are proposed. The national planning policy framework requires that development must be socially, economically and environmentally sustainable. And all three criteria must be satisfied. To be environmentally sustainable, a development is required to protect and enhance the natural environment and increase biodiversity. The officer's report claims that the development will deliver an environmental role, but that is clearly not the case. It will result in large areas of green space being forfeited with no new green space or improvements. The ecology officer has objected on numerous grounds to the loss of the protected verges in the front of the site. There's a bit of mitigation, but he's still unhappy. Essex Wildlife Trust have repeatedly raised detailed objections to the loss of large areas of species, rich chalk grassland, the loss and fragmentation of protected verges, and the impact of development on the existing reptile population. There are simply no proposals whatsoever for wildlife corridors, just a thin strip running by the side of the road. Not one child's play area has been proposed and little usable green space will be retained. 
The proposal is much less than meets the requirements of your own open spaces strategy. Why do you suggest the children should play with their bikes and scooters from these houses? Possibly on, possibly on the roads leading into the industrial units? Perhaps highways can produce yet another Mickey Mouse highway scheme, especially for kids. Perhaps with the aid of making them dizzy, if it's, anything like, the, up, indeed, if it's anything like the incomplete and absurd town traffic proposals that they insulted with us earlier today, reject this application. David Hornigold, please. Good evening, councillors. The area of open space in front of Ridgens is used extensively by people playing with footballs, children cycling, dog walking, joggers and kids playing. It plays an integral part of the recreational activities of many people because it's the only such area of open space in this part of town. And that is why it's so highly valued and well used by the community. Last weekend, I saw firsthand the joy in a young boy's face as he rode his bike with no stabilisers for the first time. The area includes a junior football pitch, or it did until the end of last football season, when the agreement allowing its use was terminated. There's been a football pitch in use on that site for some 40 years, and it's still used now informally by members of the public for weekly football matches. Ridgens are now trying to develop this piece of land for housing. That is contrary to the local planning policy LC1, loss of sports fields and recreational facilities, which states, development will not be permitted if it would be involve the loss of sports fields or other open space for recreation. Exceptions may be permitted if either of the following applies. A. Replacement facilities will be provided that better meet the local recreational needs. Or B. The needs for the facility no longer exists. Neither of those exceptions applies, and so the proposal is contrary to the adopted policy. The case officer's report stated that the current open space within the site is not protected by current local plan policies because the land is allocated for employment. It is allocated for employment, but it has never been developed as such and makes no contribution to employment in the town. Just consider how important that part of the site is to the local employment situation based on how many people work there. It isn't important because there aren't any. So it remains an area of extremely well-used open space. Sorry, I've lost my spot. Yeah. Uh, no, um, and until recently it was laid out as a junior football pitch. It was also stated at the previous meeting that the policy did not apply in this case due to the playing fields being in private hands, but the text introducing this policy says that it applies whether the facilities are in active use or whether through ownership, for example, this is now prevented. Sport England objects to the development because it's contrary to their playing field policy. The development is contrary to the national planning policy framework, which basically repeats policy LC1. And just like the local plan policy, the framework makes no reference to ownership or land allocation. This merely reinforces the fact that the proposed loss of area of open space and football pitch is contrary to the policies of the adopted local plan, the statutory consultee and the government. So, councillors, I urge you to refuse this application. Thank you very much. And now we have Kirsty. Can I go? <coughs> Thank you. I strongly object to this application based on the loss of open space and increases in traffic. As a family, we regularly take a football onto the Ridgens field, go adventuring in the long grass, and currently my son has been learning to ride his bike there. It is an important facility for the local community, as we often see neighbours using this space for a variety of activities. And a group of local lads regularly play football there on a Sunday afternoon. If this open space is taken away, I would like to know when my son and daughter are supposed to go and run around in the fresh air, something we are supposed to encourage our children to do. 
If this open space goes, the nearest large open space for residents on this side of the town will be the common, which is approximately three quarters of a mile to walk and involves crossing eight roads, some of which are very busy. This is a long way for a small child to walk and is far too dangerous a route for a child to be allowed to do so alone. In particular, it is very dangerous to cross Ashton Road and Elizabeth Way. The junction at the top of Elizabeth Way already needs a pedestrian crossing as it is so dangerous to cross as it is so busy and will become even busier with the cars from the Manor Oak development. It is also dangerous in some places to walk on the footpaths on Ashton Road due to overgrown vegetation, high banks and cars mounting the pavement. The footpaths in some some parts of Ashton Road are hardly wide enough for a pushchair. On numerous occasions, I've had to stand against the hedge on Ashton Road, gripping a four-year-old and a pram tightly as lorries and cars thunder past. And I regularly walk into town with and without my children, so know this walking route very well. Expecting families to walk to the common from these new housing developments to play, in my opinion, is an accident waiting to happen. What will happen is that people will have to get in their cars to drive to an open space, making all the traffic problems in the town worse. With only a few new residents on the Tudor Park development, the increase in traffic on Ashton Road is already apparent. Cars regularly mount the pavement to get past one another with little regard for the safety of pedestrians. And on Saturday, I sat in a traffic jam for at least five minutes, which was caused by two cars being nose-to-nose on Ashton Road. I cannot emphasise enough how how much this is already an accident waiting to happen. Ashton Road cannot safely cope with the additional traffic from the already approved persimmon homes let alone a further 167 houses on the Ridgeon site. Councillors, I urge you to reject this application on the basis of safety, and I urge you to ensure the existing open space on the site is protected as part of this development for the future of our children. Thank you. Thank you very much. The next person is Ridge Smallwood, and then after that is Earl Stafford. Good afternoon. My submission concerns lack of need. I wish to talk to you about Regions' claims that the proposing level of housing is necessary to support the redevelopment of the remainder of the site for employment purposes. At the March planning meeting, there was a great deal of discussion about, firstly, the extent to which the housing was necessary to support the employment redevelopment. Secondly, the fact that no justification was produced for the number of houses proposed or the loss of employment land. And thirdly, the fact that there is no requirements for the housing windfall to be spent on redevelopment. You will see from the Addendum Officer's report that none of these issues have been addressed. Indeed, the position appears to be even worse as the Officer has now confirmed that any development or housing phasing would be indicative only and non-enforceable. Regions claim that their planning statement that they need the profits from the housing to be able to redevelop the employment site and that the housing must be looked at as enabling development. But as you may have heard before, no mechanism is proposed to ensure that the housing windfall is used for enabling development. Regions claim that 100% redevelopment would not be viable and indeed would cost nine million, more than the likely returns. That may be true, or it may not, but you only have their agents' claims for it. There has been no investigation by the planning officers as to whether 
any of the claims are true. This should be an absolute prerequisite to any form of enabling development. There has been plenty of time since the March planning meeting was adjourned to get further evidence on this issue and yet none has been provided. I think we can safely draw our own conclusions from this lack of evidence. However, even if it were true that the rest of the application makes no commercial sense, regions claim that any redevelopment would be loss-making and presumably redeveloping half the site would lose half the nine million they claim. So why would they do it? There is no proposal to ensure that the housing windfall is used for the redevelopment. So why would anyone do it when to do so would result in them throwing away 4.5 million? It makes no sense for anyone to engage in a new commercial development in the certain knowledge that they will lose a large amount of money. Either the development for employment use is necessary and economic, in which case there is no reason to suppose it will ever happen and regions would, like, would just take the money from the building the houses and not reinvest in, in a certain loss, or it is economic to do, and there is no need for the housing. The application makes no sense as it stands, and there is no justification for the overturning the key employment land designation. I'm against the proposition. Thank you very yeah. much. Um, else, Mr Stafford? And after Mr Stafford, there's Richard Freeman. Thank you. Just to help you out, it's Errol Stafford. I want to follow up on the previous speech and the claimed need for, uh, for enabling housing. Paragraph 3.7 of the officer's report states that Ridgens has opened satellite stores in Royston and Sawbridgeworth, and many stores are proposed. In late 2012, Ridgens also acquired new stores in Bedford, St Neots and St Ives. According to their managing director, each of the new sites underwent significant investment in 2013 and Ridgens is looking forward to a strong 2014. Meanwhile, their Ipswich store is undergoing a complete refurbishment and their Harringwell site is having a major upgrade. Ridgens clearly has money to invest and is doing so elsewhere without the need for housing windfall. There is nothing in any of the documents submitted by Ridgens, including the submission made by Ridgens after the March planning meeting, to suggest that Ridgens could not refurbish its stores without the need for any housing development, as it is doing elsewhere in the region. There is nothing to indicate that any enabling housing is needed to allow reconstruction of the Ridgens store on the eastern side of the site, as proposed, nor that a new store cannot pay for itself without housing subsidy. If each of the new stores in Royston, Sawbridgeworth, Bedford, St Neots, St Ives and refurbished and planned new stores elsewhere can apparently pay for themselves, why, what is so unique about Saffron Walden? Neither did the numbers make sense. You heard at the last committee meeting that the cheapest house in the Pimasun development on Ashton Road cost £300,000. The affordable houses are cheaper, but there are many houses far more expensive, up to £525,000. As you heard, 167 houses at these prices gives a total sale value of some £50 million. Deducting the usual estimate of 30% for construction costs leaves £35 million, vastly more than the £9 million Ridgens claim is needed for complete redevelopment of the whole site. If there is any truth in the claim that new houses are necessary for economic redevelopment of this site, and we should remember that this is the largest employment site in Saffron Walden, 
then we should be shown compelling evidence both for it and for the minimum number of necessary houses. As the previous speaker said, I don't believe that it exists, but if it does exist, then why have we never been produced? And if redevelopment were to be permitted, where should the cast iron mechanism to in, where is there should be a cast iron mechanism to ensure that the enabling money from the housing is used for economic redevelopment and for no other purpose? Nothing is currently proposed. There is a reason why this site is specifically designated as employment land in the local plan. That is the key planning document and there is no planning reasons for departing from it. I urge you to reject this very speculative site. Thank you. Uh, Richard Freeman is next. Uh, Madam Chairman, members of this committee, it is as if we are watching a medieval morality play. There is a dragon. It's called the five-year land supply and has to be placated. You throw it houses, but it wants more. We've given it 200 today, but it wants another, whatever, 167. It is an absurd situation, Madam Chairman, and it's brought about, in my opinion, and it's just my opinion, uh, by the fact that the local plan is in such an embryonic state that developers are getting their consents in before the local plan can be examined by the planning inspectorate or undergo a judicial review, both or either of which we all know it could fail. So I think we're seeing this bun fight of applications. Let's get them in quick before, they're actually, uh, the, the, before the rules change and they will be thrown away, rejected, turned down. This particular application, Madam Chairman, has its merits, but it will certainly put a lot of strain onto Church Street. If you walk down it now at this time of day, it would be full of stationary traffic. Uh, Councillor Ranger could walk up and down and ask them to switch off their engines if he felt so moved. Uh, actually, when it seriously backs up, it backs up along the top of the common as well, and it locks up the town completely. I firmly recommend that the, uh, this, this committee reject this application. It's in the wrong part of town. Uh, it puts a tremendous strain on the traffic system. And actually, I think it's only here to throw a few more houses to the dragon that seems to be consuming them. Thank you. I congratulate you on getting the number right. Nobody else has so far. But you know that we have to look at the MPPF, which has a very clear paragraph on five-year land supply. The next person to speak is Mavis Gray. Madam Chairman, members of the District Council, you'll be pleased to know I have crossed through much of my talk because you have heard it all before. But I would ask that you consider long-term Historically, the villages, towns and cities all over the world which thrive have been those which have good transport links. It is an essential. If all these houses, developments on the eastern side are permitted, um, already there is a problem. We are actually choking our route to the vital transport links which this, this town enjoys. You know the, the, the canal... Oh, sorry, the, the river, no, I'm very tired. The, the, the M11, the, all the roads, they're all, and even the proposed um, cycle routes are down in the valley from the station. There's one from the station 
down to the, uh, sorry, from um, the high school down to the station, and one proposed by somebody on the council, I think Councillor Julie Redfern was speaking of wanting one and hoping it would happen to go from um, Saffron Walden through Hinkston and join the one from Cambridge. Cambridge are working very hard on their cycle routes. They're putting all their spending money into bus routes and cycle routes wherever possible. It is the future. And the last thing we want to do is to stop Saffron Walden thriving. It's a lovely town. It deserves better than traffic jams and unhealthy air for people who are trying to take sensible exercise on their bicycles and walking. I really hope you will throw out this application for all the other reasons as well. Thank you. Thank you. The next speaker is Richard Gilead. Madam Chairman, members of the committee, once again the Ridgeon's proposal does not conform to the MPPF requirements for transport sustainability as set out in sections 30 and 35, nor does it support the policies set out in the adopted local plan, paragraphs 3.5 and 9.4, which require developers to encourage the use of modes of transport other than the private car. Their travel plan ignores any national walking guidelines and does not specify any distances, presumably because it is at least 1.8 kilometres from town and the nearest primary school, St Mary's, and 2.8 kilometres from the high school. It is highly unlikely that children will be allowed to walk these distances to school on a regular basis, especially in the rain or in the dark of winter. But there is an even bigger problem for pedestrians. The travel plan admits that the main footway crosses Ashton Road to the west of the site, in other words, the pavement comes to a complete stop out opposite home base and all school children will be forced to cross this very busy and fast road and also Elizabeth Way with no marked pedestrian crossings. To get to St Mary's, they would then have to cross the key Ashton Road Church Street Junction again with no marked pedestrian crossings. The solutions offered include providing the children with high visibility vests. There is no cycle network for the site to link to. The Ridgens development will be a key contributor to the significant traffic issues set out in the recent local plan highways assessment. Morning queues in Ashton Road Church Street are expected to reach 128 vehicles, which would stretch way beyond the common and block important side access roads to the north and south. Anybody thinking of getting the bus to town or school should note the bus will be stuck in this queue. The queue will increase air pollution and make crossing roads even more difficult for pedestrians. But these traffic figures do not even, even include the extra regions residents who will spurn a long and unpleasant walk and get in their cars. And there are other adjacent developments such as Persimmon that are not accounted for. The proposal fails to address the real transport problems that residents will face and does not include any serious suggestions to resolve them. The distances involved and the poor provision of safe routes mean that residents will stick to their cars. Thus the transport sustainability claims of this proposal just don't add up and clearly do not meet policy requirements. I urge members to reject it. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Thank you. The next speaker is Deborah Gordon, who's going to read a statement from uh, Mrs. Waddell. Yes. yes? Deborah Goodman? Well, it says here Deborah Gordon is going to be reading Jessica Waddell, Waddell's, sorry, Jessica Waddell's statement. Is that correct? Yes. Oh, thank you. I'm going to talk... Oops. Hello. Do I press this? Yes. All right. I'm going to talk about air quality. 
I ask that you reject this application because of the ongoing unlawful air pollution levels in Saffron Walden and the fact that the Council's assessment confirms that this application would make air pollution even worse. As you know, air pollution in Saffron Walden has for many years exceeded legal limits. As pollution worsened, UDC declared all of central Saffron Walden as an AQMA in 2012. That means there was a problem in 2012. The National Planning Policy Framework has specific policies regarding air pollution and AQMAs. <coughs> Paragraph 124 requires that planning policies and decisions should sustain compliance with legal pollution limit values, taking into account the presence of AQMAs and the cumulative impacts on air quality from individual sites in local areas. Paragraph 105 requires that the planning system should prevent development from contributing to un unacceptable levels of air pollution. Yet this is exactly what this application will do. It will introduce significantly more traffic onto Saffron Walden's roads. As with the existing traffic, much of it will be going through Saffron Walden to the west and will pass through the most polluted junctions in town. You will see from the officer's report that the Air Quality Officer has raised concerns about this application and confirmed that, in her assessment, air pollution will worsen. And this, even though Ridgens have understated the future traffic levels in their air quality claims. There are currently a number of published assessments of future air pollutions in Saffron Walden. The one produced by Essex County Council predicts that pollution levels in 2018 will be well over legal levels at all the main Saffron Walden junctions. The Kia assessment confirms that air pollution will breach legal limits in 2018 and the Ridgins assessment confirms that air pollution will breach legal limits in 2020. Last month you were sent a further copy from Agrups confirming that allowing this development will be contrary to the NPPF. The traffic queues predicted by these assessments are also horrible. Average peak queues of 120 cars at London Road, Debden Road, 70 cars at Thaxted Road, Radwinter Road, and between 86 and 103 cars on Church Street, even after the proposed road improvements. The Church Street queue would stretch back halfway along the common, even without this application adding yet more traffic on the Ashton Road. The proposed minor improvements at Ashton Road, Church Street Junction would be useless, as the queue from the far end of Church Street will be stretching right back through the junction, Queuing is the main contributor to air pollution in Saffron Walden and this development will make it even worse. I urge you therefore to reject this development. You are fully entitled to. Indeed, this committee has an obligation not to make the planning decisions which will allow further increases to air pollution where legal limits are and will continue to be breached. Thank you very much. Thank the next you. speaker is Joanna Stern. Hello, I'm back again and I'm still on air quality. Um, could I just uh, perhaps clarify some confusion that might have been caused um, earlier on when we talked about cumulative and aggregates? Uh, I've been talking only about air quality and not cars and that's why it's the Secretary of State for the Department for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs, not DCLOG or Highways or Transport that's written. Um, Mr. Patterson instructs you that you need to consider the cumulative impacts on air quality. So all air quality reports and any adverse impacts must be put together when you look at each and every application from every previously approved planning application. 
His, um, those are the cumulative figures, and those are the ones that, as far as I understand, you haven't been given. The total number of cars obviously is very important because they often create a lot of the pollution, but that isn't Mr. Patterson's area of interest. It's how this application will affect air quality, taking into account all the other developments, and that's what he expects you to consider. So the Manor Oak um, one that you've just approved, together with um, the previously approved ones, which I won't remember now, but they must be accounted for to comply with his instructions. The Environmental Health Officer's very lucid explanation earlier about uh, pollution as a national problem is absolutely right. 29,000 people a year, you've heard it before. Uh, the reason you've heard so much about it today, though, is that pollution is a particular problem in Saffron Walden. We are Uttlesford's only air quality management area. That is why the Secretary of State has taken the trouble to write specifically to us about air quality. This means that we exceed the government and DEFRA limits and we are the only place in Uttlesford to do that. So where applications you look at in future must take into account paragraph 124 of the MPPF and where it says that developments must contribute to lowering the illegal levels of pollution. Your Environmental Health Officer's um, comments on regions say there is a risk that the number of cars, when combined with committed developments or development approved in the interim, has been underestimated with associated adverse effects on queuing traffic at the key junctions and a consequent higher proportionate emission of nitrogen dioxide from queuing traffic. The location of the development increases the need to travel to and from the west of Saffron Walden to access services and the wider road network and increases current exceedances of air quality standards at junctions within the AQMA without mitigation. The draft local plan requires that development within or affecting the AQMA will be expected to contribute to a reduction in levels of air pollution and to reduce the need to travel by car, which the proposal fails to do. Those are not my words, that's the quote. And it sums up perfectly why, again, I ask you to reject this application. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, the next speaker is Alan Storr. Good evening, members. I'm going to tell you how this proposal is contrary to policy. Not a comprehensive explanation, just a few headlines. Three from each. First, the local plan. The site, the whole of the site is allocated for employment. Second, the development would involve the loss of an area of immunity open space in front of regions, which is used, enjoyed, and tremendously valued by the community. And that space also uh, included a junior football pitch. Lastly, it will exacerbate existing traffic congestion on Ashton Road. And for those of you who are familiar with Ashton Road, you will know the implications of that statement. With regard to the framework, again, three points. It has not been demonstrated that there is no reasonable prospect of the site being used for the allocated employment use. And it would exacerbate existing traffic congestion on the Ashton Road, and the existing area of open space is integral to and a valued part of the locality which should therefore be protected. Okay, I'll move on. I have to tell you that when you considered the region site previously as a, 
An experienced town planner, I was astonished, to say the least, with the manner in which the issue of the immunity open space in front of regions was dismissed by your officers. Dismissed as if it was of no consequence. And it is of a huge consequence to the local population there. It was dismissed for two reasons. First being that the whole site is allocated for employment. Which it is, yes, no problem with that. But it is an area of amenity open space. That's what it is, open space. And as a consequence of that, it is subject to the local plan policy on open space. That's how planning policy works. It cannot just be dismissed. You can't pick and choose which policies you apply. You can't say, oh yes, the site's allocated for employment, but we'll recommend housing all over it. And the second point which it was um, dismissed was the fact that the land is privately owned. Again, yes it is, but the introduction to the policy which has already been read to you this evening, explains that that is of no consequence. So I urge you, members, to refuse this application. You have plenty of watertight reasons. It is not something which will benefit um, Saffron at all, and it, it will certainly disbenefit the residents of the, the northeast part of the town in particular. Other speakers have given you plenty of good reasons, and that's all I have to say, apart from the fact that you... We'll no doubt for, we'll be aware from correspondence and having read the objections that the Saffron Walden Town Council also share those views. Thank you. I think the council, Town Council to speak for themselves because they will be coming in a minute. Thank you, Mr Storey. Uh, John Lodge is next. Thank you, Mrs Cheatham and members. Um, much has been said so far by, by the excellent speakers that go before me, and I, uh, I, I will not repeat much of what has been said there. Uh, I will just concentrate on one particular area where there was a misleading discussion in the, uh, in the last meeting. It was pointed out that Ottlesford has the second best um, record of air quality in Essex, I believe it was stated. This is hardly surprising. Um, this uh, district stretches from almost the Cambridge borders almost down to Chelmsford. It is a massive area. There is no doubt that within Uttersford as a whole, air quality is rather good. Which then means that if you contrast this with Saffron Walden, the problem here is actually pretty dramatic and this is shown obviously by the declaration of it as uh, an AQMA. So the comments that came from that trying to show that Saffron Walden was in a good place is wrong. Plain wrong. There have been another, quite a few misleading uh, statements from advisers and from um, officers and uh, I would just like to contrast in one way between reports from an organisation which claims that four heavy lorries cross Saffron Walden in the morning and contrast that with a report from Arabs which my organisation commissioned who are one of the leading consulting engineers in the country. Let me then come to the facts that come out of those. Fact one, there is illegal air pollution in Saffron Walden now 
and it is significant. According to reports even which were commissioned by Essex County Council and presented, levels are some 20, 30, 40% over the 40 milligrams for nitrogen dioxide. That is serious. That does have an effect on health. Um, this application, when added to Manor Oak, which has just been passed, which is added on then to other applications, are going to make a significant difference to the air quality in Saffron Walden. The UDC, as I have mentioned two, on two previous occasions, has no plan at the moment for amelioration of those air traffic, sorry, the, the air quality problems caused by traffic in Saffron Walden. Please bear that in mind. That is something that should be going on in the background. Then going on to this letter which has been mentioned from Owen Patterson. This is a very significant document which you've all seen which obliges you to put together the effects of those applications. You cannot treat them in isolation. And what has been shown is that those are very serious. Right. And my very last point is that you were concerned about the costs of judicial review in case something went, uh, sorry, the cost of the judicial up, review. Lodge. What you should also be worried about, and this is the clear message being sent by Owen Patterson, is that this council will be responsible and will be fined if air quality is not dealt with. Please refuse this application as the first step. Thank you. The next speaker is Mr. John James, and after Mr. James there is Mr. Hyatt. So if you could get ready to come forward afterwards. Thank you. Thank you. <coughs> um, my main objection to the proposed Ridgeons Development Plan will be the input of increased traffic along the Ashton Road and Radwinter Road, along with the lo loss of the recreational ground that's already uh, explained. With traffic congestion already a problem at peak travel times, I believe this will become far worse from the current housing developments, let alone a further regions development. In my view, the majority of traffic from the new housing developments would consist of commuting vehicles needing to reach the M11 or A11 via the B184. Virtually all this traffic will be forced to use the Ashton Road and Church Street while cars travelling to the Audley End Station and local schools will add to the congestion along Radwinter Road. In reading the addendum to the Ridgens development, I see there has been provision for cycle access onto the Ashton Road from the development site, but no further provisions in the form of cycle paths or road widening measures to allow and encourage safe cycling and pedestrian passage along the Ashton Road towards the town centre. <coughs> The only additional provision is for a number of direction signs to the town centre and railway station and further parking restrictions along the Ashton Road. There is also a reference to a financial contribution towards a proposed cycle route, the Wendon Ambro cycle path, but this in itself in no way solves the problems of traffic mig migration along the Ashton and Radwinter roads. <coughs> Regarding the loss of the green area and playing fields currently to the front of Ridgens, if this development were to go ahead, the addendum states the development is too small to justify on-site sport facilities, but there are currently no financial contributions offered by the development towards any community sports facilities for the town as a whole. I therefore urge the councillors to reject this development in its current form. Thank you. Uh, Mr Hyatt? 
Does that work? Sorry. I want to change the subject slightly, but I think it has great relevance. Um, I had an exchange of correspondence with uh, Andrew Taylor. Very interesting. I, I was bringing up the question of breaking into the M11 and bringing a, uh, a dual carriageway road from the M11 up here, uh, which would uh, and bypass the town completely. Well, uh, that set me, uh, but uh, Mr. Uh, Taylor said, uh, of course, this is incredibly expensive, but if the quota of houses involved was more than a certain amount, then central government would consider financing this. Well, it made me think, yes, if they can have your high-speed train, if you can have all your stadia, which were needed for Olympic Games, why couldn't central government do this for us? And I just, it sort of sto stole over me the thought, well, if we took away these thousand houses which threaten us here, and if we took the 2,000 houses that threaten Elsinore and Henham, and if we put them together, we've got a new town. We've got a garden city potentially there. And I thought, yes, just over the way, in the next county, we've got Letchworth, Welland Garden City, Stevenage, Hatfield, and then Harlow in this county, and then Milton Keynes not much further away. We've got a hundred years' experience of planning there to be tapped just over the way. Can't Northwest Essex have a garden city? Ebenezer Howard said, town and country must be married and out of this joyous union will spring a new hope, a new life and a new civilization. That's fantastic, isn't it? But the way the arguments here have been going the last five or six hours, is, does that match up to Ebenezer Howard's vision? I put before you the possibility that we could have in northwest Essex a garden city, a new one, unattached to, an unthreatening Saffron Walden. Thank you. Thank you very much. The last speaker before the town is Reg Smallwood. You've already, sorry, I beg your pardon, you're down twice. Okay, sorry, we will now move on to the town and it's Councillor Sandra Eden who's going to speak for the Town Council. Thank you. Hello, good evening. Um, my name is Councillor Sandra Eden. I'm Deputy Mayor of Suffolk Morden Town Council. This, and I will make this brief, is the views of Saffron Walden Town Council, and please be, bear in mind that they are an elected council. In brief, the Ashton Road Commercial Centre is a previously developed site, at least in part, and it is quite apparent that many of the buildings are in need of repair or redevelopment. But despite that, this scheme is wrong for the site for the following reasons. Number one, it would entail the loss of an area of green space which is a valuable asset to the northeast quadrant of the town. 
This is the only such area and is extremely well used as a recreational open space by people seeking to play with their children, grandchildren and youngsters wanting to play football, ride a bike, fly a kite, whatever. Number two, not only is this open space an asset for the community, but for at least the last 20 years it has been laid out as a junior football pitch and has been used continually throughout that period by teams including Spartak and, more recently, Saffron Walden Town under-14s. Approval is now being recommended in a report which, for some reason, inexplicably fails to even mention Local Plan Policy LC1, which addresses the loss of sport field. Number three, the development would exacerbate the already excessive levels of traffic congestion in the town, particularly along the Ashton Road, but also along Radwinter Road. Four, the increase in traffic would contribute further to the dangerously high levels of air pollution in the town, which you've heard a lot of today. Number five, due process, in our opinion, has not been followed in that the Building Conditions Report has not demonstrated that refurbishment of the buildings is not a viable option, and the Market Overview Statement makes no attempt to demonstrate that the proposed new uses have any regard to market signals, which is a specific requirement of the framework. Number six, the number of jobs proposed is a serious overestimate on the basis that the numbers of office jobs that would be generated per unit of floor space and the limited scope to attract offices to this site, which is on the wrong side of town. The problem of schooling has already been well aired today. Members, this is just the wrong scheme for both this site and the whole of the town. Thank you very much. Thank you. And now we move on to the applicants, and we have Mr. Paul Belton and Mr. Patrick Lanaway who are going to speak for the applicants. And you have up to one hour if you wish to take it. Uh, Madam Chair, <coughs> members of the Council, um, I'd like to start just by outlining some of the issues regarding the transport assessment and the travel plan and the process we took before passing on to um, Paul Belton who will be completing the other issues. Um, as with any application like this, the application was supported by a transport assessment, a travel plan, and following that a series of um, subsequent technical notes to consider in detail the traffic and transport implications of the proposed redevelopment of this previously developed site. Um, this work was all undertaken in close consultation with the Highway Authority. As I said, this is a previously developed commercial site and therefore generates traffic already. The impact of the proposed redevelopment had to therefore be calculated by comparing the traffic generation of these current uses against that to be predicted by the proposed users. Um, this assessment was based on a series of traffic generation rates which were agreed by the County Council. Um, these rates and other factors, such as the local traffic growth and the implications of other committed developments nearby, were subsequently checked specifically against the rates used in the Essex Highway's own assessment to ensure they were consistent. And using these rates, the impact of the proposed redevelopment upon the traffic flows within the town centre were det was determined, um, and the immediate junctions surrounding the development site were also examined in terms of operation. Um, 
One particular um, benefit offered by this redevelopment will be a reduction in navy goods traffic using the, uh, the town centre roads. Um, this is one issue which will be touched on um, specifically in regard to the rationalisation of region zone operation, which brings with it a, uh, a reduction in, uh, in um, delivery vehicles, which has already been touched on during the officer's presentation, and also um, some rationalisation of the, some of the header industrial uses and storage um, uses on the site. Um, where needed, highway work improvement works have been identified um, and these will be security, uh, secured either directly to be completed as part of this development or in the form of contributions towards the improvement schemes that are identified by a local highway authority um, and these have already been touched on already and I suspect they will be touched on again. I'd also like to specifically um, outline one element which we consider to be a very integral part of this development and that is the travel plan. Um, the travel plan is an essential part of this redevelopment and, and a detailed travel plan has been prepared. There are measures within that travel plan to enhance and promote non-car travel to and from the site and a series of targets against which the success of the plan will be compared. These targets will be subject to annual, mon annual monitoring and the success of the plan and the need for any further measures will be determined against that in the future. The travel plan will form part of this redevelopment proposal from day one. The existing site access, as you've already been told, has, will be upgraded with improved visibility displays and footway provision, and these have been fully assessed with, for the operation, as have the general principles of the site layout. The master plan provides a bus turning, turning circle, as you've already been um, advised, um, and part of the travel plan will ensure that that is used to its optimum range. Um, therefore, we do consider that there are a number of mitigating and follow-up measures that w can be determined and secured through this redevelopment, which will be beneficial to its, its users in future. I'll now pass over to Paul Belton. Thank you. Um, I would now like to provide a very short planning summary, which reflects on the additional work undertaken since the, de the deferral of the application at the March Planning Committee. As members will recall, this application has been prepared to facilitate the redevelopment of the Saffron Walden Ridgens branch and the commercial buildings which surround it. The existing commercial buildings are in a very poor state of repair and this allocated employment site has long been failing to generate the local jobs that are needed to support the existing community. The site needs to be redeveloped to prevent the very old warehouses and industrial buildings becoming completely unfit for use. This redevelopment proposal is not only important to the wider offering of employment generating uses within the district, but is also important to Ridgens, a major local employer in the town. The Saffron Warden branch forms a vital component of the Ridgens offering but the deteriorating condition and layout of the building is adversely affecting how Ridgens operates and the quality of service it can provide to its customers. Having visited, I hope members are clearly, clearly aware of the very poor quality of the site and can understand why something urgently needs to be done if this land is to return to being a viable commercial site. If there is, however, any lingering doubt, a very clear illustration of just how poor the existing buildings are is reflected in the chargeable rent. The rents that have been charged for the current buildings on the site are as low as 5 pence per square foot. This compares to the town-wide average rent that is charged for a similar business premises of 5 pounds per square foot. 
On-site rents are therefore as much as 10 times, 10,000 times rather, below the market average. At the March planning committee meeting, it was questioned why the existing buildings cannot simply be refurbished. As has been set out within the building conditions report, the costs of upgrading the existing buildings to modern standards are so excessive it is simply unviable. The estimated cost to refurbish those existing buildings that are physically capable of being refurbished is some £10 million. Notwithstanding this significant viability constraint, the large warehouses are also offering the wrong product, which is simply not in demand. As is confirmed within the Council's own employment land study of 2011, office accommodation and a quality business park is needed, not large warehouses, the demand for which is on the edge of the M11. While some employment land will be lost as a result of this, of this development, what is retained will be a high-quality commercial land that can be put to full and very beneficial use that will boost the number, mix and quality of jobs provided on the site. It was questioned at the last committee meeting why residential development is needed to, to be provided and whether up to 167 dwellings offers the correct mix. The application was supported by a number of very detailed viability appraisals. While these were presented to officers as confidential appraisals, given the commercial sensitivities, the key findings were summarised within the planning statement and the committee report. In response to the questions raised at the March committee meeting, if a 100% commercial redevelopment scheme were to come forward for the entire site, the cost of redevelopment would far exceed the final value of the development. Ridgens would, in effect, have to gift several million pounds to the project for such a scheme to simply have a chance of breaking even. The appraisals submitted also show that if less residential development were to be provided than the proposed 167 dwellings, the scheme would still not be commercially viable, with the development costs that are, that are in excess of 30 million being greater than the final development value. If the entire site is to be redeveloped, the quantum of residential development that is proposed is therefore required. Some concerns were raised about the phasing of the development. It was put to committee that if the application is approved, Ridgens could choose to develop the open land at the front of the site only. The phasing regime is to be set out and controlled within the section 106 to ensure serviced commercial plots are provided alongside the residential dwellings. The level of control that some of the locals are concerned about doesn't exist, therefore will and can be controlled through the legal planning agreement. The phasing plan, as you have been told, has now also been amended, as Ridgens will commence work on its new store at the outset of the project. The commercial land to the east of the access road is now included within phase one. I can also reiterate that Ridgens' main objective is to build its new store, and to achieve this, the wider development of the sites must occur. In response to the concerns raised in respect of the number of jobs that will be generated relative to the car parking requirement, I have reiterated within my written submission to officers that the jobs forecast that I used within my planning statement are the recognised English Partnership National Standards, which offer a very broad-brushed estimate of the number of jobs that may be generated for different commercial uses. It is for this reason why the planning statement assessed three different scenarios, low, medium and high job-generating job generating scenarios. 
As far as car parking is concerned, the submitted master plan shows that sufficient car parking for all three scenarios can be provided on site to meet with the Council's adopted maximum parking standards. There will therefore be no shortfall of essential infrastructure required to serve this development. As far as education provision is concerned, financial contributions are being sought from the County Council to deliver enhanced facilities within the town. The County has advised that this could either be by way of the provision of new facilities on the Manor Oak scheme that has just been approved and or through the enhancement of existing facilities. While the Planning Committee raised concerns previously as to whether local improvements could indeed be delivered if this application were to be approved, the County Council has a duty to provide new school places and these can and will be provided if planning permission is granted. The amount of open space to be provided on site and the relationship between the residential and commercial areas was also questioned at the last committee meeting. In my submission to officers, I have provided a series of plans which you have just been shown, which illustrates that more than three times the amount of open space that your adopted and emerging policies require to be provided are to be secured. In terms of the relationship between the residential land and the commercial areas, the development has been laid out to provide large buffer areas between the two uses. Where development parcels sit close to one another, only commercial uses that are suitable within a residential area are being proposed. With existing housing immediately abutting the existing ridge in site, the relationship shared between residential and commercial uses will actually be enhanced by this development. In relation to the alleged loss of a plane pitch, I must reiterate what I said at the last meeting. This is private land that is fenced and is clearly marked out as private land. The gates are also locked periodically. While the public has not been prevented from accessing and using this area of undeveloped land as a result of the goodwill of Ridgins, no public rights exist and access could be permanently halted at any time. While the land has been used by a local football team, this has always been on a temporary basis on Sundays throughout the winter months, on a clear and established permissive basis only. The land has no lawful planning use as a sports pitch, and planning permission would be required if it were to be used permanently as such. Most importantly, however, the principle of built development occurring on this land is already established by the local plan, which allocates the entire site as employment land. Policy LC1 relates to the protection of land that the public has or has had lawful rights to access and use. This does not apply here. The view expressed at the previous meeting that policy LC1 of the local plan is not contravened therefore remains correct in my view. What we are proposing is that truly public open space that far exceeds the adopted standards is to be provided and this will be of benefit to both the existing and proposed residents. In summary, therefore, we have responded to the key deferral matters raised at the March Planning Committee. The submitted scheme is a sustainable form of development that provides a well-planned mixed-use development. We consider that its key benefits are as follows. The, the, redevelop the development will redevelop a brownfield site that is located within the existing limits of the town. Development on green fields surrounding the town is neither required nor sought. The development will provide new commercial facilities and a boost in jobs that are desperately needed to help support both the existing and future local population. While it has been put to you that this application should be considered as a departure from the local plan, I do not agree. 
the adopted policy before you that deals with the protection of open space, uh, protection of employment sites rather, allows for uh, permission to be granted where material considerations exist. And the subtext of this policy specifically refers to the number of jobs being generated being a material consideration. Like many employment sites within the town, the Aston Road Commercial Centre has deteriorated and no longer makes any meaningful contribution to the local stock of jobs. This needs to change, with more being made of existing sites and resources if sustainable development is to occur within the district. This development will provide essential improvements to Ridgeon's offering within Saffron Walden, Operating out of the poorly laid existing building that is the subject of escalating maintenance costs is not sustainable. Another further benefit is that the development will provide much needed housing. As members are aware, the delivery of new housing within the district is still at a level where a five-year housing land supply cannot be demonstrated. While the Council's housing land availability assessment is assuming this site will not be delivered within five years, if planning permission is granted, the new housing will be able to be brought forward within this period. This site, therefore, offers the ability to enhance the Council's five-year housing land position without stepping into the countryside, whilst also providing a sizeable and much-needed boost to the local economy through the delivery of a high-quality business park area. The site is also identified within the Uttersford Local Plan pre-submission document as a mixed-use site, that is to deliver both housing and employment land. The application accords with this draft allocation and is therefore delivering the proposed growth that forms part of the district-wide development strategy which has already been approved by both Cabinet and full Council. All other impacts on education, ecology and amenity have been fully assessed and deliverable mitigations have been identified which will ensure that the impacts of the development are acceptable. In terms of air quality, I would just like to draw your attention to para 10.56 of the original committee report, which summarises the Environmental Health Officer's comments on air quality. Here, and I quote, it says, The Environmental Health assessed the AQA, the air quality assessment, and confirmed that the worst-case predictions result in virtually unchanged emissions with or without the development at key junctions within the AQMA and consequently no mitigation to counteract any increase in emissions is proposed. This same paragraph does then go on to refer to the concerns that the officer had at that time about the traffic modelling and whether the figures that had been used in the transport assessment had correctly um, considered all committed and emerging developments. This is the paragraph that the lady read to you uh, a few moments ago. What was not read to you was that in the next paragraph where um, it concludes the Environmental Health Officer's position following the submission of revised and additional transport information, the report read, following additional traffic data being submitted, Environmental Health have been reconsulted and have confirmed that the revisions to the traffic data are acceptable and confirmed their queries have been resolved have been resolved and have no additional comments relating to air quality. They support provisions to increase capacity of the roundabout. <coughs> Finally, therefore, while we are aware that local concerns remain about development occurring within Saffron Walden, there are very substantial benefits that will be delivered by this development. When considered together with the proposed mitigation measures, we fully support the officer recommendation of approval that is before you and hope that the Planning Committee will grant planning permission. Thank you very much.
Thank you. Now I believe officers have some few points that they wish to raise. And then members, I'll just ask you before we get into the, um, the discussions, does anybody want a comfort break of a couple of minutes? Yes, right, that's what I thought you'd say. So first of all, let's hear what the officers say, then we have a, we'll have a two-minute comfort break. But rules apply, don't talk to anybody. Um, thank you, Chairman. Yes, as we did before, um, we wish we could pass down the row in terms of picking up anything um, that we need to from the, uh, the speaking. Um, it's been mentioned before, and I mentioned it earlier, just in terms of the local plan weight, but just in terms of this um, application again, um, to confirm where we are. Um, the local plan, as you know, was adopted in 2005 um, and is now considered out of date to some extent in relation to the more recent national planning policy framework. Um, obviously some policies are more out of date than others. The um, emerging draft local plan, um, the case officer is correct, it has more weight than it had before, but I would still attribute it very little weight, but it has marginally more weight than it did before. But again, that's not something that um, we're uh, placing a great deal of weight on at this point, and again it will gain further weight as it goes through the process. In terms of the five-year land supply, yes, Mr Freeman did correctly identify that it was 200 rather than 220 houses that you, the committee approved earlier. So it was 200 that were approved. Um, um, and out of that, I would assume 150 would come through within the, the five-year period, um, in years three, four, and five, which um, takes us to approximately 4.85 years' worth of five-year housing supply. So in this context... Um, we don't have a five-year land supply in relation to determining this planning application and therefore the provisions in relation to the National Planning Policy Framework do or are triggered and do kick in and therefore you need that, that presumption in favour of sustainable development and the relationship in terms of that are uh, important for you to take into account. Um, uh, just really uh, one comment or a comment in relation to um, the employment land um, allocation and policy LC1 in relation to the open space that's been mentioned. Um, Mrs Shoesmith will, will touch a bit more in terms of um, the assessment in relation to the employment land, looking at the phasing and the uh, economics for the, the reports that have been submitted and comment on that. Um, but it is an allocated site in the current local plan in terms of employment land. It is within the development boundary, as, as people have said. It is brownfield land, and the issue before us is whether or not there are sufficient circumstances to overcome um, that employment land allocation. So that might be the, uh, the, the case being put forward in terms of the case officer report is that the um, lack of a five-year land supply, the provision of, afford, uh, provision of housing and the redevelopment and provision of higher quality business space um, and higher numbers of employment would have that beneficial impact in terms of overcoming um, the employment land. And actually... The, um, the, the redevelopment of the site, the mixed-use site, actually has a positive benefit in terms of that employment land. In terms of policy LC1, um, uh, it is my view that it does not apply, just as the case officer has set out, set out in the report. I don't think it um, applies because the principle of development for employment land has been established through the local plan process. Just like take a different example, if there's an allocation for housing land on agricultural land, the council cannot then object to that later because of the loss of agricultural land. And there is a policy about loss of agricultural land in our local plan, but because we allocate that site for housing development on agricultural land, we've overridden that 
existing use in terms of our assessment. We've made that assessment and we've said, actually, no, we, we need to allocate for um, housing land or employment land or anything else. We've allocated this, this agricultural field for employment land, regardless of its grade. And therefore, when you come to consider a planning application later, you can't then go back and sort of reconsider that principle. And it's exactly the same here. This land has been allocated for employment land, and therefore there have been, in principle, no objection to redeveloping the whole site for employment uses, whether or not it's open space or not. So therefore, for clarity, it's the employment land policy that's critical and the assessment in relation to that um, that needs to be taken into account. Um, if I pass on to Mrs Hughesmith to pick up some of the other points. Thank you. Um, I just draw your attention to page 142 and 143, which lists the documents that have been submitted in support of the application as part of its assessment. The documents submitted also include a, con a building condition survey, which surveys all the buildings on site, their economic state and repair. Also, together with that, a marketing report with regards to um, the current market trends and situation and the, the current rent which is um, gained from the units in comparison to the conditions of the buildings. As, together with those documents, a viability appraisal has also been submitted as part of the application. This document contains confidential um, information with regards to the applicant and therefore is not open to public viewing. However, that document has been assessed and appraised within the application and has been highlighted in pa on paragraph 10.17 of the report of which all the details regarding commercial viability have been taken on board and the need with regards to um, the mixed-use development and the nature of the mixed-use development. The report goes on in detail regarding town centre uses that are being proposed out of centre and their compatibility and together with that um, as stated that whilst um, obviously certain elements may not be suitable in terms of the master plan reflecting the viability of the scheme which has been carefully considered um, and the level of proposed residential that is needed to enable the scheme to happen in consideration of the current market climate and the viability in terms of the level of economic repair uh, that is required in order to maintain the current buildings in full use. In terms of phasing, um, that's another point that has been raised by one of the speakers. Um, that will be carefully controlled and that has been highlighted both within my presentation and within the reports, carefully controlled and as outlined with the, um, in sections 3.13 of the report on page 125, um, both via condition and via the section 106 obligations. Um, so there will be tight control in terms of the operation and how the phasing of the scheme will happen, um, particularly with regards to phase um, 1A and 1B of the scheme, which, one moment, 
goes back to um, what has been submitted. Just one more point that I want to raise is whilst um, we've resolved to grant planning permission today with regards to one of the applications, um, that we haven't that hasn't full planning as yet. It's not a, um, a committed site. A Section 106 agreement has still yet to be si signed and therefore does not count towards the five-year land supply as yet. It, it does. All right, okay, I'm corrected. I have the definitive on yeah. that. It does count. Right, so 200 count for you. Okay. <laughs> Do you have anything to air quality? Are you going to add any comments? There were some speakers with regard to air quality. Okay, fine. Edu uh, highways, education are not here, but they were here. We've covered that. Um, yeah, again, I've got a short statement. Um, the impact of this site on the highway network has been assessed through transport assessment, which has provided details of chip generation, impact on key junctions, accident data, and accessibility. The Highway Authority assessed the TA and asked the developer to undertake further work to ensure that underlying assumptions were robust and to model further junctions. A further TA addendum was submitted in respect of this application. This was fully assessed and tested against policy, current policy and the Essex Highways assessment to ensure that there was consistency in data and development of mitigation. The proposed development is located on a site with an existing commercial use and therefore its impact on the highway network has, um, has been measured within this context. While the number of trips will increase, the reduction in the size of the existing store and change of use of the site means that the number of HGVs on the local network is forecast to decrease. The development will have um, an impact on the general network in Saffron Walden um, and specifically on Ashton Road and therefore mitigation is required. Um, this includes um, provision of bus infrastructure and services, enhance, um, in, um, an enhancement of bus services, walking and cycling links um, and the implementation of travel plans for the residential and commercial development of the site as well um, as um, um, as well as capacity improvements on Ashton Road, Church Street, Common Street. Sorry, Common Hill. Assessment of the evidence is put forward in the transport assessment and, so, and the associated technical paper concludes that the impact of the development can be mitigated if the conditions laid out in the um, uh, highways recommendation it, um, are met. Therefore, the Highway Authority would not wish to raise an objection to this. Right, thank you. Now I'm going to give you three minutes. Please remember, members, talk to nobody. You are a three-minute comfort break. You're right, members. We will now go on to the part where the members discuss this planning application. So, uh, no, no, Councillor Wells unfortunately had to leave to go to the hospital. So, um, right. Uh, so, members, it's over to you, and I have got Councillor Godwin down already. Uh, thank you, Chairman. Um, you it was mentioned that the new development, the industrial part, would employ 480 people. Am I correct in that? No, it's a different number. 
And the officers will put your other questions. Do, do we know also how many people were employed on the site when it was in full use? Right. Um, regarding the um, loss of the football pitch, um, is there any way that we could be falling foul of any regulation somewhere? Because though it was uh, the football pitch is in private ownership. It was used as an open space playing area, I understand, for over 20 years. Does that bring any legal implications with it? And was there any attempt made to try and relocate a larger playing area of the size of a junior football pitch, which needn't be that big, anywhere else? It's better if you answer them as we go along. So, this is okay. um, with regards to the generation of employment, 10.10 um, of the report on 161, um, the current um, jobs on site is 120. Um, the proposed development could generate between 431 to 720 jobs um, based on the illustrative master plan. Um, it's considered to be approximately 533 jobs. In terms of what the employment was um, when the site was operating at its full capacity, unfortunately, I don't have that figure. Um, in terms of the level of open space, that has been discussed with the applicant. However, based on the information that has been submitted reg regarding the level of requirement of open space, based on draft local plan policy, the level of usable space um, that the scheme would provide and the actual level of open space that the um, scheme does provide um, in excess of actually what's required that is considered to be acceptable. Um, at the same time, the plan, um, illustrative plan is outlined with all matters reserved apart from the access. So that could alter at a later date. Because it seems to me looking at the lines, the, the open space area, if this um, whole uh, development had been rejigged a little bit, we could have remained with a football pitch. Well, that is something that we can discuss at the, at the, uh, at the full application if we're minded to improve this one, or we could... Uh, look at it now uh, and just advise. Please. What I will just say is that, um, as discussed in the report, the numbers and the, the level of natures of different uses, including the level of housing, um, impacts in terms of obviously the. Uh, it, it's an enabling development, that, and the money that's generated is needed to be able to develop the rest of the commercial unit. That's all I'll say. Can I, can I make, make two comments? One, I think Councillor Godwin is saying if you put all that purple in one place, yes. yeah. um, yeah. but that could be covered by yes, well that could be covered by the reserve matters because it doesn't change the principle of the development that's being set out here in theory. Because you, if you are looking at the approving the numbers, um, I'll be corrected. But, um, if, if we're looking at approving, but we're improving numbers and access rather than everything else. Everything else is reserved. So in theory, those sort of things could be looked at later. However, um, to answer your specific question, no, your 
of a relocation pitch wasn't considered because of the on-site provision was, was meeting the, the, tar the, the targets. Um, Mrs Oliva will correct me if I'm wrong, but there is no legal reason in relation to our council and the things that we control in relation to the football pitch. You asked whether there's any legal reason, really the loss of the football pitch. I'm not aware of any that, that we control as a council um, that, that would fall foul of in relation to approving an application. This then. So if we were to approve this today, it could, uh, with a request that somehow or other the, uh, the open space is rejigged so that there could be a football pitch, there is still a chance it might be provided. That is correct. Um, as Mrs. Hughes has reminded me, there are other issues like ecology, but it's a question of you balancing those up when it got to the detail stage, if it, if it got that far. Right, so basically, if we were minded to approve today, we could look at a football pitch with a rejigging of the site at a later date when full comes in, is what you're saying. What you're saying, okay, fine, thank you. Yeah, oh, sorry. Uh, we would ha that would mean it would have to be for public use. I'm not sure, uh, maybe Mr Taylor would comment, whether or not that is something that we could ask for in the context of this application. If, if we're talking about the amount of space, the amount of space is all in one place, that's something that we could control through the reserve matters. I don't see that there's a problem in relation to that. Um, the issue might be the further amounts of funding that might be required. I mean, obviously, it'd be levelled, you know, as part of the development. But if there's a further amounts of funding required to specifically set it out in a different way or something, depending on the level, that might go back to the viability aspects. But in theory, it, it, there is no problem with providing an open space that could be available for members of the public to use, and either owned by the town council or a management company set up to maintain it in, you know, in the public interest. There's no specific reason why we couldn't do that through this application in relation to that balance of space. Because in any leap or lap, whichever we have, we can't restrict who uses it. It's used by anybody because it's a public open space. And yes, we have done it in the past. Yeah, I mean, this open space here isn't just for the housing development no. there. as It would know, be open to anybody to use. So, yes, it's the same with if it was all grouped together or dispersed in a different way. And we have done it before. We have precedent where we have done it on other developments. Right, Councillor Perry. Thank you, Chairman. First of all, can I seek clarity? My understanding of private law is where a use over a long period of time takes place without restriction, that title can be transferred. So I'm at a loss regarding LC1 because there's been no restriction for that being used for nearly 40 years. It's only in the last few months that uh, they've started to lock it. So unrestricted access, as far as I'm concerned, does allow transfer. Chairman, Mrs Lee will correct me, but it's nothing to do with us. Um, that if it, someone is trying to establish a, a separate right, that's not part of, that's as you say, uh, private law, but it's not part of the planning process, so you can't consider it through this. If there's any separate route, that's separate from this planning application, and that's nothing to do with the district council to pursue. Right, Councillor Mellon. Thank you, Chairman. There's two things worrying me. Ashton Road is one. Um, could I ask Highways members to demonstrate to me how the car parking and mitigating measures are actually going to alleviate the problems there, and whether they 
I have taken on board this idea of a one-way system to look at that. The other thing is that half the cars running around Saffron Walden are looking for petrol, which they can only get at Tesco's. So I wondered whether we could ask Ridgens to consider a petrol and electric electricity point amongst there. We have one in the, uh, I seem to recall, was, was that? Oh, it's Manor Road. We've got one in Manor Road. Yes, the, the electric charging points are included on the Ridgens um, oh. uh, site. Um, sorry. Um, in, in terms of um, the Ashton Road um, parking scheme, um, as, dis as discussed before, um, we've been working with the North Essex part um, Parking Partnership. They have um, been out on site with Oxford um, <coughs> um, District Council mem um, uh, officers and looked at, um, at the site and are preparing a, um, uh, preparing a scheme um, which has been put forward which identifies areas where, areas where additional parking restrictions can be placed providing more parking spaces. Um, the devising of the scheme will be officially completed shortly following the advertising of 12 schemes for the district. They're looking to install double yellow lines in strategic places on Ashton Road, primarily in the areas of Highfields and Mill Lane, to enable buses and larger vehicles with better access by providing passing places with double yellow lines. Um, they are mindful that removing all the parking in the area would not be supported locally and may lead to increased traffic speed close to the school, so there will be a desire to leave parking available, some parking available. Um, and that's where we are with it at the moment. Thank you. Will that come to us when we're looking at reserved matters as a... There will, um, there will be a separate um, consultation because it will involve... Um, traffic regulation orders so before anything went forward that would have to go through that um, separate consultation process and through the North Essex Parking Partnership of which Uttlesford District Council is a member. So that will be dealt with at, uh, as a consultation Jen and can I just say um, page 132 uh, 18 the provision of electronic vehicle charging points at all properties with garages and charging points so we have covered that one. Next person is Councillor Ranger. I'm relying on my officer who put it down so. Uh, thank you very much Chair. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit puzzled. I, mean, I, I understand uh, Mr. Taylor's ex explanation that we can't use LC1 because it was protected employment land. But then, if, it's in, if it was protected employment land, I struggle with how we can suddenly put a load of houses on. With regard to amalgamation of the public space, I would have thought that from Ridgin's point of view, the, the, the great goodwill from the public that they'd achieved from doing that would certainly uh, make it worthwhile. And also, they could still have a similar number of houses if they did amalgamate the uh, land down there. I mean, I, the one thing that comes to my mind is that when you looked at the Google map picture of that particular site, there was a football pitch on it. And I, I think that uh, it would be good for the area as a whole and good for Ridgins if they did maintain a large area of public open space down at that site. Councillor Eden. 
thank you, Chairman. Yes, I'd like to raise uh, three matters, please, all broadly in the same topic of transport. I'm slightly puzzled by the vehicle numbers, because doing the quick count, Bridgens tell us they have between five and 600 uh, uh, customers a day, and I'm assuming that's, that they come in vehicles as opposed to walking in. Um, we obviously have some traffic. There's 120 people employed on the site, so uh, a proportion of those would come by car. So we probably have, let's call it 600. We're going to have the same um, number of customers. Regions won't have less customers. Um, there may be less commercial vehicles, HGVs, but it'll be the same number of cars. We will obviously have a significant increase in cars relating to the additional employment, because the numbers being talked there go from 120 to 4, 500, depending on which number you want to pick, so a significant increase. We'll obviously have 167 houses, likely to be 167 cars moving backwards and forwards, and we're going to have a hotel and a restaurant and a pub. So quick add up, 1,000 cars a day, which is significantly more than now. So I would ask the highways, how were they able to say there's no significant increase when we're talking about almost doubling the number of cars. Um, we've got all the mitigations which are really, as my granddad would have said, pussyfoot, and we're going to spend £5,000 to fund the implementation of a parking scheme. You know, four buckets of paint, you know. Um, and we're going to do some improvements, all a bit vague, on the mini roundabout by the castle. Um, we've got, so that's my first question. Um, we always get this excited about travel plans and all that, and I've sat chairing the Uttlesford Transport Forum for seven years, and as my granny would have said, in Canada, it's all baloney. Um, we hardly ever see these travel plans, and when we do, they are about bits of leaflets and literature, and some of them are a free deal to get a, to get a, a bus, bus, bus pass cheap and this sort of thing. It's not really gripping it. Now, that strikes me... We have uh, a 34 uh, bus town service, which, which, which um, uh, terminates at Tesco's, uh, and that's obviously going to be of considerable benefit to the Manor Oak development from early today. That 34 bus could go up Elizabeth Way and uh, um, accommodate improved bus services to uh, Tudor Park, and it could clearly go up to this development, uh, and you've got a turning circle. So one simple change in the 34 bus service would improve, would add, you're talking 600, nearly 600 houses would be getting the benefit of an improved town service. And nobody's even kind of mentioned it. Um, and it strikes me as the opposite. We, so I, the question is, how do we get to grips with this so that when we grant this planning permission, I'm going to be able to stand at Hornbook uh, in three or four years' time and actually see the 34 bus coming back from Tesco, going up to the Tudor Park, going up to this site, turning around and coming back. Anyone who travels on the 301 between here and Bishop Stortford's knows that it's an hourly service and it turns left at Whittington, goes all the way to Whittington, nobody ever gets on, nobody gets off, and it turns around and comes back. Now, if we can do that, why can't we actually get a bus service going to Tudor Park and here, and it, we get a grip of it now, not in some vague plan that we know will never happen. So what is it we do to get a grip of this 34 bus service? That's my, uh, my, my second question. Well, I can answer that on page 126 if you look at condition, if we're minded to approve, section 106, condition 
12, this is bus service to development through the enhancement or extension of existing services. If I may just respond to that, Chairman. I read that uh, several days ago. Um, they all say that. I can go back seven years and get them out. They all say that. That is not a specific proposal. I want to know how we get a grip so we can say we were responsible for getting the 34 bus to turn up here on an hourly basis or a half hourly basis. And by the way, when I want to go to the pub, the bus runs. Uh, because currently, of course, the 34 bus doesn't run in the evening, so anybody that works after 7, 7.30 um, wouldn't be able to use the bus. Um, that, that would be covered in the, in the sec development of the Section 106. What this is, is saying is that the um, services would enter the site. There's actually a bus turning circle in the site so that things can go in because it, it is on the edge of town. So buses need to get there and then come back out and carry on. Um, and also um, enhancement of the peak hour services because there is a gap in the peak hour service, as you know. So it's, it's saying those those two things um, and it's saying on the, that it will come on the 50th um, dwelling so that it gets a chance to then carry on and be supported for a number of years so that it can build up uh, head of steam and actually be sustainable and carry on afterwards. You're right, it is in all the, um, it's in the Oak, uh, Manor Oak one as well. So precisely so that we can in the serve this part of town and get together, work it out and make sure that it is put into the section 106 in the way that it is can be. Uh, because these uh, meetings are recorded, I'm going to save the recording and every year, commit myself now, I'm going to circulate to everybody how we're getting on. That's fine, we can monitor it. Next person is Councillor Salmon. Thank you, Madam Chairman. No, it's not part of this planning application, but as it's close by, I don't know if we've got any information on it, the storage tanks. Do we know when they're inspected and how often they're inspected and when the last inspection was? Because God forbid if anything happened to them tanks, that site wouldn't be there and all would half a south and warden. Unfortunately, I don't know how often they're inspected, but um, as part of the applications, both this one and the Manor Oak one, we've consulted the Health and Safety Executive. Um, the scheme has been um, designed to, um, to allow for the pipelines that run through the site, um, so it's been specifically designed that there's no built form um, in close proximity of them and no objection has been raised by the Health and Safety Executive as a result. Now, uh, and can, I, can I just add to that? So to be made clear, that's the health and safety's responsibility in terms of their maintenance regime and overseeing that, and that's not something that we should consider as part of this planning application. They've been consulted in terms of their um, exclusion zones, and they're happy that this scheme, as an, out, as an outline plan, passes their tests, and they'll obviously be involved in the detail as well. Right. Can I quickly come yes, back? Yes, on, can, can I quickly come back on Councillor Eden and just put him right? The 301 that goes up to Whittington every Tuesday, there are six people get on at nine o'clock and six people get off at one o'clock. I was going to ten o'clock. Can I? Um, I'm going round everybody who hasn't spoken before. So Councillor Ranger, you're on there, and then Councillor Cant. Thank you, Chairman. I'd just make, uh, firstly make a remark to Councillor Eden. He chairs the transport forum. He tells you that if he can't make the bus run, I don't know who can. They need a new chairman. Right. Um, I don't live in Saffron Walden. Thank you very much. 
Um, right, so we've agreed. It's not sports field, it's employment land. We're going to replace the old, nasty, with new, up-to-date, relevant units and increase the number of jobs. One box ticked. It's one of our few brownfield sites, so we haven't got the S7 spectre over the top of us. Another box ticked. We've advice that reassures us on air quality. That's another box ticked. Um, a new town was raised as a prospect by the gentleman who unfortunately left. It was a great idea, but it needs to be part of longer-term planning. Um, it should be an early part of the plan that will follow the plan that we're now getting approved. Um, however, that doesn't get rid of the need why we have a dispersal policy, because we need homes, local homes, for local people, and putting them in a new town somewhere is not the immediate answer. Uh, 1813, you remember that from earlier on? Well, it's probably 1814 now. It's increasing at 52 a month, the list. Um, we have heard an awful lot today from the voice of the satisfied. Where is the voice of the homeless and the disadvantaged? We need these houses. So come on, let's get there and vote them through. Councillor Kant. Um, thank you, Chairman. Um, can I ask... Um, about air quality again. We, we have details up until 2012 listed in the report. Do we have any indications at all yet on whether 2013 represents any um, diminution of air quality or uh, whether there is um, an increase in the percentages? Yes, the um, progress report for 2014 is virtually due for publication. It's just been um, corrected. So the data for 2013 will be published in the next few days. Um, I do have some of the details available. Um, you just forgive me one minute while I get the list. Uh, the... the Air quality in 2013 did show a slight improvement on 2012 in that there's no exceedances at receptors at all in 2013, um, but that's a proviso that the Thaxted Road um, monitor was subject to the roadworks being in place, so it set back the congestion from the monitor. Um, so that, that's a bit of an anomaly, but the... The rest of the monitoring data did show a slight reduction in 2013 over 2012. Um, I wouldn't like to comment on the reasons for that. It may be weather dependent. It may be due to improved emissions from vehicles. Um, the monitor in the automatic monitor in Hill Street showed a very slight increase on, on 2012, but marginal. Um, so it, it's impossible really. The trends over the last few years have been fairly constant in terms of air quality. Um, no, no drastic movements one way or the other. Does that answer your questions? Come back. Can I come back? Um, in terms of um, traffic, I, th I think Councillor Eden raised the number situation. Uh, and it does seem to me that we're talking about 120 and possibly 
four or five hundred, and we would hope that some people would use the bus, but getting to work and back and whatever, people tend to want to do that under their own steam. Um, I know they're expecting less um, articulated vehicles, which are obviously more polluting than perhaps than cars. Um, has, have regions suggested that um, some of their um, deliveries might be by telephone or email and therefore um, dispersed from other depots? And so are they expecting fewer people than the 500 and something uh, at present to visit the site? So it's a combination of offices and highways, but it does seem to me that somewhere along here, unless the articulated lorries balance out the cars, that the, the improvements that have been made are very quickly going <laughs> to be reverted. So can, um, I'm sorry if that's not terribly clear, but it's two questions really. One to officers about Ridgeon's proposals and one about the numbers of vehicles compared to articulated lorries. Do you want to answer that first and then I'll ask Mrs. Shoesmith to... Uh, as I understand it, it's more of a John Lewis model now that the, 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 well, you yeah. go to de different depots, deliver to, um, to different there, places. There was a slide showing the different depots with the different and the, uh, different catchment areas for the um, for the different um, new stores. So that it, so not everyone is coming to Saffron Walden as, as in the past. They're going out to the, the different stores, um, <clears throat> and that's our un understanding. They're reducing the size of the store. They're reducing the model. They're changing the model on which they work, and therefore the number of trips expected to be generated by that store um, has has reduced. They have in their um, transport assessment shown um, trip generations from all. There, um, the proposed uses of the site um, and um, in relation to the, um, uh, the area of those, those developments and the type of development using a, a, a national model of how, how the, the number of trips are generated and that has then all been put together and then they've shown how that is compared to what's there already um, and, and therefore show their impact and they do show an impact on the, on the highway there's no, no question that they don't and that impact has then been measured um, and the mitigations worked with that although they've shown their mitigation <coughs> um, although they've shown their impact on the highway that they're putting extra included in their in their um, um, sort of committed development if you like is what's there already as well so they're, they're not they're not cutting things out, but they're just showing this is what the new stuff and this is what's there already and using it together. Chairman, can I just ask a question of highways? Because I think both Councillor Kant and um, Councillor Eden have sort of said the baseline you're assessing it from is from the 120 jobs up to the 500 and something, but that's not the baseline you'll assess it against. That's sort of a question mark isn't the baseline the permitted use of the site in terms of the, the, expect, the potential highway movements and therefore the difference between the consent or lawful stroke consented scheme with what's being proposed? Um, yes, that's right. It's what the permitted development and then it's what they're putting on top of that permitted development is what it's been assessed on, although that permitted development is still in the figures 
but we're looking at their extra bit that they're putting on top of that. Right, members, uh, just before I go around... Oh, sorry, Mrs. Chisner, if you wish to... Yes, fine. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Thank you. I was just going to um, quote from the information that's been submitted as part of the additional information um, with regards to the HGV reduction. It's been... Um, I've commented within my presentation and in the addendum, um, basically with regards to um, the the use of the store as a hub store, um, it's commented that there will be fewer return trips to the store um, as a result of the use um, of more of their satellite operation stores. Um, currently, the Saffron Warden site, the delivery vehicles covers a catchment area which extends from Letchworth, um, Chelmsford and Colchester. The new satellite stores um, have opened to the west and also to the south, Royston and uh, Sawbridgeworth, and further satellite stores are proposed uh, to be coming on stream. So as a result, um, they will be dispatched from different areas. Okay, does that answer your, your questions? Okay, fine. Right, uh, members, I think we will uh, now move on, but I just wanted to say, I just, uh, to my, my mind, this is a brownfield site within town developments, jobs and material consideration, um, and I think that uh, we need to look very, we need to look that uh, for the enhancement of the town, we must realise that uh, businesses move on. We're in a different age now from when Ridgens first came to Saffron Walden. We all work a different way. A lot of people go onto the net to do things and then get things delivered. So I, um, I feel we need to move on now, members. So I will start the round again because I've got more people who wish to speak. Um, and I'll start with Councillor Perry. Thank you, Chairman. Just three questions. In relation to Ashton Road and the double lining in the parking spaces... Or sorry, passing spaces. There are no houses there along most of Ashton Road that would be able to take the vehicles that are owned by those premises. So we're going to disperse it onto the side roads, which are already crammed full. I spent a half an hour on Sunday where two drivers went face to face in Ashton Road and they were arguing who should remove. I wish I wasn't retired. I'd bash their heads together if I could. But the other thing is employment. I've spoken to a number of um, employments that are actively on that site at this present, and they've been given notice to quit because they don't fit into the new scheme of things, and that concerns me as to how we are safeguarding existing employment. And Ridgins have a very active plant hire and heavy materials and I would suggest that the majority of movements are heavy vehicles more than cars and I wonder if that's been taken into consideration by highways. I think highways have answered that already but could I ask you to answer that no, again, please? In, in, terms, in terms of the parking scheme um, where there is no where else for the um, residents to park because they have not got no off-street parking, Those, that, that parking will be left. Um, but the parking partnership have identified um, a number of small areas where 
they can um, put um, parking restrictions, additional parking restrictions, which will not affect those and therefore leave more parking spaces. Um, in terms of the um, in terms of the um, HGV, HGVs, it follows the um, model that we are, we've just been shown and talked about in terms of the catchment area, and, and, that, and that's what the reduction in HGVs is forecast. Quickly, they were talking about delivery vehicles, not collection vehicles. I think it's delivery vehicles to people's houses. So if people were delivering, as you're saying, part of the thing, I think that's that's the point. They might come from a different location. The point I was trying to make was people that go there from their own companies to pick up equipment, heavy equipment themselves. So I'm saying, not the deliveries, but the people are going from outside. That's what I'm saying. I think those have been taken into the calculations. Is that correct? Yeah, the model put forward has, has different stores over the place where people will go and collect things from different places. In, that, in other words, if a builder orders something, he might be going to Colchester to collect it, or, or I can't remember where the other one, or Royston, instead of actually coming to Southern Walden, is what you're trying to say. Sorry, just to, to put it in, in, simple, in simple terms. Thank you. Right, uh, Councillor Mackman is Thank you, Chair. Uh, it did cross my mind that uh, one of the possible reasons for the drop in uh, the, the, fact, the, the fact that air quality measures stayed pretty much the same last year because it was very wet, and I understand that nationally mileage travelled was a lot lower than previously. Uh, with this, I just wondered if there was any way that we could get assurances that they would seriously consider amalgamating the, the public land and putting it down where it currently exists so that a football pitch could be retained. Can we put that down as a condition that we wish it to be to look to? No, we can't. Okay, can, can you just explain? We, we can't, but it's, it's a reserved matter. I think the Regions team have heard quite clearly what you've been saying this afternoon. Any detailed application would need to come back to this committee if the outline was approved, and you'd be able to have that input then. Obviously, um, I assume if this is approved, there'll be detailed pre-application discussions, and obviously that can be reiterated. But as the uh, you know, the layout and details have been reserved and we can't add additional things in now. So it is within our, if we were minded to approve now, if at the, uh, uh, the detailed stage we were not happy, we still have the, the, the right to refuse the detailed, as we have done often before. Councillor Goldman. I'm sure in the past we've also done something like an advisory note. Um, attached to this planning permission. Yes, they have actually. Yes, we, we could done. add an informative if Inform that's Or an informative, yes. yes. Because I think if, when it comes back, uh, if we're minded to approve it, we'll have no legs to stand on unless we have that somewhere in black and white. Councillor Ranger. Thank you, Chairman. I think condition one covers that, doesn't it? Approval of details of the layout, scale, landscaping, appearance, and public open space layout. It, it does. If members wanted to add so, an informative yeah. that said we'd like it to all be in one place mm. generally, then that could yeah. be done. Right. Uh, yes, well, I need a proposer and seconded for their approval, or I need somebody. Councillor Ranger, you put your hand up. Chairman, I'm happy to recommend approval 
uh, acceptance of the officer's recommendation with the um, advisory that um, the condition one should seriously consider incorporating a public playing area. Do I have a seconder for that? If we can, we can say that outline planning permission is granted on the understanding that. We're told by law we can't do that, but we can. It will come back to us at detailed if we're minded to approve by putting on an, a, um, a note to say that we are looking for gives strength to what we are looking and if it doesn't come back then we can always refuse the full permission with regard to the sports pitch but I would say that four people from Ridgens have been listening to every word we have been hmm? five sorry <laughs> beg your pardon I didn't realize there was a fifth hmm. it's my glasses they're getting misted up uh, five people have been listening very hard to every word that has been said in this chamber all afternoon. So, I mean, um, are you seconding it? Or My concern with that is that, in effect, we've given planning permission in principle without any guarantees that we will get some <coughs> more facility for because, you know, there's two, if, if the care eventually goes ahead, there's five or six dangerous roads there needs to be somewhere for the children on this estate to play even if um, there's no football and, and to be honest the amount of open space most of it is attenuation the big mm. bit down at the bottom and so in terms of usable open space these tiny little bits are no good for kids to play in they might be okay to put a couple of swings and a seesaw on but that, that's about it there's nowhere for the kids from 167 houses to play properly. And, and that was my main, my main argument with this originally, that there should be somewhere for these children to play because they're going to be surrounded by dangerous roads outside the town. Nobody's going to let their kid walk to the common. It's too far along a dangerous road. And therefore, um, I cannot see that... You know, I mean, can we ask Ridgens if they think that this might be possible since there are five of them here? Can I just say that a precedent has already been set that we enabled this on a development in my own village where the developer heard what the committee was saying and heard about that they wanted space big enough for people to put football kicking around and it was achieved. So I, have, I feel that we can achieve this, but I gather from a legal point of view we can't ask for it in a section 106. Am I correct? If we could put now that we wish to see it full, a, the, the land put together so it gives us a larger play space than two small places. Can we ask in the section 106 that we could have the play space in one place and not two? I would Ch like Chairman, Chairman, the problem is the, this is an outline application with everything reserved oh. apart from the access. So we, you're considering the access and the principle of the development rather than the detail. So that's always going to be the same, Councillor Camp. With this proposal, as you well know, with any outline that you grant anywhere, 
is that the detail when it comes back will be based on the outline. It might, you know, change might have happened, but it needs to follow that same principle. But you can't restrict down when those matters are reserved because they're reserved for future consideration. That's that's the way the system works. So yes, this is asking us to approve, or asking you to approve the principle of the development with certain things reserved for later consideration. They've shown that they can fit on the employment and 167 houses and way more open space than is necessary in accordance with our policies. What the committee is generally saying is, okay, fine, you've done all that. You don't like the long lines of it. Let's put it in a big square, roughly, you know, or circle or something. So that's in theory doable because that layout is there and they can just move things around to, to do that. In theory, that is doable within the space confines that we have on this site. But there is no way of requiring them to do that, apart from you raised it as an informative and they've heard and through discussions in terms of that. That consideration, as always with reserve matters, will sit at the reserve matters stage of the determination process. For clarity, I will second, because we should actually not be discussing unless this has been seconded, and I will second the recommendation saying that an informative should go just to be legal. Uh, so, um, and the next person, I saw lots of hands up. So, uh, uh, Councillor Mackman. Thank you, Chair. Two points. Uh, one, I think that uh, Flitch Green demonstrates what happens if we don't keep a grip on these things. There's a local area of play there that is about a third of the size of this carpet. It's a joke. And the other thing was that, uh, could we have a recorded vote on this, please? Yes, we can. Uh, Councillor Ranger, you wish to come back? Yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, it is, us for, it is for us to approve the reserve matters application, am I correct? So hopefully regions are still listening. Right. Uh, does anybody else wish to add anything else? We have a, uh, a proposal for approval um, on the table. It has been approved and seconded. We have... Um, agreed to add an informative note with regard to the place space on this being in one place instead of dotted around the, uh, the area. Um, there are other conditions. Uh, Councillor Ranger, do you wish to add anything else with regard to the 106 uh, legal agreement or the conditions? I don't either. So therefore, I will go to the vote, and it is a recorded vote, so would you like to call out again, please? Could I ask members that when you give your response, you must turn your microphone on, otherwise the recording does not hear which way you vote. Councillor Kant? Four. Councillor Cheatham? Four. Councillor Eden? Four. Councillor Godwin? Four. Councillor Mackman? Four. Councillor Menel? Four. Councillor Perry? Unfortunately, against. Councillor Ranger? Four. Councillor Salmon? Four. Eight, four, and one against. Therefore, the application is passed. Can I thank everybody for attending today? Can I also thank you, the audience? You have been very good. It has, I think, been a very good meeting, and thank you very much. I close the meeting at 25 to 8.